Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin' I'm falling in love with you Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in Night, not the loneliest night of the week. It's October the 15th, year 2016, and everything good in the world. I'll ask Patricia to ask me why that is, but I'll, I will make that big announcement. Everything is all right in the world because it happened today. And <laughs> <laughs> I love your reasoning. It's so good. And here she is. The uh, the 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 stable one of the relationship here, the one that keeps <laughs> us anchored, the one that checks on all the family, the one that baked cookies, <laughs> the one that cooks <laughs> a turkey dinner in the toaster oven on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> or the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the one that. Drive to Alabama more times than the state of Alabama. Here she is. The adorable one. You ran out of things to say. I know. Well, I'll have to give you a list next I week. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Walden Stable is not something that has been overused to describe me. <laughs> Anyhow, it is Saturday already. And, you know, I, I woke up this morning, 
uh, several times. <laughs> and Walden and I were comparing sleep. I don't yeah. know which one of us won or lost, but yeah. um, neither neither one of us did the normal word mm-hmm. for for this day's sleep. And I woke up and thought, you know, I think this has happened to everybody. Is it Friday? Is it Thursday? And very quickly, my brain said, oh, no, it's Saturday. And I said back to my brain, how could that be already? (laughs) We just finished. (laughs) We just finished a Saturday. So anyway, hello, everybody. Thank you for being with us. We promise we won't be dull. You might not like us, (laughs) but but we promise we will not be dull. We'll be good. Very good. We'll have fun. I've got fun stuff tonight. That's true. Yeah. You always do. Yeah, I know. Some some nights are fun. Other nights are fun. Mm-hmm. And everything that is fun is obje- uh, subjective, not objective. So maybe it's fun to me, but not necessarily to anybody else. But at least I will have tried very hard. But that's your. That's why you're you're the hostess that that does the show. You got your own stuff to do. I've got my stuff. That's yes, true. and we have not emphasized the word stuff recently. That is the best word in the whole language. What did Faber have in his closet, Walden? Stuff. And what did you do when you were downtown with your friends the other day? I did stuff. Yeah. And what did you have for dinner? Stuff. See, it's a great word. Great word. Is it it the most universal term in the English language? That's an interesting question. I do not know. I would think so. Now, my dear. Did you decide the word stuff was just a perfect word before you became, uh, before you became acquainted with Fibber McGee about? <laughs> yes, ah. I did. I don't think I don't think Fibber and Molly used the word stuff. It might have been occasional, but it was not part of their routine. Well, it's part of Fibber's famous catchphrase, stuff like that. There. And, oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, silly me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We haven't played or I haven't listened to a fibber in such a long time. I have to go back, and I exchanged a couple of notes with Donnie Pitchford about cartooning. Mm-hmm. Donnie is the person responsible for the Lumen Abner cartoons and that are up on the website. Now I have to go back and check the website. You probably I, have it memorized. I thought it was so fun. This week he... He was sketching the Lemon Abner t- cartoon inside of a pumpkin patch. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. This is good. Well, I had a question for him, and we wound up exchanging for about two hours last night because mm-hmm. he was giving me all this wonderful information, and my brain kept saying, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know what that is. <laughs> he was using terms that he was so familiar with as a cartoonist, among other things, a media expert, what I had asked him at the outset related to the heritage auctions that I follow with movie posters and comic books, they had several Disney items for sale, and some of them were cells that were pre-colored for cartoons, Mm. and the, the particular cell is just one piece of paper one of the ones that has just minuscule changes from page to page, and when they flip them, they kind of, you know, run together, and it Uh looks like a movie. 
and the description was five peg cell. And I had no idea what what they were describing with a five peg hole, I think, or five, yeah, five peg hole cell. I didn't, I had no idea what a five peg hole was. So Johnny told me. Only he told me so much, I got it mixed up on the first pass. And, you know, he was dealing with a little kid because I don't know anything. I told him I followed them, but I followed them from the sale perspective Mm -hmm. and how much these things are going for. And, by the way, an E.T. poster, one of the original posters, $354,000. I had E.T. Mama on, on the radio last week. Did you really? Yeah. But, you know, $354,000, that's pretty good money. For a piece of paper. Well, it really was, I guess, the original artwork that they made the posters from. I will have to go back and check the information, but that was a special announcement, $354,000. What what could we do with $354,000? Maybe I should make that a theme one night. What would you do with a million dollars? I would make sure your rent is paid for for the next month, and you have food (gasps) I had food and friends, and, and, and you have your and get your car paid off, and get oh my, get nice. my car paid uh-huh. off. Yeah, it's, yep. it's, the payments are finally down to what the car is worth. Well, well, at least we're in positive territory. Yeah, so and maybe we'll just make it a realistic number. People ask, what would you do with a million dollars? Well, I can't, I can't count a million dollars. So maybe we'll just make it realistic. If we gave everybody $10,000, what would you do with $10,000? Is that a realistic number? I think they say the average estate is about $10,000 now. So the, uh, is either 10 or 20, yeah. Boy, we really have hit the skids, uh-huh. haven't we? Well, the, you know, they're talking about you know people who draw down because of medical medical things and things sure. like that. Sure. I think I read that. It's like maybe ten years old is when I saw that number. Um. But it, it was some it was some staggering low amount that I I wasn't I was taken aback by. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then this um, I would look at this as discretionary income. Okay. Not to pay bills, but to do something special or several special things. And that could include going out to dinner or uh-huh. having extra Dairy Queens or something like that. Something that's outside the average monthly budget, even though it would be nice to pay off some of those bills. This is a play well, pretend. How about, how, about, how about this way? All your, yeah. bills, all your bills are paid for and you have an extra 10. How th- how'd that sound? Boy, if all my bills were paid for, I wouldn't need an extra ten. <laughs> well, but but, but your, it, this is your fun money. What would you do? That, is that's all, true. That's true. All I would bills, go to the grocery all, store. All all the bills are paid for. Uh huh. You have the as yet long as we're being magical. Why not? Why not? You have the extra yeah. ten. Okay, I would go to the store and buy anchovies. They're quite expensive. Very good. Yeah, Very well, you can't spend ten thousand dollars on anchovies. You would die from the salt. There's so much salt in them. So we'll we'll just I'll just be judicious and get some for salad and once in a while to eat out well, of the tin. Well, that would be your yeah, that would be your your uh, anchovy money. So that could be spread over a lifetime or whatever. Oh boy, I you know I I say they're pricey. I I would guess 
maybe $2 for a little tin, two fifty, something like that. And you can buy a lot of food with $2.50 instead of a little tiny tin of salty fish. But I do like them. So I would, I would spend $25 on anchovies. That leaves me $9,975. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not cheap. I'm just careful. I'll have to set aside another $25 in case I eat all the anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case. Just in case. Well, you want to give a report, our very special report for tonight? Oh, the one I was promoting at the top of the show? What? Today's a very special day. Okay. Because Nebraska won, and that's the first oh time. That's the first time they've been six and zero since two thousand one, and they beat the University of Indiana. So that that was my special report for the. Oh, show. I can't wait for Dan to call in. <laughs> I'll go have my snack. The you two can tear it on down. The interesting thing about the stadium, I did not notice. Not a very big football stadium, I guess, is University of Indiana, fifty-two thousand, but they have a, a little side field for little kids. So oh, how fun. So they were saying not everybody at the game paying attention to the game because they, they had a couple hundred kids running around a small little field next to it. So so stuff like that there. Okay. Well, you were going to give, and we were going to give, a report on Jim Taylor. I thought I would let you handle that because you, you, we, uh, I get, we got a chance to talk to Jim twice. I did on uh, Tuesday for 15 minutes. And then I looked at the clock. You know how long you and I spent with Jim on Thursday, Patricia? An hour and a half. I think an hour. Yeah, I I rolled down about an hour and forty-five. But yeah. Really? Yeah. It was longer than that. Yeah. 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 So. So what? So anyway, we got to talk what, with Jim. Yes. So you have the four first, my dear. Go ahead. Well, we can have the four together. Okay, that's fair. Anyway, Jim is in a rehab facility. He is doing incredibly well i am just so happy to be able to tell you that and just for a quick update in case someone missed this along the way jim taylor is our family member from california who calls in and has this fabulous memory and he'll give me the name of a show and the date and the time and the people who were in it and just all sorts of neat stuff like that and he also gives us a book review every once in a while mm-hmm. and he was in a house that had a terrible fire. Jim was not burned. He did not have any external injuries, but he was nearly killed with smoke inhalation. So it has been, and this was in August. couldn't believe it when he said it was August. It's been six weeks at least, maybe eight. In any event, um, he was resuscitated. He's been, he was spent time in the hospital. It was, it, it was really an a incredible journey for him. And we talked with him while he was in his rehab facility, of course. That's where he is now. And it was like talking to our regular Jim. He has a little bit of a frog in his throat because, of course, from the smoke inhalation and the intubation and the treatments that he's getting. But we had such a wonderful conversation, and we just kept talking and talking and talking, and we didn't stop. So I was just feeling so good, number one, that I had an opportunity to talk with him with Walden, and number two, that he is doing 
so well, and I'm just so delighted to be able to pass that on. Yep. What his, else? His what should mental, I have said? His mental capacity is intact. Thank God. It, it, uh, it, it is. It's a hundred. It's our gym. Yeah. Yeah. There's he no, has no no residual, except of course he's got to get physically yes. active, you know, and, and re-exercise his muscles and, and bring them back up to par, and breathing exercises, things like that. Other than that, it, it's gonna wow. Take, it's going to take a while. He can walk about 20, 30 steps at a time. Yeah. And he needs help going to the, use the bathroom and different things like that. So he's got physical limitation that he didn't mm-hmm. normally have. And so um, yeah. that is what his big hurdle is physically. Um he thanks everybody from the bottom of his heart for all you who have donated to the GoFundMe site. And Patricia and I have been checking right now. Uh, it's not online. We're trying to find out when one will be made available if it can. But those of you who do um, have made contribution, Jim wants to thank you all so much. Eventually, when it is made available to him, it what he's planning to use it for is to buy clothes. He, he's lost all his clothes. He doesn't have a bed. He doesn't have any, anything Nothing. Like that. Everything, everything was destroyed except his computer. Yes. They think that they're going to see if they, they, I don't know who the they are, but the people who know computers and know Jim are going to work on his computer to see if they can resurrect it. Which is miraculous. Which is miraculous. Jim was pointing to us. He was was the one that made the 911 call, and he knew he was in bad shape because he couldn't get out. He felt the heat blocking the entranceway getting out of the house. And once after he made the 911, he doesn't remember anything after that. So he must have uh, been overcome by the smoke. And so that was like August 28th. And he wasn't aware of anything until the second of August, September, so he had no. Uh, and of course, when Patricia found the article, we know why. You know, he was overcome by smoke, and I think he's very touched that people, like the police officers, hurt themselves to break into the ro- went into the room to get Jim out, and they had some yeah, of those had had surgery. Yeah, one and of the firemen was badly injured. And so he was at the hospital until the 14th of September and moved to the facility. Uh, we knew where he was in the hospital, but we didn't know till the rehab. He's going to be there until October 31. So it will be our job to keep tab of him and sort of find out where he's going to be moved from that after that point. So yeah. we're going to be on a... Terrible! We lost him. We literally lost him. And Walden checked with the hospital a couple of times, yeah. and I said, "Oh, we don't know. He's not here. I don't. You know, we don't have any record. What do you mean you don't have any record? Of course he was there, but got no help from anyone until his friend Dennis, yeah, Dennis the yeah. the disc jockey out in California, had information that he shared with Ron in Illinois. So it filtered down and. One told another, told another, told another, and we, we finally realized he was okay. Yep. And that's that's really what we needed to hear. Biggest, biggest thing he's going through, and understandable, is he doesn't he, he's he's out of his routine. You know, Jim had a certain routine that he loved to listen to everything. 
Well, he doesn't have access to those things that he listened to right now. And so, because of boredom, he goes to bed somewhat early. And that's understandable, what he goes through. So it's almost like yeah. eating yeah. physical therapy, and and he's not able to call out. So, um, so we're going to try to be there as his support for the next, for mm-hmm. until the next few weeks. Especially so now that we know where he is and we can do that. Yeah. And that, that will be wonderful. And as he said, you know, he, he feels down. Yeah. So I'm not sure I'm depressed, but it's boring and there's no excitement. He does have, he said they have radio there, but not the stations that he typically listens to. So, Walden, this, this and I should have thought of this sooner. Mm-hmm. I'm going up to Amazon later tonight to see if I can find one of those little doodads with the headset, you know, just just the earplug type things, okay. and I can load old-time radio shows on it. Got it. And they're not terribly expensive, but sometimes they're really squirrely to work, so I'll see if they've got a simple one. Yeah, that something really simple. Yeah. yeah, and doesn't come with Chinese instructions. I mean, really, the... Some of the inst- and and some of them don't come with instructions, so yeah. I'll have to choose yeah. very carefully. But if they're affordable, I will. Okay. And I, I will get one, and we'll find out. Um, okay, I know Ron and Neil always are both sending them hard drive, but right now that's not going to do Jim any good now because he's not no. going to have access to that. So. Yeah, he doesn't, and and he doesn't have anything to play him on. But these these are little pocket units. They're, right. oh, probably the size of a half a very large cigar. <laughs> I don't know. They're not, they're not large at all. So if I can find one that is easy to operate, and I haven't checked for a couple of years, so maybe they've simplified them a little bit, and I can put some old-time radio shows on for him, and it'll be something he can carry around in his pocket. And you, you know what they have stopped making? Because when I work out um, on my treadmill, I like, used to like to listen to the radio, the little headset rate. They have stopped making those. What? Yeah. The little, the little, he, little radios that sit on your head. Yeah. They have stopped making those. Why? I don't know. Because nobody listens to the radio I anymore. guess so. Everybody's using their iPod so, or, or whatever now. Don't they know we're out here and we need them? <laughs> <laughs> Who do we talk to? I need to talk to somebody about these kinds of things. You said something the other day, and I can't recall what it was, but I want to talk. <gasps> I know what it was, the top ten. The I top need, we ten. need to talk to that gentleman. Bill, Bill, Bill Owen, that, that's on Patricia's list. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Tell, them, tell, tell everybody who, 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 who <laughs> on the announcer's you? list. Yeah. Who, who is the number one old-time radio announcer, he decided. Harlow Wilcox was number seven. Right. Fred Foy is number six. And Fred Foy, number six. Can yeah. you believe that? Tell them who was number one, please. Don Wilson. I can hear them going, <gasps> Well, I think number two, this is Patricia shook her head, Harry Von Zell. Unreal. And Jimmy Wallenham was number three. Unreal. So... Now, Bill Owens, a long-time, old-time radio historian. Got, got I know he is, and he's, and he's very he's very versatile in all of these things, and yeah. this is one of the reasons I feel so safe 
doing awful shows. It's hard to disagree with awful. If I said the 10 worst shows, it would be a problem. But having the top 10 or the best of anything invites people like me to come in and say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> All right, so, so who, is, who is Patricia's top announcer in her book? I don't, you know, well, Harlow Wilcox is the one I suggested first, but in terms of announcing, and we're talking professional announcers like Milton Cross yes. and yeah, those, guys. those guys, I don't, I don't think Harlow Wilcox is within that group, and I, I think you probably had to separate them into at least two groups, the, the casual ones, and that's where Don Wilson would belong, and people like Harlow Wilcox, Don Wilson, and that gang, and well, then the the really serious voice artists who were hoity-toity, the hoity-toity ones, is that acceptable? Yeah, but this is your list. This is not oh, my, is, my list, my list. Yeah. Well, I can tell you who wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, now Frank, me. he probably would say the hard work was in the most demand, because he figured out at one time, he he did a primetime show every night of the week. And probably more than one on mm -hmm. others. Probably so. Yes, yes. And, of course, for our gang, because we haven't played very many Fibber McGee and Molly's, Harlow Wilcox was the Johnson's Wax Man on Fibber McGee and Molly, among a million other shows that he did. And he had a distinctive voice, so he was easy to recognize when he showed up on a different program. Yep, he was from Nebraska. What can I say? Was he? Yeah. Another yep. one? Another Nebraska. What did they do? Turn a, turn Nebraska upside down and shake it like a salt shaker? <laughs> My goodness. What what do they feed people in Nebraska that this happened? Corn beef. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of corn, <laughs> folks. Okay. Well, I have got, we've got five Saturdays in this month, you know. We do. Well, let me we go do. back and double check. Yes, this is our third, and it's only ah. the 15th, and we have the 1st, the 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. So we so have five Saturdays this so month, I, I want. Okay, so that means we have four in November and five in December. And one, two, three, four, five in December. We squeak to the 31st. Do you know that what it means? We only got nine more, 11 more Saturdays and then we're done with the year. Well then, could I please be excused now? <laughs> please, 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 please. And you can wake me up on New Year's <laughs> Eve or something like that. So, anyway, we've got five Saturdays. I have information about the Burma Shave slogan stories, where, where the slogans came from, and it's very charming. Disney World tickets. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> we, if, oh, a family of four showing up for a single day. One day. One day, family of four. That would cover 50% of my bills for the month. <laughs> I 
just oh oh I got the shivers when well, I looked at them. Well, you know what we're going to have to do is raise, is raise your salary. That's all we're going to have to do, Patricia. That way. I want another zero. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you could if you could find a place not in the last two, not in the decimal point zero zero. I don't want a number there. But if you could find a number to put in anywhere before the cents, that you'll would take, be good. You'll take it. I'll take a dollar. You'll sure. take a dollar. I'll take a dollar, and that's just a reminder that everyone who shows up and has fun on Yesterday USA, all of our DJs during the week and on the weekends, everybody does it because we love it. If you have a a book report that needs to be typed up for $1,000, you can contact Patricia, FloridaWriter at Hotmail.com. Hey, we we give special... We give specials for yesterday, USA family members, ten bucks. <laughs> Forget the fashion, ten bucks. I don't care how long the manuscript is. I like to type. Okay, so we've got um, Tom in New York. He's the one who signs his emails. I listen, but don't call in. Uh-huh. He is in Ireland, and he finally found a hotspot and sent an email. Um, and said to say hi to everybody, and he'll be back shortly. He was over there for five weeks. Wow. Can you imagine? Five weeks. So did we're going to do brother? Did he see your brother while he was over there? No, my no. brother was home before Tom went over. Okay, so, yes, yes. And I have to call my brother again tomorrow. They were doing so well, but they they were really dragging when they came back. They didn't have any problem with the time zones going over. But coming back, and I have read that that is the classic jet lag, mm. working backwards. So they they spent a week in the funk, for sure. And I have to tell everybody yesterday, our humidity that people complain about, oh, I don't know how you stand the heat, but the humidity. Well, yesterday the humidity was 10%. It's one zero. <laughs> Ten percent. Can you imagine? It does happen every once in a while. We're better than the Sahara Desert a couple of times a year, and it's usually around this time of the year. So anyway, that's my list. We do have a theme. We're doing old wives' tales tonight, and boy, do I have some goodies. I really have some goodies. We did this about five years ago, and people called in with some really fun things that their moms used to tell them or they grew up with or especially grandparents like you can you can avoid nightmares if you go to sleep on your right side i never heard that one it doesn't work but i can tell you that (laughs) i tend i tend to favor my right side and i don't happen very often but every once in a while i'll have a humdinger so, no, it That's doesn't always question. work. Do most people sleep on their sides or on their back or on their tummy? Well. I think most people sleep on their side. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. There, there are websites devoted to positions of sleep mm-hmm. and what it suggests. I suggest when I'm cold, I curl up. So right. it means nothing except that I'm cold. <laughs> it has nothing to do with my psyche. So... Anyhow, we're doing old wives' tales. So if your mom or your grandmother or someone in your school, if you grew up or heard an old wives' tale, like a watermelon seed will grow in your stomach if you swallow. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I always heard that one, too. 
and never back out of a door, a truck, or a doorway because it's bad luck. And my grandmother believed that. My Irish grandmother, yes. Irish are good for spooks and, and superstitions, I guess is the best. Yeah, superstitions, old wives' tales and superstitions. That's what we should do tonight. So that is my story for now. You have a tale to tell about the telephones. Uh-huh, and I have something, one other thing to do besides that before we get to our calls. But uh, we got the new Good. equipment in this week. And so we have both mixtures. Dad and I did a quick test. and It's not quite ready for broadcastability yet, whatever that means. So tomorrow, Dad and I will be <laughs> doing the wiring. And before, before we try to get Jerry Bowie and stuff like that here to solve our issues. So we're going to do the, the same routine, the, last, the fun routine the last two Saturdays. You call at 714-545. 2071. I talk you off air and get your number and then I call you back and that's how we're going to do it. But if you call the last two Saturdays, I've already got you in my computer so that will mean we'll get to you quicker. So so one way or another, this is how we're going to do it, at least for tonight. Yes, and don't hang up. If no. Walden picks up and you hear us talking, He's got you, and we'll finish, and he'll get to you. Or if he says, I'll be back in a minute, it might be longer than a minute, but don't hang up because we're really here. That's true. Yeah. Oh, now what? Now I have a surprise. What? I got two CDs in the mail today. Yeah. And because John, Larry, and I are going to have a special guest next week, next Friday night. And uh-huh. I want to play this one song that he's most famous for. And it's been on TV since 1961. It's still seen around America today. So I don't want to name you the artist, but see if you recognize the theme song. Here we go. <laughs> Waiting for me? Yes. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize the tune. Uh-huh. I don't have. I can't attach it to anything or any person. It, it was. It, it it's been around before our grandparents' time. Yeah, it's it's an oldie. Yes. Where would I hear it today? TV, uh, on PBS, Where? on that, on public what? television. What? on public television. Yeah. A lot of different public television stations play it throughout the country on the weekend. 
Is it attached to a particular program? Yes. Not Sesame Street. No. More famous. Mm-mm. More. How can you be more famous than Sesame Street and Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch and Miss Piggy and Kermit? And Cookie Monster? Well, we'll put it this and way. Bert and our, Ernie? Our, our, grandparent, our grandparent generation would, 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 be rec- would recognize this more than Sesame Street. Okay. I'll take... Indeed. More recognizable than Kermit the Frog. Uh, How could you? (laughs) Kermit's my favorite. I know he is. I didn't say... Now, see, in our generation, Kermit the Frog and Sesame Street would be more well-known. But this thing is still being on TV today, and... And has its own theater in Branson, Missouri. Okay. Everybody was in Branson, Missouri. I know everybody was in Branson, Missouri. And they're not there anymore. Roy uh, and Dale were there uh, at the museum. Oh, and I heard, hmm. and I have a trivia question on that here in a second. I'll tell you that uh, moment. Okay, uh, I'll give you a clue, Patricia. We'll play. I know how much you love. <laughs> you, know, you know how good I am at clues. Thank you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to impersonate the, the leader of the orchestra. Oh, dear me. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, dear. Anatole. Oh, Lawrence Welk. That was the theme song of Lawrence Welk. And so that was Bob Austin, who was his piano player and organist for oh, all those years. Me. And so he's going to be our special guest next Friday. So he sent me two CDs. Uh-huh. He has 34 CDs on his own. And he did, and he's played, and he made between four and five hundred others supporting stars, and and he has a sale right now. If you go through his website, special through his email, he'll give all CDs half price, and if you buy all of them, he'll get give you the whole lot for for ninety nine bucks, all thirty four or something like that. So is it? Is well, that was a nice hobby. What did he do for a living? <laughs> Holy cats! I, this this is incredible. And so, so he's given like I don't know, all the CDs got available for ninety nine bucks, or individually half price, and they all make that available next weekend. And he mails Bob at BobRoston.com. His website BobRoston.com. You see his bio. It's an incredible bio that I went through. Um, so we're looking forward that we're going to hear some beautiful music, for both the piano and the organ. So we'll, we'll, be fun. Yeah, we'll be dropping that in. Fun, 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 fun. Okay. More okay. famous than Miss Piggy? <laughs> well, my other grandparents' generation it would be. Dear me, I suppose. Yeah. You I, know, I'll have to concede that, but Kermit? Kermit, I know. More oh. famous than Kermit? I know. Okay, are you sitting? Are you sitting down? And Big Bird. <laughs> yes, I'm sitting down. This morning, before I went to sleep, I turned on uh, the morning show for uh, National Public Radio with Scott Simon. Okay. And he had uh-huh. a, he had a music expert who just wrote about the history of music in general and where things come from. Um. <laughs> Oh, we learned that when we were kids. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So I'm sorry. <laughs> so it, he, 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 for example, he wanted something to talk about country music. Oh. And he sat down and interviewed Johnny Cash, um, Willie Nelson, um, you know, the big ones of that generation. Uh-huh. And he asked them, he said, I was a young reporter, and I asked them, and this reporter, Hollywood, what was their biggest influence? And they all, they all picked out one person. Just one person? Yes. Um, Mama, what's her name, Carter? No, it was not. No, kid, Jimmy Rogers. No. Oh, my. Now I'm talking the old Jimmy Rogers. I know. Um, wow. Mother Maybell Carter. She's not. Wow. Well, then I don't know. After Maybell Carter, I can't imagine okay. that there's anybody bigger. And, uh, okay, you're sitting down? Yeah. The biggest influence in country music was... Gene Autry. Nah. And the reason why he influenced guitar style more than any other performer. They figured because he played the guitar in the, in the auto film, hundreds and millions of kids picked up the guitar the next day. So, and their influence in terms of guitar influence, Gene Autry the most influential guitar player of all time. Okay, so it, it it was not country music in general. It well, was, it was country, it, the, the singers all picked Gene Autry and Roy Rogers because of, of the movies. Gene Autry, but especially for but on the sidebar note of guitar playing, they felt Gene Autry had the biggest influence because that encouraged so many kids to pick he, up the guitar. He, he sang soupy cowboy <laughs> movies. <laughs> that's what he said. The 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 uh, the 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 music analyst, you know. The kid grew up loving Gene and Roy's music. So they knew how to play a guitar. They didn't, uh, gee, oh, you know, put him in the interview section with the top ten person, okay? Could we do that? Sure. I thought, gee, Archie, Patricia could have a field day with this one, so that, that, that was... I'm not disappointing you, am I? No. Gene, Archie? That's what they said. Johnny Cash... Willie Nelson, all the famous said Gene Autry was the biggest influence on their career. With his Wrigley Spearman gun and his guitar and his sappy sing- oh, gee whiz. I mean, he sang girl songs. He didn't sing guy cowboy songs. He sang girly songs. I don't mean he had girl. I mean, it was just like two girls. Girls swooned and... and yeah, yeah. Not happy trails to you, you know, rugged stuff. Gene Autry? Yes. I'm going to go get my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you think of... Are you sure he heard them right? (laughs) (laughs) Well? He He was taken aback. But he's feeling that the movie industry influenced country music more than traditional music route did. Well, how do you explain Maybelle Carter and June Carter Cash and people like that? Yeah, but in his mind, they 
they weren't, uh, the legendary singers didn't point to them. They point to King Autry. Well, but people like Dolly Parton never even got to go to the movies. I know. Are you sure? <laughs> I think this is what the word incredulous is built for. <laughs> okay. Well, you can do whatever you like. I'm just going to sit here and ponder this for a while. Gene Autry? Gene Autry. Did you see who won the Nobel Peace Prize this week? Bob Dylan. Yes. The, no, it wasn't the Peace Prize. It was for literature. Well. Um, same thing, isn't it? The Nobel, whatever. No, right? no, they have they have science and math and peace and literature. Um, Maya Angelou won it not terribly long ago, but you know people are scratching their heads over this one. But anyway, he the, the music expert talked about that, so it was it was an interesting discussion this morning. But King Autry, the most influential c- country singer of all time. <laughs> I said I'm going. I'm going to get my coffee. I'll take you with me. I will talk with you on the way. Gene <laughs> oh, Autry, country music. <sighs> okay. The experts can't be wrong, can they? Oh no. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. So number. I I bet that will stir up a few conversations. Uh, I really like. Johnny Cash, and I'm so sorry that he's gone. And Celeste, I love you too, but I really like I've Been Everywhere, man. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Cash can't be wrong. He couldn't be wrong. I'll have to believe it. Are you sure? (laughs) I guess you're sure. Oh, dear. Okay. (sighs) Whatever. Okay, it's your turn. I've been talking. I keep saying, are you sure? (laughs) Get your coffee there, or I'll talk. Let's see here. Tomorrow night, Ed Coot will be with us, so that is the plan for the program. Um, Michael Beals in Europe, so we're going to record his section during the day. And so Where is he? Uh, he's in Amsterdam, buying records. How so interesting. So, hold on. You, you, you blab while I get the phone. Okay, I can blab. I've got something for Walden tonight, and it's really a... Useless but fun, but I think it's really fun, extra fun for Walden and for people out there because it is football right. season, so we will... So stand by, we're, we're going to get our buddy Fred, so hold on. <gasps> Fred. And I promise not to say anything. That really bad stuff. And Plus, I do have some Patricia stuff for you, app, Skype, and I still have a whole list of support characters. I can tell you who the support character was, and you tell me either who the main character of the program was or the name of the program. For example, Mike Clancy was the Irish assistant or associate. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Abner Peabody, of course, was part of Lum and Abner. So I can give you oh. a whole... Are hey, you Fred, there? how you doing? Oh, good. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. Oh, we are doing fine. How is the ankle? How are you? How is your driving? Are you okay? Uh, actually, yeah, the ankle's kind of good. It feels better today than it did last night, or actually, night before. Thursday night, I died, but I actually, uh, Thursday was a good, it was a good pain, though. I used the walker for the first time. 
Oh, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. I, walked I mean, probably... that, is a major, that is a major, major step. I, I understand that intimately. I mean, it really yeah. is. So you did good. Yeah, it was a good week. I probably went 25 feet, and then I sat down, and probably the second time I went probably like 75 feet. So. Whoa. Whoa. Did all right. Yeah, it hurt, but we got it done, so. That is so good. How about swelling or muscle development or anything like that there? No, it didn't swell up at all. Like it did, it hurt. It, yeah. it hurt to the point where I almost took a pain pill, but I, I did it I did without. Um, I might, probably might, because I guess next week we're going to start going, to our big one once a week. And next week we're going to do it twice, and then we're going to start going twice a week. And then after next week, I'm probably going to bring the walker. Right now it's there at therapy, but I'm mm-hmm. probably going to bring it back and forth so I can work on it every day. Great, great. Daily do, you have enough, do you have enough unobstructed space in your house that you're not going to wind up getting tangled up in a piece of furniture or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. You're okay. All right. Yeah. Now, just, just as a quick update, Fred had a horrible fracture of his ankle, and he was laid up for a while, a um, big while, had a cast for probably felt like half a lifetime, uh, and so he's he's doing really well. You're You're getting back up and moving. Next time, you'll be back up and walking without, and then you'll be back up and... Not running. We don't. We don't put up and running on this no, show. I never. I didn't run before, so. I didn't run. That's what I said. <laughs> I can't. I couldn't We're not run, run after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my running well, days got over a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, it was good to get, be up vertical. Oh, tell you. Oh my gosh, I'll bet. And and you know that's interesting. You were not standing upright and vertical. Did you do okay with that process? A lot of people get dizzy and fall down and do well, terrible things. A little weird at first, but yeah, I did all right. Um, I've been, you know, kind of standing up where I'm transferring in and out of my chair. Yeah. Lately, uh, so but still not not like this. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's different because I yeah, I remember I when I got when I got sick that last time and I was only off my feet for a week. Uh huh. Felt weird standing up. Um. But yeah, it was it was definitely strange, um, but I got used to it pretty quick. I didn't get dizzy yeah. or anything like that, though. No. Excellent, no. excellent. You're tough. Yeah, you know, part, that. Of that, part of that, though, was I was using, I was grabbing the platform walker too, so uh-huh. I had something to hold on to, which might sure. have part of that. But yeah, but still. Yeah. Yeah, you're tough. Yes, I tried it. I think I think so, <laughs> but. I'll tell you, it, 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 I didn't like the pain it was causing me, but that's all right. That's part of the deal. So. Yeah, but you're coming out on top. You I am so impressed. Okay, now we get a fall report. What are the trees doing? Oh, they're turning fast. It's going to be over within a week. <gasps> Not really. Yeah. Fred is in week. Vermont, so he's in color tree territory. This How last week, really yeah. nice. Yeah, they're really starting to turn. Maybe the last two more. Um, but I noticed my trees out here, they're turning and falling off the tree pretty quick. Oh, 
Yeah, it was well, it's been really, really nice. Color, color-wise, uh, yeah. show-wise, oh, it's starting to get a little cold. I actually turned my heater on for the heat on for the first time. Yeah. Wow. Hate that process. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, just feel the money going right out of the wallet, but. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes. Oh boy. Out of the deal. Mm-mm. Oh, but yeah, it's uh. It's, but it has been. It's been gorgeous, like especially during the day, sunny and, like I said, lots of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. That's nice. And nice I'm, I'm glad you're finally to a position where you can enjoy this kind of stuff. You were so limited yes. for such a long time, but yes. you got some good stuff to look out yep. at. I'm still. Excellent. I'm still limited to. I need still need people to help me out of the house into the car. Um, but I got it down. I got a schedule down, so I can at least at least get back, at least go to work in every day. So I at least get out of the house during the week. Great. Um, now I have a really stupid question, and that? I have well, I have asked this of myself because, and this this has been a forever thing for me. If a police officer stopped me and said, "We're going to give you a roadside sobriety oh. test." They wouldn't have to because I don't drink. But anyway, they, right. you know, if you if you look a little goofy, they'll do that anyway. Yep. And they make you put heel toe, heel toe, you know, like your foot in front of the other one. Yep. I could never do that without falling over. I cannot do it. So I, I would fail. I would flunk that. Yep. You with your ankle in. You know, I mean, it's not exactly a hundred percent at this point. How would you do on that kind of a test? With the police right now, I couldn't, even, I, couldn't even, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even stand you up. You couldn't do it help. either. Well, I hope they put us in the same cell. Yeah, I would say, no, sorry, I can't do it physically. Yeah. But I don't know just, they believe me. I mean, I look perfectly fine, and I can walk okay. They're probably <laughs> just going to blow, do the blowing test. I could never do that. Nope, I always I tip to the right. I fall over to the right. So yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. Patricia. I can't do it when I'm healthy. Now... Well, you know, a lot of people out there, too, have equilibrium problems. That's true. And they, they could true. And then the judge will come back and say, well, then you shouldn't be driving. Well, yeah, no, well it, only, it only happens when the police officer makes me do this. <laughs> 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 so it only really happens fine. when I'm standing up. I don't usually stand up when I'm driving a car, Judge. That's true. <laughs> well, well, then were you going to ask uh, something? I was going to ask something. I hear the... Well, lawyers show that we can get you out of drunk driving oh, choices or whatever on on radio, yeah. and they're saying, and I never, I don't even know how true this is. You can fail the DUI test even though you haven't been drinking. They said some medication can do that. Is that true? Oh yeah, sprays can do it. That's absolutely correct. Oh. And yeah. I would, my guess would be more people on medication fail the test than people who have been drinking. I don't, yeah. I don't know. In, in terms of exhibiting it, a person who has really overdone the alcohol, they have a particular driving technique. Not everyone, of course, but they have a driving technique that I did not know about until I talked with a couple of cops one time. They will come down on your side of the road, or at least partly on your side of the road, because they are driving the stripe. 
They're staring at the stripe. They're keeping it in front of the steering wheel, which means part of their car is over in your lane. And they're trying to stay in line with the stripe down the middle of the road, which oh. makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I'll tell you, I got away with a DUI one time. And, I, of course, I don't do it anymore. I was young and stupid at the time, in my early 20s. And I, I drank too much. I shouldn't have been driving. And I'd been in pain all night. And I got home. I made it worse as a friend of mine gave me a pain a pain pill because uh. I was hurting so bad. But you know, like, but I was drinking at the time too, so it was not a it wasn't a good mixture. And I get I get almost home, and I get pulled over. Mm. I know I'm over. I mean, I'm over. There's there's no doubt in my mind I had too much to drink. I mean, I I, I weigh 120 pounds wet, you know. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take much alcohol to to put me over the limit. And uh, guy pulls me over, and he. He makes me take the test three, three three different times, and I'm like, you know, this is getting old. What's you get your rest of me or what? What's going on? And then he lied to me. I think he's like, well, um, I can't arrest you because you're not reading over, but you're reading close enough that I I, I can tell you you can't drive. So I'm going to give you a ride home. So <laughs> he gives me a ride Boy, home. Why were you lucky? Well, I wake up the next morning and I'm in agony. Come to find out, I had a collapsed lung, <gasps> which is why I couldn't breathe into the tube. Oh. I couldn't get air, and that's probably why I passed the test. Sure, sounds like so it. So it couldn't, yeah. it couldn't, it didn't have a big enough sample or or, or whatever. Right, right, and big enough and, air. And <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, you're supposed to blow yeah. until you can't, until you think you're going to pass yeah. out. Oh. Fred, yep. you are you are the luckiest guy in a car I have ever talked with. You had your other disasters last week when you almost drove into a bridge. Yes. Or the week before. The first time and, and now we've got this one. You know what has always puzzled me? I'm and you know, this is kind of a weird area for us to be drifting over into, but it has always puzzled me that a person who is smart enough to pull off the road and go to sleep, you know, shut off the car, yeah. go to sleep, and, you know, wait to sleep it off a little bit before they get back on the road because they recognize that they shouldn't be there. Right. And they'll get arrested for driving while under the influence because they had to drive to get there. Now, yeah. that doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody using common sense, and they get punished. Well, you know what else never made any sense to me? Is liquor stores on the interstates? Oh, <laughs> what? I mean, here you are saying you don't want to, you don't want to promote drinking and driving, yet you put state liquor stores at mm -hmm. rest stops. Yeah, like I, I never understood that. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's like Wally was saying about the DUI and stuff. It is so. I mean, this is a, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but the whole the whole system in this country. Is if you have money, you have a lawyer, a good lawyer. You can get away with things that other people don't get away with. It's yeah. a simple fact. You can, you just can. You know, my brother um, got in a car accident, and he nobody was killed, 
but he was driving, and and they didn't even there was no drinking involved. At least at least they didn't write him up for drinking. I don't know if he was drinking or not, but he was driving too fast in a rainstorm. Crash with hydroplaning, skidded off the road, hit hit some stuff, and three three of the passengers were hospitalized. Okay, so he got arrested for you know driving. Uh, Negligent driving resulting in an injury. And he went to court and he got, I forget what it, it was, it was something crazy. It was like eight years probation or something. It, 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 was, it was stiff. And he ended up, basically, he, got, he ended up, I don't, get, I don't get into it, but he ended up blowing off probation and getting caught and ended up doing six months and got it over with. Instead of you know, and then he had to do like a year of probation when he got out. But it actually ended up being a better deal because he got it open with quicker. But my point being, okay, he did that. Two years later, there was a guy, a, a doctor or somebody, driving down the interstate, coming back two o'clock in the morning, drunk, totally wasted, crossed the median, crossed the friggin' dirt. I mean. It was the interstate, so we had to like cross like 15 yards of lawn, went on to the other side, the other interstate, going the other way, going the wrong way, hit a mother and two kids, killed all three of them. Okay? And he got six months probation and fines, and he lost his license. Driver's license, not medical license. Yeah, his driver's license. Six months probation. Wow. And, and heavy fines. And of course, he hired the best lawyers. But yeah. three people died. And they got it reduced well, to careless no and negligent driving. They got it reduced to careless and negligent driving. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not right. You know, it, it's, it's just not right. Yeah. yeah. We, but we need, I guess the way you got to look at it. He's going to live with that for the rest of his life, you know? Yeah, I know. But, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, the justice system yeah. needs to be, it just needs to be, it can't be about money. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how you change it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. how, how can you tell somebody who's got all kinds of money they can't hire a good lawyer? Well, they can, I guess. That's their right. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that whole, uh, whole, whole thing. You know, I, I do understand, and it's it's scary that we have unequal distribution of legal decisions. Yeah, uh, uh, and I think okay. and I, and I really think it's more about social. I think it's more about class than it is race. You know, I, I think I that really, comes into play. Yeah, no, there's so I mean, many things that come into play. Right, but. All right, anyway. I'm going. I'm going to change gears here. Yes, we were happy. Yes, we're we're going to get to the happy stuff. We are okay. into we are into old wives' tales tonight. And wives' super, tales. Yes, yeah, superstitions like an old wives' tale. If you swallow a watermelon pit, you're going to grow a watermelon in your tummy. That kind of stuff. And if you step on a crack, you'll break your mother's back. Wherever that one came from. So what what? Did you hear or learn or grow up with? Oh, well, there's some stuff that I do that, that, well, 
right now that I do all the time. Like, I never step on a crack. You never step on a crack? Like on a sidewalk? Yeah. Yeah, I, I never step on a crack on a sidewalk. That's very I hard. Just, oh, and I, and I don't think it's... I always just have it for an innocent now. I, don't, I wouldn't call it superstition. I just don't do it. Well, it is. <laughs> we're, we're going to give you superstition on that one. Uh, yeah, so that's... I'm not real superstitious, but that's one. Another one, well, well, my brother's girlfriend gave me this. I think I told you about it. This ugly-looking cat. Chinese cat supposed to bring good luck. Can I tell you about it? No, it's, I don't recall. It's, no. it's, it's, it's this little statue, and it is ugly. <laughs> oh, God, it's ugly. <laughs> it's, it's gold, and it's holding this, like, fish thing, and it waves its left <laughs> arm. And its left arm just goes up and down. It's supposed to be, and you have it pointed at you, and it's supposed to be waving you, pouring out good luck. That's the, that's the whole idea. Uh-huh. And, and I, I have it pointed right at me. I have it going constantly here. Didn't help that you with your sense. ankle, did it? Uh, I think, well, no, she gave it to me after my ankle. Oh. She just gave okay. it to me this summer. And uh-huh. a lot of things have been happening that have been good since she gave it to me, so I'm not going to mess with it. <laughs> Patricia, write that down. I think that's another wonderful topic. What's the worst gift you ever gotten from somebody? That 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 that. Now would listen, be a- this is how we got into trouble with Fred. <laughs> oh, that's easy. That's, that's easy. Fruitcake. Oh, yeah. Fruitcake? Oh, Fred. Fruit cake. Oh, Fred. Could we oh, have God. it? Why? Oh, God. I'll pay, I'll pay the postage. I'll tell you what, Next, I'll, I'll start sending you all the fruitcakes I get. You can have all. Oh. I just I, threw away I'm a bag. Perfect. I just threw away a bag of old crisps. I'm not a candy person. And well, I get I every candy. Year I just want the, I, no candy. No candy. I just want the fruitcake. Okay. Well, every year I get fruitcakes and, and chocolate candies and you know, boxes of candy and all that kind of stuff. And I just no. I don't like no. that. Walden likes it too, so I will share with Walden. Oh, can't stand fruitcake. Yuck. <laughs> this is this is so good for us, though. I know. There's more for Walden than me. Well, there you go. Yeah, let's see if the other worst. Let's, let's see. I can, I'll tell you what my dad would tell you is the worst gift. Okay. I, I'll never forget, forget this. I thought it was pretty cool. You might be another, you might enjoy this. I won't, I won't use my dad's words. We were both <laughs> adults. And Thanks. it was his birthday. I bought him one of those little singing fish. A singing fish? Oh, yeah. I remember. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm talking yes. about? It yes, looked, looked, looked like a mounted fish on a plaque. Yes. What they say. And yeah. the mouth would go. And it, and yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he opened it up. And I thought he was going to say, oh, that's cool. You know, thank you. He looked at it. He was like, what the bleep am I going to do with this? <laughs>
or if it's like at a Lions Club, we have like Lions Club, we have a Christmas party every year, we right. all get something. If it's at an event like that, I'll just, yeah, I'll just rewrap it, give it to somebody else. Like, I've uh, never done that. Like I don't last year, having done that. You know, there there are inherent risks to something like that. You give it to someone, and she'll say, "You know, I went shopping with my cousin in another state a while back, and she found that exact item." <laughs> well, the other problem you got you got to be careful. If you do it from year to year, you got to be careful. You don't give it back to the person that gave it to you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Or the person does, <laughs> and yeah, you wind up with it Mm-hmm. You you wind up with it back from a person who never knew it was in your possession to begin with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I you know I don't have a problem with regifting as long as it's uh, you don't like open up the thing and use it and then put it back in a box and give it away. That'd, that'd be a little. People bring it back to the store that way. Walden, have yeah. you ever done it? No, but I was thinking of my uh, my relative Aunt Mabel, who was quite a character. Ran a hardware store into her hundreds. Um, she was notorious, Patricia. For oh, yeah. Well, here you. Uh, this is tells you. This is how you knew you made it good with Aunt Abel. If you got a fresh, a brand new Christmas card. Most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> most of the time she would she would resend old Christmas cards that other people have sent her. <laughs> I like her. I like her already. That's funny. That's funny. My, you know what I do is I, uh, I copy them on my copier. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you just write out the, you can get those Christmas card stock mm-hmm. type paper, and uh-huh. you just take, you take cards and you, uh, you, like, you you do the front of them and you can do the inside, and then the blank side, which is signed, you leave, you don't, you don't photocopy that. And then the only time, the only time they screw it up, they side where the printing is. But then you have, they just gotta use white out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny. My mother and my aunt, and my aunt being my father's brother's wife. Okay. So it, it was not like they were two sisters. Right. They had a thing going. Actually, I guess it was the two couples: my uncle and my father and their wives. And each year they would get a card or the card that they had sent to the other couple. It was the same card. It went back and forth for at least 15 years. And they would just scratch cool. out, they, they would scratch out the, the signature but leave the message and just add their names to the bottom. And then the next year, cool. Yeah, then the next year it went back to the other one. And it was just one of these fun things that they did for years, and they got such a kick out of it. There was... I can't remember. I think it was my aunt's family. I remember it was my dad's family. They did something like that with the gifts. And it was the same type of thing, but they would change. It would go from family member to family member. <laughs> now, that's Every where you think yeah, I can't remember what it was. I can just remember them doing it. Um, I remember when Mom was, was thinking she was going to get it one year if she didn't. Um, I can't. I can't remember what it was now. But it was the same type of thing. Now, speaking yeah. of that, whatever happened years ago, you had an envelope that was doing that little thing. Is that finally the center? Oh, and it's it's my fault. We were Nolan Kenner and I were doing it, and we got, I believe, at last count, it was fifteen round trips in the same envelope, 
and the yep. thing it it would not it was a big it, not a big one but a bubble envelope and they're they're pretty sturdy and yeah. the poor thing was so beaten up that if you stood it up on its end it just kind of bent over you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like a cartoon and i have it it is somewhere in this apartment i thought i had it in my my little stack of papers in the kitchen and it's not there so i have to I have to spend some time looking for it. Is it in, is it in for, the oven? You know, as I was saying that, Walden, I thought I did not check the oven. Okay. So <laughs> I hope you didn't burn it. No, 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 no. My oven is is my storage compartment. Oh, that's right. For, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for warranties and manuals and stuff like that there. And once a year or so, I go through it and things that have died and gone to computer heaven. I, if you don't I, mind me asking, what do you eat? What do I eat? Yes. Food? If you don't, if you don't cook in your oven. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm only one person. I have a toaster oven. Oh, and okay. I'm, I'll do things like bake chicken in there, but to turn yeah. on the big oven for just a little piece of chicken? No, so I, I do use the toaster oven and the microwave. I'm big on microwave and salads. Okay. I eat more salad than anybody in our entire family. She gives bugs. I mean, she gives bugs bunny a one for his money. In the, in the he can have his carrots. I just want my lettuce. Ugh. Was it? Yuck. Somebody told me. Well, send that too, Fred. As long as the fruitcake is coming, you can send the lettuce too. Nobody sends me lettuce though. <laughs> was it? Somebody said a few weeks ago. I think it was you, Patricia. That Mel Blank, who was the voice of Bug Bunny, hated carrots. He did not like carrots, no. And he had and to he eat would those. Have to, yes. He, yes, he had to bite a carrot. Every time Bugs Bunny bit a carrot, Mel Blank had to bite a, bite a carrot. And oh, he said, they finally, they finally, he said you, you cannot chew a carrot and swallow it in time for the next line in the script. So they they gave him a wastebasket. And each time he did a carrot, he could spit it into the wastebasket. And he said sometimes the scripts were so long, he went through two wastebaskets of carrots. I mean, it wasn't like he broke out in a rash or anything. He just didn't like carrots. Well, I can, I can identify with that. I can't stand raw carrots either. Just well, you don't like have it. to. Just send the fruitcake. We will okay. accept anything <laughs> else that you have to say. I mean, you've got free reign as long as you send fruitcake. Well, I'll tell you what. As soon as somebody gives me one, I know exactly where I'm sending it. This this is so cool. Oh, this that way. Cool. I get it, but usually every year I'll get one. Um, okay, if it's only it. one, I'll share it with Walden. You, you know, in the 70s, I remember the kids, you always got fruitcake to give. It doesn't seem to happen as much now. It's because people like Fred are out there. I guess so. Yes. Well, it's become a joke, though. People, I mean, it's 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 the universal bad gift. I I, I know, and I don't and understand why, but I don't understand you. it. I love fruitcake. I get it. Yeah, I love it. You're really you're willing to to mail it. So, yeah. yeah. I will I will pay for the postage because they're pretty. Oh no, that's my Christmas gift. <gasps> Thank for you. My heart. Oh, and from your kitchen, and from your thank goodness, it's out of my house. That's right. How do they make? <laughs> that's another thing we need to look up for the holiday. But how do they actually make food cake? Do they cure the thing for several years? I mean, how do they get the? 
I think they were. I think they let it sit for like thirty years. Fred, <laughs> I I would guess that you have some sitting around for thirty years. Not the manufacturers. You are too I funny. I swear to God, I don't know. I just. Ugh. Oh well, but, we'll forgive you. Know, you know, I like fruit. I like cake. I just don't like fruit cake. That's okay. Do you like something that most people don't like, Fred? Is there a, a particular food that that you love, but you're the <coughs> young Like Brussels sprouts? Or something like that? Actually, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I love spinach. <gasps> oh, I do too. I love spinach. I love, oh, what's that thing that's almost like spinach? Uh, Kale? No, uh, I want to say collard greens, but it's not collard greens. Not kale. No. What am I thinking of? Probably collard greens. Maybe it is collard greens I'm thinking of. I thought there was, uh, there was something else that liked spinach. Um, There's nothing like spinach. Uh, but anyway, I love spinach. I love broccoli. Yeah. Which probably isn't big. A lot of people aren't big on. Um, I, I like almost everything. I mean... I'm not big on nuts. I'm not like I said. I don't like coleslaw. I don't like rice. How did you get hooked up with us if you don't like nuts? What's that? <laughs> I like most everything, actually. But are nuts. There any, yeah, I like. Are there any nuts? I, like I like many people. I just don't like nuts. Okay. Are there any nuts you like, or is it all nuts? Just in the it's in the off uh, list. Uh, really none. I I don't like. I mean, I can eat cashew nuts. I guess. Okay. If I'm drinking beer or something. Uh huh. But I'm not big on them. I, I, you know, it's not. I'm not, I'm not that excited about them. I can eat them. Um, I don't like peanuts at all. But I want peanut butter. I'll figure that out. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'd rather have peanut butter. Well, I don't like. I don't like the crunchy peanut butter though. Neither do I. I don't like lumps in my food. Mm-mm. Now, I heard a great topic on Sport Talk Radio two weeks ago. You know, maybe at both of you. They were having a great debate. What is the best sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly or grilled cheese? Oh, peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. They were arguing that the grilled cheese is the best American sandwich because you can do so many different things with it. Yeah, but if you have, like, real good peanut butter, a real expensive pan of peanut butter, mm-hmm. and you have, like, homemade jam, jelly, Oh, that wins. Better. That wins, huh? I'll take the grilled cheese. Yeah. Ah, Patricia, oh. the grilled cheese gal. Okay. Yes, a very large one because they sort of squash down to nothing mm-hmm. by the time you get them out. So I will have two, if that's all right. I can live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, we're we're gonna scoot in a minute. Um, you, you I really like your ugly cat statuette story here. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think. I think that's a winner. Yeah, now, there's probably other weird superstitions out there. You got a lot. You got a lot of southern producers, and those people, there's some weird superstitions out there. They, yes, there there are some really strange ones. Eating oh. red dirt, red clay that you find in the South, in Georgia and Alabama. <clears throat> people believe that if pregnant women eat it it will help the baby's brain development. 
and it's, my God. I, I know, and it's, it's actually oh, like lead in it. It's, it's just loaded with contaminants. And, you know, it, it's just one of the old wives' tales. And people still believe it, and they wind up with very ill infants when they're born. Which oh, is man, that is so nasty. Just tragic. Yuck, 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 yuck. Yep. Well, oh, I Gotta can't. Eat red clay. Red, yeah. Oh, well, man. okay. Um, well, okay, keep... yeah, I'm going to let you go so I can listen to the rest of the show. Right. Give me all late. Oh, I bet we'll be on for a few more hours. I think so. Yeah. We're already late. <laughs> yeah, you guys can put me to sleep. That'll be good. Sounds good, Fred. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's acceptable <laughs> as long as the fruitcake comes. As long as the fruitcake's coming, you can do anything oh, it'll you want. Come. Just keep me laughing the rest of the night. It will come. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Take care, Fred. Bye. Bye. Miss Piggy. Big Bird and Gene Autry all in one night. <laughs> Fruitcake and Fred. <laughs> and, well, Fred, I mean, he's going to send fruitcake. He can do anything he wants. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. That, that will give us something to really look forward to. All right, did your family have any superstitions, or do they no. have any superstitions, or... Um, old wives' tales, things that you had to do, the the old one with if you break a mirror, you get seven years bad luck no, type thing. No, no, nothing I can think of, Patricia. Um, you were deprived. I guess so. I didn't, ha- I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have a German g- grandmother who had stuff like that there, I guess, you know. Uh, yeah, it's my Irish grandmother. I, I suppose my German grandmother did as well, but the... The Irish, oh gosh, she was such a wonderful person. I loved her to pieces. She was just just one of those people you wanted to be with. And she had some humdingers. <laughs> you couldn't put a hat or your shoes on the bed. I mean, it just was not done. That was terrible luck for the entire year if you did that. And I'll tell you, it was so, kids are so impressionable. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll be putting my, you know, my Reeboks on or, right. or something, and I'll, and I'll put the other one next to me on the bed, right. and I'll go, <gasps> and it's it's just a natural uh-huh. reaction. Uh-huh. <gasps> you don't put shoes, and I mean, of course, it's silly, but <laughs> and I realize it's silly, but because it was so ingrained. ingrained in us, if I walk by and I see a shoe or a hat on the bed, it, it's just terrible, and you never went out a different door from the one you came in. So if you walked in the front door, didn't make any difference what you had to do in the garage or the backyard. You had to walk out the front door I and walk around that. the house. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. never heard that one yeah. before. Yeah, and you never backed out of a door. You okay. couldn't, for okay. example, if you were carrying a box and one of you, you had two people, one was walking backwards on one end and the other one was walking frontwards. Well, the one who was walking backwards had to put the box down, turn around, and walk out because you never backed outside a door. She had bakery delivery service. And this, this was, you know, quite a few years ago. And I guess it, it finished up maybe in the 60s or early 70s, there uh-huh. were there were still drivers going around with bakery goods in a truck, and they would show up at the door. And the poor guy, you know, he'd swing out of his seat, and he'd fill up his, his basket, but he was standing with his back 
to the opening of the door. It was like, I guess, like a milk truck. I don't know. I've never seen a milk truck. And he would back out and take his carry-all along with him. (laughs) She used to send him back to the truck with his basket and say, you go back there, turn around, and come out frontward. She would not buy anything until he came out of the truck properly. (laughs) You know, and these are such fun things to remember uh, because they they were just part of our family history. I mean, the umbrella in the house, my goodness, that was was worth a stroke, for goodness sakes. But... Um, I'll never forget the stories about not buying a cake from the bakery man until he got out of his truck properly. <laughs> that was good. I liked that one. Uh, so, 714. Seven, <laughs> okay, you go. 714. 545-2071. Very good, Patricia. 714-545-2071. And we don't allow Walden to do the 2071 part as frequently as he could because he usually leaves off the last number before he launches into his next sentence. You think I just slide into words? Very oh, uh, you're right. You know, at first, at first base or home plate, boy, you you would have been a great slider. Uh. Mhm. Can I give you your very special? Sure. I have a very special. Okay, it's a Bear Bryant dealie. Ah. Oh yes, Bear Bryant, who was I think it was 27 years at Alabama University, mm-hmm. or University of Alabama, I'm not sure it makes started, a difference. Started coaching at University of Kentucky, then he went to Texas A&M, won a national uh-huh. title in 1954, no, 55, I think it was, and then uh, eventually took over Alabama. He was a player at University of Alabama in the 30s, an All-American. And, uh, he, and really, he had an ex- he was coach yep. and had an extraordinary career, but he also had... Whatever was in his head, he allowed to come out of his mouth. And, I mean, it was never bad that I know of. I mean, he was very well respected. It's just that he didn't have a whole lot of filters. <laughs> one time he was asked to contribute $10 to help pay for a sports writer's funeral. <laughs> his answer was, here's 20, bury two of them. <laughs> Isn't it? I lo- I thought that was the greatest story in a million years. Here's twenty, Barry, two of them. <laughs> okay, what was Bear Bryant's real name? His full name, actual Paul? given name. This is not your sports question. Paul. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Paul Bryant. The, the, uh, I want to hear what's his real name. Paul Edgar. Paul Bryant. And pardon. I'm trying to think if he had a really true middle name. It, it, I have an abbreviation or an, uh, an initial uh-huh. of W, but I didn't. Shame on me for not really pawing through to find out what it was. It was Paul W. Bryant oh. is what he went by. Very but, good. Um, yeah, Very but good. I thought you would get a kick out of that. I There's did. 20 That's very a two great line. <laughs> great line. I mean, it it could oh dear, <laughs> but it's funny. It really I I laughed. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. 
So, okay, well, I've got stuff for Celeste. If she would like to call in, I would like her, her valued opinion on a couple of these. I have a valued opinion on a couple of them, and I would like hers as well. But I do have two Burma shaves tonight. Okay. Okay. Proper distance to him was bunk. They pulled him out of some guy's trunk. Burma shave. That's a good one. No wonder. You know, people paid attention to these things. They couldn't wait for the next part of the sign. They were all. They were in five parts. Okay. And then the sixth. The sixth sign was Burma shave. I thought it was only four, but it wasn't. It was five parts, and then the last one was Burma shave. And there is a great story about it. It was actually started by the son of the owner. Let me see. Olsen Burmashave. Where are we here? Oh, dear me. Burmashave. Burmashave. Um, it, it was a family business that started in, I believe, 1927, uh, 1925. Here. His father had the Burmashave business. They sold brushless whatever it was, I don't know, with a brush. I guess with a brush. Uh-huh. Did you ever use Burma Shave? Nope. Well, some kind of shaving cream. Yep. <laughs> anyway. yep. I guess, uh, oh, brushless, brushless shaving cream. I'm getting what the greater kid. Yeah, well, a brushless shaving cream. I guess you had to rub it on your face. Yep. And anyway, in any event, Alan O'Dell was the father uh, the, the father was Clinton, Alan was the son, and Alan pitched this advertising idea to his father. They were, did not have great sales. It was not a very well-known product, and his father thought it was really stupid. <laughs> he thought it was a, a really dumb idea to put these kinds of signs up on the roadside. But he relented, and he gave him $200 to start, and he said, when it doesn't work, that's it. There's no more money. <laughs> And the sales went through the roof. So Alan was the person for almost the entire life of these signs who wrote oh, the slogan. Wow. The, the wow. son had responsibility for advertising, and he wrote the slogans. And then eventually they started inviting people to send them in. I don't know if they paid people for it, like you would with an information please question, for example. But eventually people were starting to, in, in the driving audience, I guess, it, you know, women sent these things in, and they didn't use brushless shaving cream that I knew of. Well, but the, the, the Burmache Hall of Fame, at the, did the corporate headquarters of Burmache have these tucked away somewhere? I mean, Well, Burmache is out of business, and I never thought to, maybe I didn't, I just don't remember a Burmache. There are some Burmache signs that have been preserved and are in museums, but there's no Burma Shave Museum per se, which is kind of a shame because it really was a piece of Americana. And they disappeared in 1963, and that was before Lady Bird Johnson did her um, beautification of America and encouraged and actually strong-armed a whole bunch of billboards to come down. Interstates are not allowed to have billboards, and they used to, that kind of stuff. It would be interesting they, to find if the family even around that maybe we talk to the grandson or something. You know, that would really be fun, because it is a fun story. It's, yeah. a, it's an American success story, 
And to have someone come up with this ingenious system, who would have thought? And it worked. People remembered what Burma Shave was. I'm planning to call here fairly soon the daughter of the president of Campana. You know, remember really? The, yeah, the, thought, the, yes. the, the uh, first night of the show for all of here is sponsored by Campana. Uh, you know, Campana. Mm-hmm. Well, he was president from from 42 until 74, and then passed away, I think, in the 80s or 90s or something. Uh-huh. Well, the reason why I want to talk to her, he had a, a cinnamon. He was the script writer for the first Snyder show. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, wrote over well, 100... You talk about wrote over <laughs> Wrote over a hundred scripts, like the famous best, like, like the famous Bethlehem sh- Christmas script. That was his script. Wow! And so, what an interesting combination to be president of the company and then also be a scriptwriter. You talk about crossing over <laughs> professions. <laughs> my goodness! Oh my goodness! So so that, that got me straight thinking about when you mentioned about with the son of the president, and then he wound up having uh-huh. a career. That's the phone? Great fun. Great fun. Okay, so we've got somebody on the phone, and then I have to go to my next Burma shave, right? I guess, because Walter's gone. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what a confusion. He is picking up the phone tonight oh, and calling. That is Celeste, so let me go get her. So you stay there. Oh, good. Okay. Walden will pick up the phone off air, get your phone number, and call Jaws you back. Professional Patricia from Alt App, Skype Trademark App, Online App, Walden so Dude App, Search Edit, Active, Favorite, Barbara Smith's Unread Messages, Erite Pet Unread Messages, Celeste from Dallas, Phone Number, Applications, Contact, Send and Invite a Group, Enter, Leaving Menus, Contact, Unloading Jaws, Cancel, OK, Enter. That old bull is some cow. Oh, 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 I have been visiting a site that will give you points for answering quizzes, and they're good ones. They're like health quizzes and health foods, and do you know enough about buying insurance? They're really quite educational. But I also discovered that each page, each quiz comes with a link so that you can get the questions in Spanish. And I discovered I can get twice as many points on the same quiz if I answer it in English and I answer it in Spanish. So oh, I get 500 Spanish points for English. For more or what? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh-huh. and then you can use your points to bid on items. And the items are really cool. So I've been answering the same quiz in two languages, except I don't know zip. I know a much, as much about Spanish as I do about building a brick chimney. So, so I was trying to match up. You know, I'd answer question number one in English and go over on the Spanish, and I'd answer question number one. Well, they must have caught on that people like me were doing this. <laughs> they, 
they mixed up the questions. <laughs> and I have no idea what they are. And apparently they don't care whether you get the answers right. As long as you finish the quiz, you get your points. And I have been, it, it's been embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm trying so hard to match up words. And there are enough words that are similar to the English word mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm doing better in pairing up the answers. But they caught on, Celeste. They caught on. Oh, dear. <laughs> you got caught. <laughs> I got caught. But I'm well, still remember, getting my... a, a great deal of English comes from Spanish. Because, I, I can uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, the Latin language was all over Europe in the early, early, early days. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of words in English that come from Spanish like the word spirit, your mm-hmm. spirit, espiritu. And that's Spanish. Latin. That That's a Latin word, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a espiritu Latin word. Tui. It's a yeah. Spanish word, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So keep taking a stab at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I'm not getting all wrong, at least. <laughs> Oh, I recognize that word from a different question. (laughs) And I was learning as long as the questions matched up, but I knew I was in trouble when the English quiz had a true or false and the Spanish quiz had pick one out of four. (laughs) I thought, this is not not matching up correctly. Well, we could cheat. You could always call me or email me, and I can give you the right. You could could get a lot of points if you let me know, and I can give you the Spanish equivalent. Oh, you're you're so funny, Ed. I thought about that after. And look at the word equivalent. Equivalencia. Equivalencia. In Spanish, (laughs) <laughs> we we could deal with that. But as I yeah. said, I figured out they don't care if you got them all wrong, just so long as you answered all of the questions. So I get we my could, 500 points. Even start if our own little, we could start our own little underground business with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come here, kid. I've got a hot special for you tonight. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is yeah. funny. Yeah. So... Okay, do you want your sentences? Mm-hmm. You know we've had this clown problem across yes. the country. Are you familiar with the clown problem? Yes, yes. It started yes. on social media, and somebody wrote a stupid thing with a picture of a really ugly clown, and people in clown suits have been terrorizing schools, communities, parents, it's just awful. They're threatening to kill people. They're th- and, and almost all of this is on social media. Sure. If you're talking about the power of social media, this is a great dealie. So yeah. I was going somewhere with this, but I don't know where. <laughs> the clowns. Let me see. Oh, the clowns. Yes, it's one of your sentences. So uh, schools are actually going into lockdown if they get a call. Then people are calling in and saying, we've got three clowns on the way and we're going to kill two kids. I mean, it's just terrible oh what's going gosh, on. Oh, my gosh, isn't I'm, I've been re- I, I saw a little bit about that, and I thought, what a perfectly horrible thing to do because, you know, Halloween is for children. And this isn't, isn't even Halloween. Horrible. This has been going on for months. 
you know, to frighten children about about Halloween. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a terrible thing to do. Yep, yep. Just and awful. there is one costume manufacturer whose clown suit costumes have increased in sales 800% this year. Sure. Just because of this craziness. Uh-huh. But schools are going into lockdown. They will get calls from these weird people, and they're tracing them. They've arrested more than a dozen, and a couple oh. of them have been charged with terrorist activities, which good. I think is dandy. This, this is really cool. I think but, that's very, very good, yeah. Yeah, so here, here was one of the sentences that a news broadcaster put out about what happened in a local high school. It said, a soft lockdown imposed at the high school today is far less restrictive than a hard lockdown. Now, I figure you have to have the brains of a box of rocks not to have figured that one out. What the heck is a soft lockdown? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's so you're allowed out in the schoolyard, but you're not allowed off property. I don't know. Um, but that that was the term. And I even listened to the whole broadcast, and they never described what was involved in a soft lockdown, but I think a it probably would be a lockdown. a soft this lockdown is, a, is less restrictive. This was an announcement. What, an what announcement in the world that, could a soft light lockdown be? I don't know, but I think everybody could have figured out that a soft lockdown isn't quite as restrictive as a hard lockdown. Yeah. And they repeated yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, well. But, but if you were trying to protect the children from being afraid why why would you do a, a soft lockdown uh, i don't i don't know um if you're I, trying I, to protect the children you know why why would you do a soft lockdown i don't quite, I, I don't know what's involved in a that. soft lockdown it's such a silly phrase isn't um, it, modif- isn't a it modified so? lo- you know a modified lockdown would make more sense than a soft yeah yeah lockdown. yeah I could see that a strict lockdown, yeah, versus a yeah. modified, modified yeah. lockdown. Yeah, that but would to make take, more sense. But to take news, a news person sitting in front of a camera to say it's less restrictive than a hard lockdown, I think we probably could have figured that out ourselves. <laughs> I think so too. I think oh my goodness! I'm oh my goodness! You what the oh. news is coming to nowadays? It is. The language being used right now and on the news programs and everything is just, you know, I just Mm -hmm. hate for my granddaughter to hear that kind of stuff that's going on now. I just, I hate it. I really, really hate it. We we need to require grammar tests of people who are doing on-air anything. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And they okay. just, you know, sometimes I see these newscasters. I can't think of one right now, but next time I hear one, I'll write one down. But uh, the language has just gone to hell in the handbasket. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just it just has. It, it's, it's terrible. And terrible the pronunciations. Terrible. The pronunciations yes. are making me crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A soft lockdown. I'm yeah. going to have to give some thought to that. <laughs> if you come up with any information, I hope you'll share it next week. 
think of is hard versus soft. I guess that, you know, maybe the only word they could come up with was soft. Well, we have to blame it on the police department. That's where he got his information. Oh, my goodness. I know. (laughs) It's scarier than just one source. It's all over the place. Yeah. 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 So what have you been up to this week? Oh, not much. Just um, actually I've been doing something very, very good. I've been getting all my, I had a lot of papers and things stacked up here and things that I've been cleaning. I've been cleaning. cleaning Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Oh, boy. To get rid of. I really have a terrible habit. If I see something in the newspaper that I want to look at later on, I don't keep the newspaper. I just rip that article out, and, oh, my goodness, I've thrown away all kinds of articles this week and things that I tore out of the newspaper, you know, Mm -hmm. doing doing things like that, doing things like that there. Things like that there. Yes, this is good. I do that online sometimes. I'll come across an article that's got a great piece of information in a couple of paragraphs. So I'll copy the paragraphs and I'll save it on a Word document. And I would do that when I got newspaper delivery instead of using online. I would do the same thing as you're describing, only sometimes I'd save the whole darn paper. Uh But I'll go through my computer backlog here, and I've got stuff on the desktop and stuff in files, and I'll come across them, and I'll look, and I'll say, what the heck did you save that for? <laughs> and so it goes out, but it was so well, important to me at the time. That's what I found. I, I, I was throwing away a lot of stuff, and I thought, why in the world did I tear that out of the newspaper? <laughs> just, Maybe I don't, the, I don't even the, know. Yeah, the temptation yeah. is, well, I'll set it aside. Maybe it'll come to me later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or I oh. think I do it because I'll think, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to, sometimes I think I, I tear out something that I disagree with, and I think, well, now I'm going to look that up and see if I'm right or they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I never get around to doing yes. that. Yes, you know, and by the time so we... there's the piece of newspaper, so I've been yes. doing things yes. like that, and my granddaughter's been visiting with me. Oh, cool. So that's, that's about all I've done this week, nothing, nothing exciting. Now, well, I want like... you to tell me, uh, Walden, who... Who were the guitar players that said they they <laughs> thought Gene Autry was a great? Oh, they, I nearly okay, dropped my okay. key. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was going to um, weekend edition, you know, the, the Scott Simon show this morning, you know, the on NPR, and he had a music expert out with a, a new music book. And uh-huh. this book is breaking up into different genres. And I imagine if Patricia probably was good up to date, they would probably would find a podcast for it. But this guy claimed when he was interviewing country singers. Uh-huh. Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Merle Travis, all the, all the, he asked what was their biggest influence. And he thought it would be the Carter family or, or Jimmy Rogers, the two that Patricia. And unanimously, all of them said it was Gene Autry. <laughs> and so in country music, his theory is 
His theory is maybe the movie, the Western movie, were a bigger influence in Western music. And they have noticed they think Gene Autry was the biggest influence on guitar playing of youngsters because he would... Oh, well, that, yeah, now, uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of that. His argument was because of Gene's guitar playing, he influenced young Americans to pick up the guitar. So that's where he... That was yeah. his claim this morning. All right. I can now, see that. Did Johnny, I, Ca- did Johnny Cash go to Gene Autry movies? I guess so, yeah. Can we know that... <laughs> Can we know for sure, as they used to say? No, I'll tell you what. It could be a big influence for this reason on young guitar players because he only used the one, four, five chords. Right. He didn't use any, he didn't use any uh, diminished chords or any, uh, anything that the beautiful guitar players Correct. really used. You Correct. know. So and and it would be easy to memorize those chords and sing along with it. I can see that. Yeah, I can see the guitar playing, but an influence on country music. Gene Autry? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's something well, wrong. Well, now, but you're just thinking. See, I'm so much older than you. You're just thinking of country music, the way you know it, Merle Haggard oh, and uh, you no, know no, various I, people I, like that. I've gone back to Mabel Carter and the original Jimmy Rogers. So I, That's I'm what really. Fam- yeah. He thought those yeah. would be the biggest influence with the, the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers, but to, to the person, it was, it was not. But so honestly, see, my, my experience goes beyond is, Johnny Cash. Yeah. If you were a young kid, though, um, and you were just picking up the guitar and you memorized three or four chords, mm-hmm. you could you could sing a lot of songs, country songs back then. But remember, that genre has, has changed so oh, much, wow. you know. I know. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. As long as you can and scream, you're cert- cool. It's it certainly, Gene Autry did not influence the great guitar players that I've heard, like, like uh, Joe Pass or, uh, all those guys. yeah, yeah. or uh, I'm trying to think of who else, um, oh, I can't remember Peggy Lee's ex-husband's name oh, Bar- right now. Uh, uh, Dave Barber. Dave Barber. See, those were all jazz mm-hmm. guitar players, and so uh, it would be hard for kiddos to pick up a guitar and imitate that, but they could imitate Gene, Gene Autry, because he only used very simple chords, you know. So I I can see that maybe it had an influence, and maybe some of them then, once they learned the simple chords, maybe they they kept stayed with it and and became good good guitar players from starting out. Because when you start playing the piano, you start with very simple chords, and then the better you get, you know. You use diminished and you use, you use uh, augmented chords and all that. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I bet it had a big influence. Now, I always thought that Roy Rogers was, would be <coughs> a more influence than Gene Autry. I think Roy Rogers used 
more chords than than Gina. Uh huh. But I'm wondering if you, if you think about it, there was sort of a generation gap between Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. And that's what I mean. You think about when Gene hit the scene, it was right in the mid thirties, and and Roy yeah. was seen with the Sons of the Pioneers. He didn't. He wasn't named the 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 king of the cowboys until Gene Autry went off to do the service. Right. So right. it was almost like a ten-year gap in a way. So by forty-four or so, Roy Rogers was the uh, the king of the cowboy yeah. per se. And I, I'm wondering. I'm just sort of thinking maybe there was a small generation gap in, in there. Even though I, I, so. even though I think You're Roy, right. I, I think even, I think Roy Rogers of that generation had the best singing voice of all those film western people. It was just, oh, I do too. You know, he had such a beautiful. And it was always good. Uh, you know, when when Dale Evans sang along with them, they had harmony when they sang together and yes. everything. Oh, I think he was much better than Gene Autry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. Very t- Gene Autry made a lot more movies than Roy Rogers did. Probably and I didn't so. know that until I started following movie posters. Huh. And they, they would have cowboy posters, movie posters, and it was page after page of Gene Autry and sprinkled here and there with a Roy Rogers. Yeah. Where was Gene Autry from? I know very little about him. Oklahoma. Oh. Oklahoma. Was he? Yeah, he was Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, because there is a Gene Autry, Oklahoma, right now. Small yeah. town, Oklahoma. And he had a very strange birth name. His uh, name was not Gene. Audrey. 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 Or Eugene Audrey Autry, I think. It, something like that. Eugene mm. Audrey Autry? Uh, no, nope, but it, it was. It, it was just plain weird. Let me let me go looking for it. It was like Odell or Ovell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was born in a small town, Oklahoma. Uh, Roy Rogers was, was born on a riverboat outside of Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. And okay, it was Orvon. I was pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Good. His first first and middle name Orvon Grover Autry. Orvon, O-R-V-O-N. I was pretty close. No Good for me. wonder he settled for Gene. Was that yes, name? yes. I mean, I'm, I would have settled for... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how... Anything, he, you know how he really Anything made... to get away from that. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I had the great experience of, uh, of seeing his wife in person because his big money maker was he bought the Los Angeles baseball team. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, he, even after he died, she stuck with that ownership of that. You know, very much so, Jackie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And well, when the Texas Rangers won the won the uh, the uh, American pennant, she came here to, to uh, present. She was very elderly, but she came here to present the trophy to the Rangers, and she still, you know, I don't know what's happened now, but she used to go to games all the time, even she after still does, died. yeah, she still does. Um, do you both, here's a good trivia question for both of you. Hmm. How did Gene Autry really make the big money? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Now, let me think. 
which is not all, in the movie. He, you're, did he you're buy the rights to his movies? Well, did he buy the rights to his movies? Not the rights. Probably, did he buy probably, them outright? Probably later, but but it was during the Second World War where he made his really big money, and it was not because of movies. Oh, okay. Really? Let's see. Okay, and it, it wasn't Cheerios. I know that. Nope. It wouldn't be baseball during nope. World War II. Nope. Um, let's see. What the heck? He wasn't in the tobacco business nope. or anything, I don't think. Nope. That does something, something to do with a different part of the entertainment business. A entertainment business. That's okay. great. Did he own... Music studios? Or? Oh, you're, get, you're getting really warm. It's yeah. another music, not studio, but something else. Did he, did he own uh, sheet music? No, nope, but you're in the right ballpark, Celeste. Uh-huh. It's not sheet music not and sheet it's mu- not music. Not studio, music. but definitely do with music. Was he into the... Um, Record business? It's uh, uh, something that records use. Uh, a jukebox business? Yes. He made it. I'll he, be done. He made his money in the jukebox business because uh, he could get access to the records. Remember during the Second World War, because the slack, because a lot of those records went off the war, discovered the slack. He right. could get his hand on the records, on the whole records, and fill up all the jukeboxes up and down. The West. And so yeah. that's, that's where he made it big money. Because I've, I've heard musicians, older musicians, uh, a lot of old musicians used to talk about the fact that during World War II, they just simply didn't have the material to make good uh, a lot. You know, if you had a big hit, it was hard to make enough copies of that to sell because of the war. You know, they yep. just didn't have the material. And it makes sense that if you put them on the jukebox, people could go in and hear them all the time, one after another, and you could make a lot of money off of those quarters or whatever it costs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that is interesting. But that's why he made it big money. But there, I was listening here a few we- years ago, and I didn't realize, you know, we had a different form of music box. You know, we have the traditional music box where you stick your money in, but there was a second version of the music box. The music box or the jukebox? Jukebox. Okay. Now, the jukeboxes that I remember seeing, there was like an arm Correct. that went around the record and slapped it on there and the needle came Correct. down. Correct. And uh-huh. I'm wondering... Was there another... There was. Was there another kind? There, there was. And, and, and I'm wondering if this in the big cities in the east... Huh. They were live jukeboxes. What live? is? What is that? Like what it is? You could pick up the phone and make a request, and they would play it. They who? Uh, the jukebox. Com- the, the jukebox company. They would have an operator that you would pick up and say, "I would like to hear such and such." Put your nickel in, and they they would answer the phone and said, "Okay." Johnny wants to hear a second sight song, and they would play it. And you'd hear it over the telephone? You would hear it over the jukebox system. Oh, I see. So you would, for example, if you were sitting in a bar or a soda shop? Correct. You would pick up, 
they would have, it must have been like a phone or whatever. You put your nickel in, pick up the yeah. receiver, and make a request. I huh. I can understand why it didn't last. It was still a company doing it on the East Coast. This no is incredible. Yeah. So you would have to get up and put a nickel in the phone. Right. In the paper. To call the right? operator right. or whoever it was. Right. And then you had to put a nickel in to hear your song instead of just putting a nickel into a machine. Well, what I'm wondering is you just put one nickel in and it was a receiver on inside on the jukebox. So it'd be like a private wire, a private line. Well, now, wait, one thing's confusing me. Did you have to listen to the song you requested on the telephone? Nope. Or was it in the room you were in? It was in the room you were in. So you pick up the phone. You go to the pay phone, pay, or, request or, or, the thing, and go back to your yeah, bed, and see, go and back to your seat, right, right. and they'd play it. Right. I never have heard of I that. I didn't either until I, a few years mean. ago. And yeah. And there's still an outfit that still does today. It must be based in the East Coast. Huh. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> what? In the, I wonder where in the world that would be. <laughs> I, I would love to go to some place and see that happen. I, know. I can't imagine. I, know. I want to I find w- out who would go through all of that rigmarole to hear a yeah. song that they could yeah. punch in. Hear me. Yeah. <laughs> hear me. This this is a really squirrely night. <laughs> a very squirrely night. Well, yes, okay, yes, okay. Yes. Gene I, Autry. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from Gene Autry to this. Right. I'm never going to and 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 Miss Piggy and Kermit too. <laughs> now here's what I used to see when I was very young, and I'd go to the movies. I only saw this. I was very young, and sometimes I'd make my my older brother, my brother's eight years older than I am, and he'd let me tag along to the movies, mm-hmm. but he, he would always say that he didn't have to sit by me. Oh. I had to sit on the first floor, and he got to sit in the balcony, I you know. And when we'd walk home, I'd, I'd have to walk a few steps behind him so nobody would know I was with him, you know. <laughs> you can't be tough and take your little sister to the movies. No. But no this way. Is what this is what I remember seeing when I was very, very young. They would show uh, the, you'd have the main feature, but they would have either Gene Autry or or uh, Roy Rogers. Then you'd have the main feature. But in between there, you could have music features that would show the band or something. And what it would show is it would show the record. It would show the jukebox, show the record mm-hmm. spinning around, and then it would fade into the fact that then there you would see Glenn Miller or whoever was playing. Their band would come on and play. As a wow. Band. And, and I think those were called soundies. They're called what? Honey? Soundies. Soundies? Yes. S-O-U-N-D-Y. Okay. I never, I, I, I never did. Ask anybody about that, but and I haven't thought about it in yeah, years. Yeah, but that, years, I think those are called soundies, and that's yeah. where it'll be like, you know, and Baker could be a short of one song, maybe two, uh-huh. but but generally uh-huh. just one, and that's that's how I came to love Joe Stafford because uh, if you you know you you'd see the record spin there when you were watching the movies. The record had spin, and then it would show the Pied Pipers and Joe Stafford and Frank Sinatra, and then then it.
later on, a lot of girls would scream and carry on when Frank Sinatra would come on the movies, you know. And I remember seeing that just a few times. You, was, you know the story behind that? What's that? You, do you know the story behind why the girls stood up? You want me to break an illusion the for Bob, the Bobby The Bobby Sox? Yes. Me? Yes. Do you want me to break an illusion? What is that? All right. I, I, I know all Sinatra fans are going to break cry over this, but it's true. Because <laughs> I, I knew Bud's, I knew Frank's agent. But Grant, I knew Bud Granoff, he was Frank Sinatra's agent. Frank's second, an agent, uh -huh, uh, yeah. And mm. Frank's original agent for George Stevens. And George had the idea, once he, you know, he booked Sinatra at Par Paramount in New York, he wanted publicity. So, the first night, he went and told every girl, if you would stand up, I'll give you 50 cents. Oh. If you would stand <laughs> on the chair, I gave you a dollar. <laughs> and that's how come that whole thing started, because Frank's agent <laughs> paid either 50 cents or a buck to get the girls to scream. So that's, that's yeah. how that all came yeah. about. I can do it today for a dollar. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. And and that's where the word Bobby Soxers came from, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I would assume so. Everybody had those white socks, usually with saddle oxfords, but sometimes with loafers, saddle oxfords, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, could I have a dollar? Sure. You want to scream sorry. first? You want to scream first? Uh, I have to get up on my chair for that. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. For, get on for chair. 50 cents, I can just scream. Okay. But for a dollar, I have to climb up on a chair. Yes. In my current condition, I think just 50 cents worth. <laughs> 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 it's probably yeah. the safest route to take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you one thing that is true. When he broke away from Tommy Dorsey, got out of his contract with Tommy Dorsey, yep. and went to New York to the Paramount Theater, when the band came out to play behind him, the screams were so deafening that people in the band backing him up couldn't believe what the heck was going yeah. on. They could hardly even hear themselves play. That's uh, true. Well, B. Wayne, who is now 99, he'll be, she'll be 100 next April. I Everybody know. Loved, we'll loved, she said, on the Your Hip Parade show, it was so much fun because all the girls would scream during the show. And, uh -huh. he, and he said, generally, all the girls brought their boyfriends. And so the boys' friends would all scream for her. So she said, it was so much fun. They have... <laughs> they have the yeah. the the character yeah. group involved once in a while, so a little bit yeah. of competition there. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I've listened. Uh, I've heard here on Yesterday USA some of the hit parade. Yeah. Um, you know the uh, on the, the radio uh -huh. with you with you guys. I mean on Yesterday USA. Right. And you know. Um, there are sometimes, of course, I don't remember, I, I wasn't old enough to really hear that and critique it when I was so young. My brother 
is eight years older. He played it a lot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of those arrangements and some of the coordination on there was not so very good. Well, B. Wayne said the senior hated it. Was kind of, it was kind of fly by your pants, you know. Well, the senior, the problem was B. Wayne used to talk about it because it would drive the seniors and the band nuts because George Washington Hill, the head of American Tobacco, or the sponsor right. of your head. Like, like hitting that lucky strike. Yep. Uh-huh. He wanted always the businessman bounce. He didn't care long for fast and loud. And he didn't care if the bow was supposed to be sun nice and soy. He wanted some bounce. And that used yeah. to drive them crazy because they, you know, they had their do almost everything at a faster tempo than what they were. So in a lot of ways, if you're saying you have a good ear, so I, that's, that did happen. Yeah. Now, Axel was, uh, was a good writer and good, yep. good conductor for Frank Sinatra. And I think the really most beautiful thing he did was, that, was the sign-off. I think put your dreams away uh-huh. for another day. That's it's a beautiful. beautiful song. Well, the one song, the one, the one song, and we have it from 1948. That was the year when the Woody Woodpecker song became the hot record. <laughs> yes, okay, yes. And, and that was, that was a Kay Kaiser song, and Harry Babbitt. Uh-huh. Harry Babbitt had ha 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 ha. Right, right. And Gloria uh-huh. Wood sang. That got to the point that it hit the charts. Reach up to number one, and I can listen to the broadcast where Frank Sinatra is imitating the Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, that and was you terrible. And you can just tell he was not happy doing that. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know when he uh, when he was at um, I can't remember where was Mitch Miller. He was Columbia. at Capitol. Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you know he he just was a tyrant, and those gals, Rosemary Clooney and all of them, they had to record the most horrible songs. You know, Patty, yep. what's your name? What? How much is that doggy in, in the, the window? Patty Page. But if yep. you if they did not want to sing those silly songs, but Mitch Miller was just a tyrant, and he he made them sing record those things. Well, that's, um, you know, I don't, I don't think Frank Sinatra ever gave, forgave Mitch for the great song he forced him to sing. The Woody Woodpecker. No, no, that was on the radio show, but on an actual commercial record, Mitch Miller told Frank he had to record. Oh, something about uh, what was that song he made him sing? Ma- I remember that. It was Mama Will Bark. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes, Mitch Miller had Frank Sinatra sing a song called Mama Will Bark. And if Frank that man did yeah, not yeah. have a sense of humor. He was cruel. It was Frank Sinatra and Dagmar. And, uh-huh. so, and so Dagmar had the little one-word line, and, uh-huh. and Sinatra had a howl like a dog. Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh yes. Boy. And that was, that was just the lowest. His marriage was falling apart, and yep. he, he just... That was the lowest part in his, his Mama will feelings. You know. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. 
But then, thank goodness, Johnny Mercer and everybody got together and did Capitol Records, and that saved a lot of careers because, you know, Johnny Mercer wanted good music. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In he fact, uh, Larry called me this week. We got an email. He got me from a a old time radio co- who lived next, who was a Spurvac member, and his mail got mixed up with Margaret Whiting's daughter. Oh. And uh-huh. so they've been coming and she's been inviting everybody to look at all the memorabilia. Of course, Margaret Whiting, of course, you know, long relationship at Capitol, right. and Johnny Mercer. So I told Larry, then we should be try to get her daughter on, and then tr- probably get somebody from the Johnny Mercer Foundation on and, and try to devote a night to... Oh, that would be good, because, yeah. you know, uh, Johnny Mercer wrote songs. Margaret Whiting's father was a songwriter. Correct. Rachel Whiting. And Johnny Mercer put lyrics to some of his songs. They were very close, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That, that was the thing that Larry and I were talking about this week. Uh-huh. So, on the docket. Oh, that would, that would be so good, Walden. Thank you. That would be a wonderful show. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. Well, I'm still sitting here scratching my head to Gene Autry, but... <laughs> so am I. I. I have a question for you before you go. Okay, honey. Did you grow up or learn about when you were a kid any superstitions or old wives tales oh heavens yes my oh heavens my, tell me well my my uh my father's people my and my mother's people more irish on my daddy's side roberts was my maiden name <clears throat> and um uh n- never had on the bed Never. Oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, never. Don't you ever do that. And if a little salt is spilled, you got to throw a tiny, a few grains over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if I can think of anything you didn't mention before. I was trying to think if we had any more unusual ones. How uh, about home remedies? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Home remedies, yeah. What did I you have get a for a home? I have a question for both home remedy on that. What goes into mustard plaster? Mustard. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, but I, I can't remember what. Well, it, it's, it's hot. It, it's a it's hot. It's hot. Plaster. Yeah. You put you rub that on the your chest when men would come home and be sick with pneumonia or children with pneumonia. You'd rub this mustard with and i i can't think of what else was in there uh i i cannot patricia do you know is it hot is it hot mustard but no no (laughs) the mustard wasn't hot you you put this gooey stuff on your on the chest on where the lungs are and then you put a hot water bottle on top of that and that's what made it hot Mm. now they're they're talking about the powdered mustard seed, the like the Coleman's mustard. Right. Um, let me see what else. All right. I don't, Wikipedia is I always don't good. know about the mustard, but I do know that the hot water bottle is what made it hot. Did you ever have car liver oil or what are those, uh, what was the oil that people drank to get rid of? Oh, they used Castor to make baby, Castor oil. baby you baby snooks had to drink cod liver oil. I think one of those whole radio programs was devoted yeah. to that. Well, Why, Daddy? 
<laughs> right. Those were your vitamins. No, I never castor, had to drink that. Castor oil was the springtime clean-out stuff. Yeah. Spring cleaning extended to kids, too. <laughs> yeah. They did. They got castor oil in the springtime. Mom cleaned the house. I and never the, had to drink castor oil or, or anything like that. I was very I was very fortunate, yeah. Never, never had to do it. I didn't either. Mm, well, did it say good. what's in the mustard plaster? Yeah, powdered mustard, the, the the really hot powder, and what's it mixed with? Uh, it it just said um, a poultice made of mo- of mustard seed powder spread inside a protective dressing, and applied okay, you over put it, the. Uh-huh. Uh Let's see. It used to be warm the muscle tissue. There's got to be more than this. I mean, at least it has to be wet for goodness sakes. Now Let's I see. tell you, for my family, if we jammed our our hand or our foot or toes, we always use hot water and salt. So right, you, you, salty. Yep. Uh huh. And that's how we yeah. Epsom salt. Epsom yeah. salt. That's sort of what our Epsom home salt. Made. Oh my goodness! Now my family used that. You bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Mustard plaster. We've got one part dry mustard, the mustard powder, yeah. eight to ten parts of flour, and enough warm water to make a paste. Okay. So that, that sounds... And then you get three pieces of cheesecloth. Good grief. Why don't you just take some Vicks Vapor Rub? Um, three pieces of cheesecloth or fleece, about 12 inches wide, to wrap around the chest. Uh-huh. And spread the mixture on the cloth. Then start on the top of one shoulder near the neck, wrap diagonally. Holy cats, you had to mummify these people. Wow. Good heavens. They must have looked like Frankenstein when they got yeah. through. Yeah. Well, I always I always heard my mother and grandmother say that after you would put this mustard stuff on, I think they put a hot water bottle on top of that. And you can imagine how gooey that, wouldn't that be awful? Boy, that must have been hot. Yeah. And then on top of all of this bandaging with all of this goo underneath, they want you to put on an old an old T-shirt. Now, all of this stays on for 20 minutes. It took you two hours to put it on, for goodness sake. <laughs> but you only kept it on for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Well, you know, <laughs> that, that sure reminds me of other home, home remedies. You know, generally to get rid of a cold or something, they're always thought to sweat it out so yeah. you know either take a really hot shower or, or take uh-huh. something to try to make yourself perspire that I, I don't know if that really did anything but that used to be the idea to try to get, get over a cold yeah yeah well you always see in these old 1940 movies uh when a man's been out drinking too much or they have a cold <laughs> they mm-hmm. go to those steam, steam rooms you know yep and sit there and sweat it out in a steam room. Yeah, I don't know oh, if that's that. That's great. I don't know you if get that works. Get a hangover from being dehydrated. <laughs> yes. Well, I imagine ever since <laughs> some interesting remedy just to try to get, get over a hangover. People probably try did all sorts of things the next morning. Uh, yeah, they they used to talk about the hair of the dog that bit you. Meaning, yeah. if you were drinking scotch, if you had a drink of scotch, you'd uh-huh. feel better. And your hangover would go away. And actually, the hangover is because the alcohol dehydrated you. Okay. So if yeah. you went to a steam room, you'd be a wreck by the time you came out. 
it would seem so, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. So, so theoretically, yeah. what you need to do is really put water, uh, water or something back in your body, right? If that in yes. a way. Yeah, you uh-huh. would need and to sugar. hydrate yourself yeah. because the the alcohol dehydrates you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Gee whiz. Now, when you my know, brother all of these played, wonderful remedies, it's amazing we have <laughs> any property left in cemeteries. <laughs> well, you know the old saying used to be, "This will either kill you or cure you." <laughs> and it looks like some of them kill or really cure. <laughs> wow. When my brother played basketball, I can remember that he would come home at night, and we always had a lot of mother always had a big thing of Epsom salt, and she would get a hot. Uh, as warm as he could stand it, and he would soak his feet in that from playing basketball, Epsom salts, you know. And mm. um, if you hurt your hand or, or your wrist or something, you could soak it in Epsom salt. And I'm sure that he had a good, good, good effect, you know. It increases the circulation. Uh, yeah, yeah, get the circulation going. And then my mother would take a towel and just rub my brother's feet real hard after he'd soaked for a while. Yeah. He so, played basketball so, in college. So a way that could be like a massage. And that would have been good for the for the feet, you know, to rubbing the towel back and forth. <laughs> that's, and what, that's what my mother used to give him a massage after he soaked, you know. Mm. Yeah. But you always see these 1930 and 40 movies when... Cary Grant and various people, when they're in trouble with their wives for drinking, they'll go oh, to yeah. a steam, steam room, you yeah. know, and get a rub down and all that. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, well, I don't know what a soft, now what what were we saying? A soft we lockdown. Might be a relative, a, a relative to a soft pistol. What do you think? <laughs> they really are soft. <laughs> yeah. So a soft lockdown. Well, I'll, have to see. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can get the ingredients of a soft lockdown. <laughs> the soft lockdown. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to take the Spanish quiz now, if there's something you want, email me and see. I we can cheat. I can email you back the <laughs> sentence, and you can you can win all kinds of things. <laughs> but they still give me the lot. points, even we, if I get the so, We could have an underground business with this. No, I think this is really cool. I probably well, shouldn't have said it out loud that I can take two tests I at know. the same time, and they're the same test. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that's in that business is saying to themselves, you know, I was listening to, to the Internet the other <laughs> night, and two nutty ladies were trying to, <laughs> to beat our game. <laughs> Anyway, well, I'm going to let you guys All go. All right, we'll, we'll talk to you long. soon. Okay, love you both. Same Bye-bye. Here, Celeste. Thank Bye-bye. you, Celeste. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our number here is 714-545-2071. I want to mention an interesting author we're going to have at the end of November, November the 25th. His name is Robert Matson. And he has two brand new books coming out. One here now, and he won in early January. The first one is on Jimmy Stewart Military Service. The whole, wow. The whole career of Jimmy Stewart in the military. 
and the other one, he is reached in death to kill the the kill Lombard crash, and mm. so and that's because next year we're on the seventy fifth anniversary of that. So we're going to be talking about to him about both books here at late November. So put that on your docket, November twenty fifth, seven one four five four five two zero seven one's our number. Hal Perry, Sun Page, that interview will be run the first Friday in November, November the 4th. So, I think a lot of people will enjoy uh, a good look at his dad for over an hour on that calendar, November the 4th. Now, that's going to be fun stuff. For no, for no further ado, <laughs> the woman with all the answers. What? Because she knows everything. What? Or know how to find everything. What? Here, Patricia. Yeah. Hi. And? Well, that's why you're so brilliant. You know how to find everything. <laughs> what am I looking for? Nothing. I'm just giving you plenty of billboards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just getting credit for stuff. Uh huh. All right. Well, under your colonial questions, I've got some fun stuff. Um, and I'll ask you a colonial question later, but okay. for now, did you know Patrick Henry, my hero, yes. had 17 children? He was busy, huh? How did he have time to run a law practice and say, give me liberty or give me death? Uh, how do you raise 17 children? He had His first wife died. They had six children, I think it said. They had six children, and then he had 11 children with his second wife. I wonder of of our of our American heroes, my dear. In yes. Any, any any field of interest. Yes. Who is the king of 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 children, and how many? You you think 15 to 17 is the max, or you think any of them had about 20 to 25? Well. I think we would have to do DNA testing around the world to keep track of Benjamin Franklin. That's true. Um, he only had, uh, he had, what, two sons and a daughter well, who well, were well, in this guy. And he never got married. He was never married. He was a common Did law, you know that? A common law wife, yep. It's, that is correct. Yep. And I don't even know if they had the category or classification or whatever word you want to put on it of common law in colonial times. I don't know how they dealt with that. I think a common Nobody law wife back if for seven years then they made you a common law wife, I think that would throw the, the, uh, the rule of thumb, I guess, in those days. Even in colonial times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Well, it makes a lot of sense because nobody seemed to be, you know, for for... A, a religious-oriented country growing yeah. up. Right. You know, we had Puritans and Quakers, right. and um, we had we had so many religions. But the the religions really formed the foundations for so many of the um, underpinnings of yeah. the legal the legal system, the yeah. community systems, and nobody seemed at all put out that. Benjamin Franklin had a common-law wife and children with her. So it must have been quite an ex- either that or he was 
such a powerhouse that nobody dared say, how could you do that? Jaws Professional, Patricia O tab, Skype trademark tab, okay. online tab, Walton Hill tab, search edit, <laughs> active <laughs> favorites. Barbara unread yes. messages, unread message, Ron right, from Dave Kane, Dan from Indiana, phone number favorite. Applications, send right, it, invite a group, enter, leaving menus, Patricia do, unloading do, job, cancel, okay, enter. Common law marriage. And we are back here on Yesterday USA. 1753. I didn't know we were gone. Were we gone? No, we, we're, bringing a, we're bringing a friend. Oh. I we have the marriage back yet. in 1753. Who's there? Oh, you're I've heard there's a standing by. There he is. There you are. Daniel from Indiana. This is Dan from yes. Indiana who has cheated on his homework. He has what? not turned in homework. He has turned in Internet links. Walden, what do you think? Okay. Let me, can, I, can, <laughs> I, can I question him, Your Honor? Your Honor, at oh, I, what? Oh, I certainly. You're the defense attorney. Okay, now let's see here. What the female? Oh, wait a minute. What, I'm, I'm, wait, wait I'm, a minute. I'm the prosecutor. Okay, what the, the defense attorney? What, what's a good? You know, she saw a male judge, Your Honor, right? What's a female mm-hmm. judge? An honorette? Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Your Honor, may I question the gentleman on the stand here? Oh, I get to be the judge. Yes. Oh, this is even better oh, than yeah. the prosecutor. Yes. Okay, why, of course. Okay. Daniel. Present, yes. <laughs> Do you I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up for this. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Mr. Attorney, I would, I would like to just jump in here and yeah. let people know that we are talking about a homework assignment that Dan had last week. We were talking about hurricanes turning north into colder water, which defies everything I've ever known about hurricanes that thrive on warm water. And the, dis- the definite, or not the description, the reasons that I had been coming across was because wind shear was breaking up the hurricanes and it was making a difference in where they went. And Dan was going to find out what influence wind shear had on hurricanes. Did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm the judge. Go ahead and and cross-examine your... (laughs) Dan. Where's our attorney? Dan. There you are. Yes, yes, Uh, yes. What you turned into a judge, would that... Would that meet, did that meet all the requirements that she asked for? Well, uh, if she was going to email the assignment, I don't believe I ever received it. And I was driving home tonight, and I was thinking, oh, I'm supposed to get something to Patricia on wind shear. So I, number one, wasn't clear on the assignment, okay. and number two... Uh, remembered at the last minute and uh, wasn't sure exactly what I was supposed to turn in. Mr. District Attorney, may I make a comment? Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> if I find, if I, if I go looking in my sent file uh-huh. and read out loud okay. what I sent to the defendant yes. in terms of 
a homework assignment. Yes. Would would that vindicate me when he says he never got it? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Your Honor. Oh, now I have to go look. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you send me an email? I don't think that's I ever what, received that's it. That's what we're going to find out. I did. I sent it. That, I sent it Saturday night gonna after be, we got off the air. That's going to be what's, uh-huh. what's, what's the word number one uh, legal exhibit number one. If if Patricia can find the email. Yes. Okay. okay. That's exhibit number one. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Let's see here. Dan, I was mentioning okay. earlier that Nebraska beat Indiana today in football, and they were uh, you were you were you were my first. You were the first person I heard anything. Uh, I, I I didn't even know Indiana was playing today. So most people don't even know if they had a football team. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they were talking about they had this uh, small field for kids to play. It, 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 did I hear that correctly? You, you have any idea is that true? Maybe you've never been to Booming, Bloomington, Indiana. Mm. I don't know. I've been up there, but, well, I, I mean, I commuted from from here t- to Bloomington for about, uh, well, three years. Uh-huh. For my degree, but um, you know there is a large area around the stadium, but I don't know if they have a kids' field or anything like that. No, it's been a busy, busy week. I had a teacher conference and and uh, in home, and and we had teachers from the southern half of the state, and it's just been a busy, busy week. So, what was the main topic? So, but, what was uh, the main t- topic of the teacher conference this week? It was put on by the Indiana Historical Society, and and uh, it was on how to uh, help teachers with their assignments, and uh, how to find resources, and how to find contact people, and we gave them copies of a new history book that's being put out by uh, Dr. James Madison from Indiana University, and uh, we had a gentleman from the uh, the department, the Indiana State Department of Education, Dr. I don't know if he was Dr. Bruce Baum Blumberg was his name. And we had a good number of teachers from the southern part of the state. So it was a busy, busy week. And what was your role? Were you, were you there to help support them? Is that sort of what you wound up oh. doing? Yes, uh-huh. we'd been uh, meeting since May on setting up this conference. There were conferences throughout the state of Indiana. There was one in Terre Haute and Valparaiso and then there was it's all tied in with the bicentennial for uh, Indiana. We are now into the last two months of the bicentennial. Oh and then in uh, on, uh, well today in fact, well on the 15th that was when the uh, Torch, the Indiana Torch uh, arrived in Indianapolis. It left Corden on the 9th of September, and it arrived in Indianapolis today on the 15th. So it's been through 92 counties since then. So have you guys put, this is the bicentennial, right? So 200 years, right? Mm-hmm. 200 years, yes. Have you made a top 200 list with the most 200 most famous people from Indiana or 200 most historical events from Indiana? Or do we have a, a list created for the bicentennial? 
Well, to my knowledge, from Governor Pence, when he was in Corden on the 26th of June, he said there were over 1,300 events going on in Indiana for that year, and that was through June. So I don't know how many more um, events. They are having. They are putting together one-minute clips for, um, and I think I sent you one. You remember the commercial I sent? You that was filmed in Corden. That was one of the right. 200 events. And then uh, Jane Pauley has been doing bicentennial minutes too. And um, those are also being shown on TV. We have a link for those two that are being aired throughout the state. But, no, Pat, but we don't. Do we have a top 10 list, like a written list that people want to say? I want to know. Who are the top ten most famous people from Indiana? You have such a list that you can send out. There may be one, but if there is, I'm not privy to it at okay. this point. I'd have to I'd have to research to see if there's been a list of top ten. And sounds like something David Lehrman would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you want to write the next the top ten Indiana book. What do you think, Dan? Do I now? Maybe you want to be the author of the top ten book. The top ten. The top ten. The top ten. Yeah. Top ten anything from uh-huh. Indiana. Cool. Well, you know, the, you know, the top musician would probably be Hoagie Carmichael. Not bad. Not, Not bad. The top musician. Yes, yes. My my predecessor met Hoagie Carmichael. He came down. And he painted the Constitution, the Constitution elm. A picture of it. He, sure. Hokey Carmichael was painter, painter too. I, I was just going to ask you, paint. What did he paint? Your house? Oh no, <laughs> no. He, he was a painter. I did not know that. An artist. An artist and also a painter. I did not know uh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just full of That's good right. Stuff. Yes, I'm trying to keep it all inside this noggin of mine here. Well, well, I either didn't up send one or it went with the stuff I deleted this week. Oh. So, so. So. So should we should we wave should we wave that to a further? No, uh, I don't have any evidence. So. So he's off the hook. We have to accept. Yeah, we have to accept his word for All it. Right, I. Dan, you're I off don't the have hook. any evidence. So. I tell you. I tell you. I think I, a librarian tra- should. I think a librarian should retain a homework assignment as simple as what does wind shear do to a hurricane. But I'm the judge. I can't say anything. Can you? Can I give? Did you Did you look at any of the links that I sent you? I did not. Have not been there. Okay. Yet. Well, well, well. There, there were not only uh, there were text explanations and diagrams of hurricanes. Uh, of what wind shear does, yes, to tropical cyclones, otherwise known, commonly really? referred to as hurricanes. Yes, yes. Huh. I have a whole. Right. So. I have a whole Carmichael question for the reference librarian. Uh, yes. How may I help you, please? Can you give me? <laughs> can you give me his t- top two well-known songs he wrote? Uh, Stardust would be number one. Very good. And gosh, I'm trying to remember the other one. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe 
be people will argue it, but the one I recognize. Yeah. 1946. Um, 1946. Mike Douglas with the band singer, who later had the TV show. Really? Mm-hmm. Sure, yes, uh-huh. Kay Kaiser. Um, okay, now hold on here. Just Was this Mike Douglas's big hit? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I'm... I think I'm getting Mike and, Douglas and Murph Griffin confused. And, and you probably and you probably see this in the Indiana Skies, because that's sort of what he probably Hoggy wrote about it because of the Indiana Skies. Was it Old Buttermilk? Very good, Dan. I'm proud of you. Yes. Very yes. Okay. Yes, you're proud of me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Old Buttermilk guy. Right. Yep. Very good. Very good. Yes. Yes. Have, have you looked out tonight? There's a huge full moon out there, or what appears to be full moon. I have not. Well, you should go look at this thing before it disappears. I have to. <laughs> Do I have you're, you're, to? You're, you're acting awfully goofy tonight. It's a full moon out there. <laughs> it's just tonight? Is, am I any goofier than usual? I tell you, I think the champ, I think the champagne lady here has been nipping at this uh, product here a little bit. Oh, just the, just okay, the, okay, it, just the bubbles. Patricia, Patricia, yes, if you look out your office window, can you see? I have to get up to do that. Oh well, the last time you did it, did you? There was a moon out the sky. Well, I didn't check. I didn't realize that we had. Well, of course, it also depends on. Where it's hanging, if it's hanging in the front Wait of the building, I got a way to cheat. There you must, have to what? I have Go. a way for you to cheat on this. Okay. I, there must be a website where somebody <laughs> got the moon on display every day of the year. So you Google, oh, there's got to be a site, right, you know, okay. some camera pointing at the moon. And then that way you can say, this oh, yeah, be, Dan, I see it. This could be dangerous, you know. If you just blindly type in, I I know I gave Patricia something like that one time. It was some it was some not family oriented program site. We'll put it that way. So you never know. Oh my gosh! I even remember the name that you gave me. (laughs) Holy cats! This this is not a place we. Believe believe me, it was not a G-rated site. We'll put it that way. Be, being a uh, Sherpa for the Internet, uh, yes, you don't need to tell me about this. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was a honey. Do these, do these okay, block, let's see. Do these blocking software help, Dan? Do the libraries have blocking software that they don't, you know, that would prevent people well, from seeing certain sites at that point? One, one thing you have to remember with the Internet, nothing is foolproof. Okay. So, I'm not surprised. You know, but that's yes, yes, yes. And plus, there are people who can get around anything. It says, "Watch the yes. sky at NASA, the NASA website." Let's see, <gasps> millions, billions, and billions of stars, but there's no moon. No moon. What do we do with the moon? <laughs> well, the moon is not a star; it's a satellite. I know. But they said, watch the skies with us, and all I see is billions and billions of stars. 
That's where Carl, Carl Sagan had that. Uh, it, it, he pursed his lips when he said the word billions. Mm-hmm. It didn't come out like a wide sound to him. He said billions. And it was, he was such a fun person to listen to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We were so I think lucky. tonight maybe. Tonight might be the harvest moon. Really? So what's a harvest moon? Uh, I mean, that's what they call it. You know, just yeah. I mean, do we do we do we have a good harvest under the harvest moon? That's 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 the rumor. Okay. Harvest moon. That's the rumor. Did you ever walk under the moonlight sky to farm things, Dan? Oh, brother in hell. You tell me it wasn't. You tell me you spent some days where you started at six in the morning, and you worked until midnight on the old farm. Uh, yes. You didn't get. We we planted to, we we planted tobacco, by, truck light. Once or twice or three, four so, times. So you guys did get paid overtime for that, huh? Uh, paid? <laughs> well, what, what, what is this pay you refer to? Yeah, the same ones we get. <laughs> okay, it is the harvest moon, which is referred to as the hunter's moon of October. And it is a full moon. And okay. it is said says right here, mm-hmm. rise in the early hours of Sunday morning, which is what we are in at this very moment. Now, see, you yeah. heard it here first. Okay, so my, next, qu- my, next, my next question is, <laughs> for the is this, as a pros- is this as a prosecutor, a defendant, no, 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 a defendant's it, attorney, no. or just Walden? Just, just, just Walden. Okay. Just well, plain Walden? Yeah, just plain Walden <laughs> for both. <laughs> How many different moons do we have? Well, as far as I know, we've only got one. But, but, you know, we we hear half moon, harvest moon. Half moon, quarter moon, new moon. moon. Yes. Yes. We don't have an old moon, but we do have a new moon. We have blue moon. Um, That's true. So there must be a list of moons. Well, we talk about first quarter, half moon, third quarter, new moon. Well, you have the waxing and waning moon, which are your quarter moons. You're filling yes. up or mm-hmm. emptying out. Yes. Do you know how to look at the moon and decide whether or not it is waxing or waning? No. When you look at the moon, it will have a crescent that either favors the bottom of the moon mm-hmm. or the top of the moon. And if it's the bottom... It's filling up like a cup. If and you if were you cup, were asking about waxing and waning. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. And you, you, if you were the crescent, if the crescent is closer to the top, it will look like a vessel that is pouring things out. Ah. So it is waning. Somebody else taught me that. I have no idea if it's true. But it sounds. And good. you were talking about. You were talking about old wives' tales, you know, and when you're, when you have a waxing moon, when it looks like it could be filling up with, with water, that is right. Hmm. That's a waxing moon. And that, 
that that is when the rumor has it that it will not rain because the moon is catching the rain. <gasps> it lies, but isn't that great? Isn't that isn't that a nice story That's to tell? Fun. Okay, That's so... fun. Uh, now mm-hmm. you depended on the weather so much for the work that you did and the the crops and the the whole ninety eight yards here. How much of that do you think actually happened? Was it less likely to rain when the crescent was at the bottom? Uh. There are certain weather signs that are out there, and mm-hmm. roughly, I'd say one, I'd say one third of them are truly accurate. Such as, can you give an example? Uh, up here we have, up here we have silver poplar trees. My grandmother had them in her front yard, and when they would turn, when the leaves looked like they were turning uh, white, that usually meant there was a sign that we would have rain. Interesting. And my grandmother would tell us that if the leaves on the trees got loose and the backside of the leaves turned up, that it was going to rain. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear anything like that? I've been staring at leaves. I have, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it true? Yep. Yeah. Uh, It seemed to work out that way. This was my German grandmother. How accurate was it to read the color of the sky to determine weather? Oh. Well, red sky at night meant sailors delight. Red sky in the morning meant sailors take warning. And usually if you had clouds moving in, that would cause the sky to turn a red color. So... There is some truth to that. Okay. My goodness. I mean, it's not a hundred percent, but no. you know, there is a, a grain, a grain of truth to it. How about how about any other colors in the sky that might give you a tip, whether besides red? Blue. Mm-hmm. Um. Blue. When there's Blue. a halo around the moon, that usually means that there's ice crystals in the atmosphere, which can lead to rain. Okay. I mean, it's not a hundred percent accurate, but you know, it's something to keep in mind. Mhm. Mhm. So, those are just one couple that come to mind offhand. Huh. Okay, somebody's going to have a live broadcast of the moon tonight. Live broadcast for this month's moon. And it of the says, full moon? Yeah, according to Google, it says, forget about it. Something's broken here. <laughs> Just <laughs> we'll try another link. Oh, there we go. Paul Hunter's moon. But it's not it's not a live dealie. We were looking for a live dealie. Wouldn't it just be easier to go out and go up and pull the curtain back and look out and see what's going on? There's a website with a, with a telescope on it somewhere. You know? Yeah, there is. There are a bunch of them. Are they? You know, some some of them are a little spooky to click on, but mm. let's see. What is a hunter's mood? All you need, including when you can see it. No, we want to see it. How to watch a full blood moon? Never Jelly Express. That. that must be 
That must be the British sites. Okay. Well, I think Full Blood Moon. I think the Full Blood Moon is the next one coming up. I think that's the oh. November moon, but I might be wrong about that. Oh, it says Hunter's Moon 2016. That's tonight. And mm-hmm. Poland, where and when and how to watch the Full Blood Moon tonight. That's mm-hmm. tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. I'll bet it's a British site. Let's see. Are you we think, having a good time or what? Yep, it is. It is. It's the United <laughs> Kingdom. There it is. And it's the it's one of the Venus red moon shots that they're showing here. How about the light How for come the moon? they got red and we didn't? I don't know. How about the light for the moon? Is it the peak at midnight or is it a different time when the, the brightness of the moon is the strongest? Yeah. Different. It's different times because it's we're rotating around there you the go. sun. That makes sense. Yeah. Ooh, I can't find anything, but it sure is interesting looking. I need. I need to find. I need to get up, don't I? No. <laughs> There's a Milky Way. It's a Milky Way. I have to untangle myself. I've got wires and keyboard. Oh, you better do that, Patricia. Don't hang yourself. Oh. Oh. Do this she's, for anybody but you. Or Walden. She's going to take a fall. I can tell it. Yeah. Don't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, don't we, do we, it. Wait a minute. We need to get a report from Patricia. We need. We see. She she gave us a number last Saturday. We need to find out how how she how did she do. Oh, on my exercises. Yeah. I did them six times. You bet. You did pass your goal. Good job. Yes, I did. But please don't ask me to do it again. I get credit for this coming week. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, and I did better. I mean, the last one was really good. So, what's your goal for next Saturday? Is it zero? Oh, no. My goal for this week was five. Uh Uh-huh. So, what about next week? And I did six, so I get credit for one, so next week is four. Four. Okay, so that's your goal, four. Is that acceptable? Yes, acceptable. You're going to set the goal, so we're going to... Oh, I'm the goal setter. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You, you, and you, I figured you, we're more apt for you to meet your goal by the goals you set. All right. Well, try the lanai first here. <laughs> I get two directions from the lanai. Let's see. Oh, boy. Um, well, we have beautiful lights out here. Are you growing yes. anything, Dan, in, in your front or backyard right now? Is it pretty much getting ready for winter right now? Pretty much getting ready for winter, though we might hit the 90s uh, come Tuesday and Wednesday, which would, if it gets above 91, it would set a record for the date. Wow. It was 83 here earlier tonight. I mean, I don't know how warm it got completely because mm-hmm. I didn't get out till after 5, but it was a very warm day. The leaves are still green down here. I, I think that they're just going to turn brown and fall. We have no color yet, except green. We have no fall autumn color at this point. I have done my duty. Yes. Yes. What do you have to report? Yes. It looks, it looks like the moon has moved to the other side of my building because I can see that there's a great deal of light in the sky, but I cannot see the moon, and you are not, 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 not. <laughs> Not. 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 Don't not. You make me put my shoes on and walk around the building. <laughs> I just know you're not going to do that, oh, no. right? Oh, no. Besides, there are raccoons out there. 
We There's know what? Raccoons. There are raccoons out there. We know how much Patricia loves raccoons. Raccoons and I are not having a love affair. We had a raccoon that one of the students, uh, he put out his cell phone to capture the image of Stanley the raccoon, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it went viral. And Stanley was making off with the uh, student's cell phone while it was recording <laughs> the events. It, uh, honest, honest, it made it, it. It went viral. It even made the Time Life. Uh, it made the Time Magazine the uh, website. If Stanley, if Stanley had the phone, was he the one who uploaded it? Uh, I think the phone was recovered. Stanley got tired of packing the phone. That is really so. funny. That is the phone was, phone was out of minutes. He couldn't call anyone. <laughs> I'll have to send you the link. But oh. no, if you if you research if you search for Stanley the raccoon, and probably put cell phone, you will get oh, a two minute image of a raccoon making off stealing a, a raccoon <laughs> oh. bandit stealing so a cell phone. Are you telling me that's what your school's known for? Is a raccoon taking a cell phone? Is that the high mark that the... Boy, at least uh, the other place had a we, white squirrel. Yeah, true. All right. Stanley the <laughs> raccoon. And Stanley I'll see your white squirrel and, run your, and raise you a raccoon. <laughs> In the news. What a cute face. Oh, no, it isn't. He's exactly. got teeth. Oh, dear. He has teeth. All right. Well, raccoons have teeth. Oh boy. Oh, they right. have... now, they, you know, you know. Yeah. Most most raccoons wash their their items before they carry them. Correct. Or before eat them. they eat them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 They so still have very large. Probably teeth. lucky the. It's probably lucky the uh, Samsung G6 didn't get uh, dunked in the <laughs> local stream before it was packed off. <laughs> That's true. All right, you, you want cell phone? Yeah. You want cell phone protection? Here, we've got we've got a raccoon for you. Right <laughs> yeah. um, All right, Dan. Really what is the state flower of Indiana? The state flower of Indiana is the peony. What's the state animal? Uh, state animal. Um, Patricia, good I question. I'm. Patricia and I had a discussion about that, every state. Okay, so what about the state? I'm not sure of the state. How about the state bird? The cardinal. And the model? Crossroads of Indiana, I believe. Ah, okay. Crossroads of America. So we don't know what the the animal is from Indiana. You did very well, Dan. Three out of four. I don't know if there's a state animal or not. Oh, there has to be. I know there's a state stone. A bookmark. State stone is now it's gone. There's limestone. Limestone. There's state. Mm -hmm. How about a state tree? There a tree? Yes, the tulip poplar. Well, you know, it's always good to have one you cannot pronounce because no one can challenge it because then they can't spell it either. Would you repeat that? What? The tree? A tulip? Yeah, it's tulip, oh, the tulip poplar. Tree. Oh, I think I Yeah, got tulip poplar. It's uh yeah. Tulip it's a... poplar. Yes, I know what I I do understand. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My ears yes. didn't Pooh Bear says maybe they have a piece of fluff in their ears if they don't hear you well. <laughs> I had a piece of fluff <laughs> in my ear. 
and for the exactly. business. Okay, states. Exactly. This is so discouraging. I know I saved a bookmark. I did a bookmark of, um, gosh, and it was such a great site. It had all of the states, you know, flowers and birds, and it had it by state. And I so can't can you name all the cap, all the history of the, all the capitals? of the state of Indiana for the last 200 years, Dan. Name the, name the what now? The different the capitals. State? The different capitals in the state of Indiana. The, the different capitals of the state of Indiana. Uh-huh. Well, different. the territorial capital was at Vincennes. The first state capital was in Corden. And the current state capital is in Indianapolis. Okay, very good. Nothing I have in the state historian with us to verify all this. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother. Not him again. <laughs> oh. Well, I never hear. Okay, now what about California? What's the state bird in California? I don't know. I know we got What's the state got, animal in they, California? They, the golden oh, bear. I found my page. I found my page. Oh, Patricia oh, found ooh, it. Okay. Ooh. ooh. So now we have to look up Indiana. Indiana, yeah. All right. The state flower is the peony, he said, and that is correct. And the state bird? Cardinal. Cardinal. Very good. Um, State rock is limestone, right? You have a state poem? Wow. Uh, You know, that's fairly recent. I don't know the name of it, though. Does it say when that was adopted? Two animals, two fishes, two mammals, two... We've got two of everything. You know, everybody who has a stake in... We have manatees in the warmer waters here. So the manatee is one of ours. Okay, there's the tulip poplar. And what is the state song in Indiana, please? Oh, it's got to be back home in Indiana. Along the banks of the Wabash? That's correct. My goodness, you are good. Um, let's see. I think uh, some of these have been thanks. added since I was in school. So, <laughs> but you don't have very many on the list compared to some of the other states. They just go on for. Yes. Oh, here's a goodie. What's the state beverage? State beverage. You know, I think that's a recent addition, and I believe it's milk. No, not milk. Not milk. Okay. Well, I does it say when that was adopted? Even more broad spectrum than milk. Even more broad. Well, gosh, what would it be? Water. Water. Oh, gosh, it's water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, your, that's your state beverage. Doesn't that make you just sit up and want to take notice? Okay. What did you ask? For? Well, I thought I thought it was milk because that's what they serve at you know the 500. That's what they get toasted with after the race. Oh, I did not know that. And I actually mm-hmm. have 2017 ticket price information for the Derby. But for the oh. for the I Kentucky do. Derby or the, for the yes. okay yes indeed. So if Dan okay. can if Dan can get a ticket, how much going to cost them this year? A pretty penny. It well, probably depends on what part. It Does it say like for Millionaire's it. Row? Uh huh. All right. Let's see. What? Where would? Where would you like? We've got premium packages: the stakes room, the stakes room balcony, 
um, Millionaire's Row. That one's lower on the list. Turf Club Row B. And then you get the Turf Club. Mm-hmm. The Turf Club mm-hmm. Roses Lounge, and it goes on and on. I, I want the premium. Is Dan, Dan going to treat us the to premium. the yeah, is Dan gonna treat well, us uh, hey, premium? Yeah, the premium. Yeah, it says premium. I have package. a question. Where, where are you getting these prices? Are they through ChurchillDowns.com or through Twinspires.com? It says DerbyExperiences.com, which will give okay. you not only the prices of tickets, but for the room, the package deals. So we've got the yeah. I think this this, yeah. this is probably this is a third this is a third party uh, website. Yes, it would be. It would be. Yes. yes, yes. This is not through. This is not Churchill Downs or any related company. Oh. I know one thing. I know one thing. At two of the hotels in Louisville, they were wanting a thousand dollars a night with a three night minimum. Oh gosh, yes. Oh my goodness. It'd Indeed. be cheap. It'd be cheaper to go to the to the Derby than would go to Disney World. <laughs> oh, I did you get my link about Disney, Patricia? Yes, I did. It wouldn't the the video would not show for me, but Disney. Is, but you did see the text. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I oh, left it there running and running and running, and I went back, and it wasn't running, so for now I closed it out. What did the text say? Well, it, if you page down below the video, and one was completely just video. I sent you the one with the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to rent the Magic Kingdom for a wedding, uh-huh. if you want to, $180,000. How much of the kingdom do you get for this? Get before the, the castle? You get Magic Castle and most of the kingdom after it closes in the evening. Okay, and the price, drum roll? $180,000. For a whole kingdom? How many hours do you get in the kingdom? <laughs> Only after hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Better than Gene Only Autry. after hours. <laughs> okay, now, yes, Gene Autry is the, the most, what was his title again? According to, he's the most influential country singer of all time. Okay. Plus, does that make Pat? He's, he's does that make Pat Beltram? Does that make Pat Beltram the uh, the most famous backup singer <laughs> ever? I mean, if we're going with logic here, then yeah, I guess I mean, it would be the answer. And I talked about his guitar playing being the most influential guitar playing of generations. Yes, yes. Well, I like Gene Autry a lot. I love Pat Bertram even more. Love Mr. Haney. But I'm not sure if that's very accurate. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to... <laughs> And you're telling me I'm goofy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, no, not again. No, we can't do that again. <laughs> okay, race day only um, in the premium seating here in the stakes room. Uh, four figures. It, it doesn't look four. like you can kiss the horses from here. But anyway, in it's called the stakes room. Offers yes. indoor dining room seating at tables of four, six, or eight, featuring 
breathtaking views of the entire track from its viewing platform on the finish line. Its clients also have access to the state's room balcony, which offers a spectacular view of the track, the paddock, and the iconic twin spires. For that, on race day, no accommodations, you may pop $8,500. Now, if you want one night for, and this is for one person, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, this is per person. This is not a couple. So, so a with table hotel, four, yeah, a table of four costs you $34,000. That is correct. <clears throat> um, that's that, yeah, right. You know what? My my brother, yeah. my brother, the last three weeks have gone to the big concerts in California. The, uh, if people have been hearing about the outdoor concerts out in the desert, like, you know, Paul uh-huh. McCartney, those guys played last weekend out in California uh-huh. and others. And they had different levels of seating, outdoor seating. And my brother was talking to a friend to try to take the first package, but they didn't do it. But I think it sounds almost re- like a good deal. For five hundred dollars. I know. For five hundred dollars, and this is all day sitting outdoors. If you pick up the five, if you pick up the the uh, five hundred dollar package, uh, you get to have all the all you eat and drink, plus your own private bathroom. So oh, I oh boy, there you go. Uh, to me, the bathroom, there you go. The, the, the private bathroom for five hundred bucks sitting out there for three, two, three days, all day, it'd be well worth it. To have your own I bathroom. agree. Yeah, I agree. That's a bargain. Don't don't say it out loud, though. The prices are going to change. <laughs> okay, if we if we stay now, we've we've got this package at the stakes room right. that I read to you. Yep. And we want one night at the Hilton mm-hmm. in Louisville for one person, one person, a day at the track and one night in the hotel, fifteen thousand seven hundred and twenty-four dollars <laughs> plus tax. You can stay at my place for fourteen thousand. Well, <laughs> do we get breakfast in bed, Dan? What what do we get? What do we get for the discount? Oh, we get a we listen. We get a discount for two people in the same room. Oh boy! At the Hilton, it's only twenty four thousand three hundred and forty eight dollars plus tax. So we we get a big grant. Gee whiz, that's six thousand dollars. This is good. For twenty four thousand, do we get breakfast? Do, do we get breakfast, lunch, and dinner tossed in the deal? Oh no 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 no! Oh no 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 no! And that, no, no. that includes transportation. Oh, let's see. Um, probably not, but let's see. In suite hospitality. Premium open bar, gourmet food buffets. Private wagering station, <laughs> closed circuit TV, and celebrity appearance, whatever that is. Um, goodness gracious. On-site trip directors, travel and lodging, three-night accommodations at the Gatehouse Hotel. Um, motor coach charter bus to the track. To and from the track on Derby and Kentucky Oaks days, so I guess you have to get on a bus, which is fine. I mean, beats the heck out of driving around there. Um, premium open bar. Now, an open bar does not necessarily mean free. Free, yes. It just means that it's there. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yes. Um, We're having an open bar at our gala dance in And, and you're going to charge December. for drinks, is that correct? That's right. They will be charging. The tickets are $75 a piece, Yikes. and there is an open bar. And how much, for the, our, how much of the drink? $8, $10 a drink? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I haven't heard. I was looking. I was so looking. We're having a. We're having a gala in December for our bicentennial, and it's a optional black tie. Which I'm not sure if I'm renting a tux or if I'm even going or not. So well, at this point, but. I was just thinking. I you know book. I've been planning a, a convention in Las Vegas, and generally we like to have mm-hmm. an ice cream show show up at Reps. So I decided, well, why not yes. do the same thing for Las Vegas? How much do you think? Sure, yes. How much do you think the hotel would charge for one scoop of ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> so With or cold? without sprinkles? One scoop. One scoop of ice cream. A gene. With or without sprinkles? Let me on it. One one scoop in Las Vegas. I would. Eight dollars. Eight dollars a scoop. Go go up. I, I, I would save a five dollar scoop. Go up. Nah. Up from eight. Yes. Ten bucks a scoop. Go uh, how, go higher. A scoop. Uh, twelve. Go higher, Dan. Fifteen dollars a scoop. Almost there. Fourteen dollars a scoop. For one scoop of ice cream. One scoop of ice cream. We'll and we're not talking a shovel. No, no, you're probably yeah. looking at a small little thing, you know, a daisy yeah, cup. Yeah, one of those little melon ball yeah. dealies. Um, I think we're beginning to understand why accommodations are so reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> we collect the, on the fringe. <laughs> for, so, as you can tell, I decided not to do the ice cream social in the conference room. I figured we could do that in the... Sweet, but for crying out loud, fourteen dollars a scoop. Oh sure, you you could go can to you, the, the sweet shop for that. You can go to the Piggly Wiggly and pick up a whole gallon of ice cream for two bucks. Well, yeah, I figure you, we'll you can go. We'll go to Costco and get, get a guy, little gigantic tubes of things. You know, for you can feed an army with your big old buckets thing. Mm. Mm. You can go to mm. Walgreens and buy Ben and Jerry's for three bucks. <laughs> Gee whiz! <laughs> Gee whiz! A scoop. A scoop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kermit the Frog, Gene Autry, and a scoop of ice cream all in one night. Well, then I can't deal with this. <laughs> well, you haven't announced. I, I, you, I, haven't, you haven't announced yet, Patricia, what the cost of going to Disneyland was. You want to give? I know. That's well. How much, Dan? How much do you think it costs to go to Disneyland right now? Uh, per day, per individual. Yeah, I think it's Patricia probably the price you yeah, see when, this, this was a one-day deal. They have pages, and, and they have, all right, hold on. Disney, Disney, Disney. Disney World. I, okay. I, this is at this I is think at it's a hundred, $125 a person. You're you're right on target. One day in the Magic Kingdom is $124. One day. And that's the discounted price. <laughs> Okay. Well, they're now charging by hour, aren't they? Aren't they really charging by hour and by foot? Yeah. It has very. Yeah. <laughs> per foot. All right. Uh, hold on. 
Well, let me, let me go visit you know, this joint. You know, I think we all know that John Gaffman worked for Disney, and I think he said they had an increase in for the annual pass. You want to know how much? You want to guess how much the annual pass did to go into Disneyland? Is I don't. I don't even want to talk about it. We're we're down to one day here, and I'm having heart problems. I know. Okay, how much? A, 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 a grand. A, yes, it was a grand for one person. So a family a of four, a family uh -huh. of four, four grand. Uh, do you know they have now a Disney account? It's like a savings account, <laughs> and you. It is. I'm telling you, the and you make regular deposits. Uh -huh. This is a, re, a a recurring deposit, and you can check your balance online. You enter what your budget is, how many days you want to stay. They will come back, I guess, with hysterical laughter at some of what people put in but they they do they will keep your it's, account and you can plan up to five years ahead it's almost like what the old days they did with the christmas bank or the um it's at the christmas clubs yeah. yes yes except almost you got like your money at the end of the year you can and and you can get your money out there's no charge for this or anything i, I would be embarrassed if i were disney in charge for something <laughs> like this they get to use the money for the whole time it's there um but that you can start up to five years ahead planning for your Disney vacation, and you put in money every uh, whatever uh, period, a week, a, a month, same amount, and you can, of course, <laughs> they welcome extra money <laughs> in between, but you can set up an account on the Disney website. I just don't think that was Walt version of Disneyland. I do not think no, so. No, no, no. I mean... I think Walt... Walt Walt is spinning in his grave, I, I believe, so. or vault, or or really uh, cryogenic container, or whatever, whatever he's in. Yeah. Is he is he yes. in cryogenics yes. yet? That's what they say. I did that's not the, know that. That's the rumor. Okay, so that is the his, rumor. His first open price for Disneyland for kids was fifty cents. To get into Disneyland in wow. 1955. And the reason I went looking for these numbers mm -hmm. is because I had a piece of trivia that said on opening day it was three dollars and some odd cents. Let's see, and on opening day 1971 it was three dollars and fifty cents to get into the park. So that's for Disney World, yeah. Mm -hmm. The one in Florida. I've mm. never been, you know, because I've been so spoiled because I've had Disneyland in my in my back pocket. All the years we we as kids we gone a lot, but it always, you know, it was always shook my head how many people save up to go to Disney World because it's not it's not convenient just to get in, go to the park and get out. You almost gotta stay there because it seems mm -hmm. to be so isolated from everything. So when were you at Disney the last time? Oh, maybe two and a half years ago. I and do you remember the cost? <laughs> no, we probably got in for free. Um, oh. Oh, isn't yeah. that convenient? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> I, think, I, I think our friend got us in for free. Yeah, um. Because <laughs> I've probably been 40 different times as a kid, twice <gasps> a year. You're serious? Oh, yeah. Wow. And most of that's always with free. Wow. Be because of, you know, 
local companies would have a company nights or whatever, and they, they, all the employees get to go. Or, and in those days, you know, we bought the ticket. So I think interest was free, and then you get paid the ticket, use the tickets to use the rides, if I remember how it used to work. Then one year, my mom and I thought it would be fun, we, so we got an annual pass for $99. Ninety-nine dollars now. Can't get in the gate anymore for ninety-nine. I know. It's, it's just. Oh no. So we haven't gone as much over the last few years, you know. I oh, had rides on my, I I had rides that I used to take as a kid. Did you? Usually on usually on tractors. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just thinking. Lots of one, fun. I was thinking one time we took uh, we went to the Disney Hotel. And they had these uh -huh. ponds of water. And so our yes. friend Katie would take, this sounds like a Patricia thing. She took, her <laughs> she took her shoes off and then went waving in the pool and picked up all the coins and money that people threw in. And then go, hey, go, for it. And then go run into the local vending machine and drop it all in to, to pick up goodies and things. So that, that sounds like a Patricia thing, doesn't it? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. She was recycling. <laughs> It's called recycling. <laughs> <laughs> no waste. I agree. I agree. Right. They threw they threw good money away. I'll tell you what has my turban in a twirl this week. Okay. You know, I'm oh, an boy. ardent I, I am an ardent recycler. I'm really sensitive to that. If anything can be recycled, it goes in the bins. Well, they don't allow shredded paper. I'm not talking about the little cross cut thingies. Uh, that look like confetti, just the strips. They will not recycle them. I'm sure hmm. they recycle them, but they won't pick them up. You have to put them in the garbage. I think that's terrible. Is it too much to inspect to the to no, make sure think. there's no trash in there? No, I, this is an I think. When they empty the containers... If people have put in shredded paper, the shreds go all over the place. So I think it's mm -hmm. it, it's trying to contain them more than anything else. But good grief, I, mean, I shred a lot. I don't let anything with my name or my checking numbers or anything out the door. I shred them all. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing, uh, when, I, when you get bills in the mail or solicitations for credit cards, anything, they always put this envelope this prepaid envelope to put it back and some of them that i open i keep intact so i've been stuffing <laughs> these, i've been stuffing these envelopes with strips and twisting them and putting them in the recycling bin ah. so, i don't know who's ah. going to get in trouble but i feel better getting them into the recycler it's a pain in the neck to do it but gee whiz Patricia's smarter than the average bear. Oh, he is. I am so, unless they decide that someone is doing a wrong thing and they piece these things together and find, <laughs> they're able to paste them enough that they can find out who I am. Nah, they wouldn't do that. You know, in the old days, do they, uh, you, do they still recycle newspapers anymore? I remember my school. Oh, sure. Yes. My, my, I remember my school used to get a penny a pound. For a newspaper. I don't know what it... I don't oh, know what it, oh, no. We're not allowed to do that anymore. You know, somebody got a... Oh, dear me. Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Yes, I will. 
one of our homeless people yeah. who turned in, a, they would collect aluminum cans. People right. throw them out their car windows and stuff, and they would turn them in and get, a, you know how inexpensive these things oh, are. Yeah. What do you get a nickel for 110 pounds? Yeah. But they were, they were, this one person was going through, uh, the, the private residences have recycle bins that go out, you know, the garbage goes out, I don't know, on what day, mm-hmm. and then once a week the recycle bins go out. And he was going through one of the recycle thingies and took some cans out, some empty soda cans, and they arrested him. Wow. He got arrested. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, I that is incredible. They, let him, they just, you know, said, don't do that anymore and let him go. I thought that was horrid. That was just a horror story for me. I can't imagine what we have deteriorated to that we would arrest a homeless person for collecting cans that are going to the recycling center anyway. Yes, that's right. Oh. I don't know. I think uh, we. So that's my that's my heart hurt for tonight. They're having a problem, and maybe Dan can relate to this. Here in can account, there are big front page stories that the local b- library student little kids and students can't use them anymore because it's almost like a homeless shelter. Well, mm. that does happen. That does happen. A lot of homeless will use the library for, like, uh, the restroom facilities, mm-hmm. or they'll come in. Yes, that does happen. I know. I know and that I, does I, happen I, if you don't have a good shelter. And I don't know nearby. Yeah, yeah, and I just don't know how they can manage. You know, you want you want to take care of the homeless, and you want to be able to take care of kids. So yeah. somehow there's got to yeah. be a fine balance of mm-hmm. using it both both the facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So they they closed the library, or nope. what did they do? No, it basically it's taken no. over. It's, take, it's, it's basically the homeless have taken over. I see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be talking with the local shelter and see what they can do. I don't know, but it's it's quite it's quite a deb- big debate in Santa yeah. California mm-hmm. about it, and uh. Yeah. You know, generally they're good. They should be some really good homeless shelters, but boy, they uh, it, it's a it's a almost it's a tug of war between trying to help both factions. You know, b- both societies. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you'd have to almost take a staff person from the library and say, okay, now you know, if you're coming in here, you know, you have to maintain certain uh, you know, manners here, and mm-hmm. I yeah, really would just put someone there, you know directing them, you know, if you want to come in and check mm-hmm. out materials, you can do that. But if you need other assistance, you know, the homeless shelter would be more geared toward your needs. Yeah. If you want, you know, a place to stay or something like that. You know, the li- you know, you just can't really come in the library and just, you know, pick out a spot and sleep there all day. Not geared for that line of work. It's more for independent study. Well, it puts it almost put the library staff person in a, a tough spot. I think they gotta be sort of the police mm-hmm. of the building. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, sure, exactly, know. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, some will come in and say, "Yes, I want to study," and they'll study, but you know, they they say they are, but they really aren't. But you know, it does get to be a problem. But you know, the library is not geared really for you know 
um, someone come in and use it as a living facility, which sounds like that's what's happening out there. Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. So. Uh, would you have sort of a soft clock if somebody was not was staying at the library but really not using the facility for two or three hours? Would, would you encourage them to, you know, uh, it, it, we might need a table for somebody else's use? I mean, how would you manage something like mm -hmm. that, Dan? Well, you know, if they're coming in, you know, it, it really depends if it's a public or a private library, you know, whether it's an academic setting or something like that. If it's a public library, you know, I think you could you know, maybe come up with a brochure with some of the, uh, you know, the resources in the area, you know, like for, you know, sure. You know, I would think after three or four hours, they might want to find some place, you know, that they could find a meal or something like that. So, yeah. you know, that's one, one issue there. It's really something you would have to discuss with your board, your public library board, and right. see how they want to deal with the situation. Because, uh, you know, a lot of directors can get in trouble when they you know, when mandate a policy that isn't board-supported. Uh-huh. So that's one that sounds like they need to come up with the policy yeah. on how to deal with that. So. Yes, you don't realize how many policies the library needs when they're uh, when when you're dealing with uh, especially a public library. But you know, with every action that you do in the library, you need a policy to back you. Oh sure, this is not mm -hmm. even the smallest decision is is not discretionary. Mhm. Mm Exactly. You just don't have that anymore. Even throwing out papers, mm -hmm. even throwing away papers in the in the trash, you need a policy to back you up. It's a weeding no, policy, yeah, don't you know? <laughs> Not necessarily a policy, but indeed a feature, at least. <laughs> at least, exactly. okay. I opened the Magic Kingdom place that you sent the link that you sent down. Uh -huh. Yeah. The entire kingdom. You get the entire uh -huh. kingdom for your wedding for a mere $180,000. And you can see... And how many hours? It doesn't say. Yeah, I don't know what time... I... You, you can have up to 300 people at a reception. does not say <laughs> how much extra the reception is, but I would. my guess is you have to pay for it. That's not part of the $180,000. And they host two thousand weddings per year how can you do two thousand wow. weddings per year and rent out the entire park wow we've only got 365 days so you're looking at seven, that's seven weddings a day so you have to share the park you don't get the whole park for hundred and eighty thousand dollars they get well and, and okay do do the math. Okay, you said how many weddings? Two thousand times yeah, one hundred eighty thousand. One hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, hold on. Oh, some of us even have a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole lot of money. Boy, that's, that's well. Let me count the zeros. <laughs> Patricia Dan Wall could put this. It is $360 million on weddings alone. We could, we could split this pretty easily, the three of us, couldn't we? Oh, without a challenge. 
Have no fear. $120 million? Oh. We can deal with that. Wow. What? Isn't that something? Wow. All right, but, but really, it comes, I go back to my basic question. They yeah. say, this is an AOL site. It is not a Disney site. Right. So Disney might have a few um, a few things to say about this. But if they do 2,000 well, here per year, and they're telling people for $180,000 you get the whole park, you can't do that for 2,000 weddings. Here. So hey, my, my guess, I have a pl- Go ahead, Dave. Give me give me two minutes, and I have a plan. I can I can tell you what we can do. Okay. 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 Good. Now there's there, oh, yeah, well, there is a college. Yeah. There's a college in Central Kentucky called mm-hmm. Saint Catherine College. Okay. And they have recently closed because they were financially not able to continue. Mm-hmm. So you can go down there. You can buy the site of the college, several buildings on several acres of land outside of Springfield, Kentucky. Okay. okay, we can gather our money together, we can buy that college and we can open up yesterday USA World. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right. Hey. Uh, okay. And Patricia can have her own studio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In Kentucky. Now, we can set up. We, we we have repeated the magic words, we and us. <laughs> we, some of of the we needs to know when we say pool our money, how many dollars are each we responsible for? <laughs> I got thirty eight dollars and forty nine cents right now. <laughs> well, I got I got my plastic in, the, in, my, in my dresser drawer. I could use my charge for a couple other bucks. No cash. Well, money. see, you get, we're getting into you were getting into Disneyland out there for free all of these know, years. I, you should have been saving your money. That's true. I, I mean, if you saved all that money, you'd you'd have a good down payment. That is true. We could buy the. Pool. I agree. Okay. I agree. So what okay. are you, you going to kick in? I'll be the cook. That's all I can, that's all I can contribute at the moment. Okay. I'll be the cook. Okay. I don't know about decorating cakes though. I've never decorated a cake. Well, my guess is. Could this. you have a wedding reception without a cake? A cupcake now, Patricia. Cupcakes are the big thing. That's true. And even at weddings, you're you're so Absolutely. right. Absolutely. The last, I can frost the, the last wedding I went to, it was not a it was not a wedding cake. It was cupcakes. It was cupcakes, and you're right. That is now moving as the traditional dessert type. How do you, how do you, the bride and the groom are supposed to cut a cake? How do you cut a cupcake? For goodness' sake! <laughs> you know. Well, you do you you do realize fifty percent. You realize 50% of marriages end in divorce now, so, I mean, I'm not surprised by cupcakes. <laughs> pretty, soon, pretty soon it'll be Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <laughs> Cucumber salad and popcorn. <laughs> well, my guess is about the wedding at Disney. I'm wondering if you if you want the entire park, it's 180000 Yeah. But if you are willing to take... Smaller hunks or certain hours, maybe that's how they get the seven weddings in the one, one park at night. I, I, yeah, I, that's the only way I can figure out how the Mac Mac will work. I it can't. I mean, you can't. How do you get six weddings on a single night after closing? Each wedding. What time does the park close? Six o'clock. Eight o'clock. 
6 o'clock during the winter. In the winter, I think it's 6 o'clock. In the winter? Yeah. At least out here. Uh, and okay, okay now here, here's my problem. Yeah. I do not want a winter wedding at midnight <laughs> in, the, in, in Orlando. And each I, one is you, one hour long. Each one is one hour. So you, you, you do the whole thing one hour and kick, they get kicked out. Well, so, it says that you can have a, um, a reception for 300 guests in Fantasyland. How many? So you do seven, seven, three, twenty-one. That's 2,000 people in this private experience. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Doesn't sound very wrong, private to me. Something wrong with these numbers. I think they're cooking oh. the books. I think they're cooking something. I think AOL may have gotten it a little mixed up here because this is not a Disney site that I'm looking at. Um, still. Yes, but but you know, the I number I, I the the hundred and eighty thousand is correct. Yes, I know yeah, that I much because that's, that's what I said. That, yeah. I heard that on the radio. Okay, so and that's a great question. Radio, what is the most expensive place you can have a wedding at? <laughs> Sounds like we found it. Well, I, I bet there's, I don't know. I bet there's some or even would top that. Oh, I I would think so. I would think so. Probably the Eiffel Tower would probably be one. The Eiffel Tower, I would think, would be Eiffel one of Tower. the most expensive. Right? I'm, yeah, I, I would say so. I was thinking one of the cathedrals in London. Which which cathedral did well, Prince got, William and Princess Kate get was married? Was that St. Paul? It's either St. Paul or St. Abbey. Most likely St. Paul, I would think. There are two that are, are really huge. Huge. But I don't know if you could rent them, I think. I think that is exclusively for royalty when, when you're talking about that level of circumstance. Could you Google what the most spent the point to have a wedding? Yes, I in could. In the world? I could. Okay. Would you like me to? I would love you to. Because what I'm thinking is, what I'm thinking is, we could set up a little bank account. You know, for for the, a little bank account. <laughs> for people who a want little bank account. For, for people who want to be married at this place, you could set up a little bank, and they can make the deposit to you, Patricia, and then you can, you know, bank it for. Oh, we could play Disney on this yeah. one. Most luxurious wedding venues in the world. Very good. Most expensive wedding venues in the world. Let's see what that one is. Priciest wedding well, you're, venues. All right, let's see. Ten. Your times. your average wedding is twenty six thousand now. I know. From what I hear. Yeah. Twenty six thousand. That's what the average wedding costs to get married. Loping and going to the local judge. Ah. <laughs> uh, God, no, no, I just heard the figure house. recently. All right. Exactly. So we've got here the Riti Ra Resort. Doesn't say where I am, though. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Sparkling Ocean. Where is it? Uh, Near the ocean. A 109-acre <laughs> island in the Maldives in the Indian Ocean. Okay. There are 130 private villas available, <laughs> and we only have... $7,000 per night. Let's see. Has to be paid for this fairy tale. I 
130 villas for 7,000 a night. I think we're probably talking about one villa. I don't know. I wish they would be more specific. Next page. Let's see what the next page says. I think I'd better try a different site. Um, <laughs> another one in India, $8,000 a night. Uh, they're not giving enough information here. Let's see what else we've got. Okay. Dan, I, I have to hurry here. Are you running out of time? Well, we're we're after two, so let's see. Priciest yeah. wedding venues. Reception, to be sure. Top ten, most luxurious. Uh, there, there are so many in India. What is this? Isn't that amazing? There is the Ritira again. Ravello, Italy, on the beach. Well, weddings oh, are wedding, in India are pretty big, package. aren't they? Here we go. This is number three on the list. A wedding package can go as high as $430,000. Doesn't mention what goes with the package yeah, besides the fresco ceilings in the gardens, but um, $8,000 per night for an unforgettable... $8,000 a night. It doesn't say what you get. I think Patricia needs homework. I think she needs to research this and come back next week. I think she needs week. an aspirin. <laughs> she, she, needs, she needs a couple of aspirin right about now. Good night, nurse. Oh, well. well okay. It was good to hear Celeste tonight. It was. Although I woke up, I woke up during Celeste, uh, her discussion. I'll okay. have to catch it on Wednesday. On the replay, yeah. On the replay, yes, yes. Oh, it was good to hear Ron from Hawaii the other day. It was nice. We did. Yes, nice. I hope he's listening. He, well, they say he's a faithful listener, and that's what we love to hear. Well, that's great. I'm glad mm -hmm. to hear he's doing mm -hmm. well. It was good to hear. I'm very glad he called yeah, in. I am too. Yes, that's right. Okay. Well, hey, it's been fun, but I think I'm going to... Go take my leave bed. now and you, you just want to go yeah. to bed i know you want us to put you to sleep what time you what time you going in tomorrow dan i'm going in i mean my usual time seven i just have an <laughs> i just have an eight hour shift tomorrow so that's Wait, not what so bad do, what are you going to do with all that free free time tomorrow then dan <laughs> free time we're right in the middle of uh midterms well, no, I'm sorry. It's fall break right now, so we're we're. I mean, we're pretty much done in two months. Oof, we've got wow. finals. We've got about oh. six weeks before finals, I believe. You've you've just gotten your newbies all tucked in. We do. We do. Good grief. Yes. What did you say earlier? What? What did you say? There's five earlier. Saturdays in December, yeah, and there's four in, in, in November. October. Yes, five that's in correct. Five. Four in November and five in December. So I figured and five in December. Patricia only got 11 more Saturdays of, for this year, and she doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, you haven't had a Super Saturday in a while, have you? Was it uh, July 4th weekend? Yeah, it was July 4th, and then all of us were sort of scattered out in September. 
So I I was thinking uh -huh. we might do something Thanksgiving week weekend. Uh huh. I have to talk to my cohort. She she's in. Is she maybe she, you know she might surprise us then. She might be out with the shoppers on Black Friday. But you know I I'm pretty sure. Well, you, uh, I'm pretty sure she'll stay. Well home. here here yeah. Here, here's here's breaking news. Yeah. A lot of places are not doing anything on Thursday. I mean, they are doing something for Black Friday, but they're not opening on Thanksgiving Day. You know, I just thought of money maker for Patricia and I. We could be uh -oh. the voice of yeah. we could be the voice of shopping malls. We can sit here <laughs> and say, if you want this special, the black let's go to the second site so people like Barbara. Can listen to us and go pick up the special. What do you think? We can make a few dollars. I don't on the think side. she's ever been to a Black Friday. I I I would sit in the corner, hungry before I went to a That's Black Friday. That's what I mean. Friday. But if you and I did the show and we, and we read announcements, we could we could make. How a few would we dollars. find the information? We have to get the little particulars here. Well, we'd have them send it to us ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You remember the old days when you go to Kmart. And they were now at the blue light special. They oh, the bless, yes, yeah. we have a blue light special in aisle four. <laughs> That's right. We, we can do that. Can still do that? We can do that. We can announce, okay, Macy and, and aisle five, there's a blue special there. On, on Black Friday, we would have to have a black light. <laughs> yeah, it's glowing, barely. Yeah. This quarter hour sponsored by Orange Julius. Very good. <laughs> That's right. Did didn't most malls have an Orange Julius stand? I never oh, heard I of that. Did. At least on the West Coast. I don't really? Know. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, they were taken over by Dairy Queens. And you know who owned Dairy Queens? At Queen? least here. You, you, you know who owned Dairy Queens outright? I believe I do. I think he's a close personal friend of Walden. Well, my dad knows him. See? Yep. Warren Buffett. Yep, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Owns Queen he released every one of his tax returns. <laughs> did, you, did you hear? <laughs> it's so funny because his name was brought up inappropriately about tax returns right. and, tax, and um, tax laws. And he, turned, he came out with every one of them. He said, now, I have to admit, I'm paraphrasing, but it came out pretty close. I have to admit that um, my first one in, I think he said 1945, is a lot lower than what I was paying later. <laughs> he was a newspaper carrier. He paid $7. And he had, he had to pay income tax. He paid $7 in income tax when he was a newspaper carrier. And he he apologized that he paid so little in taxes that year. <laughs> well, I, I look back. Do you do you get a paper that comes from the Social Security office that tells you what you earned over the years, like once a yeah. year? It tells you what you're, huh? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get that? Do you look back and look at how little you made when you first started out? I never saved them after. How, how many years? Ten, ten years, seven well, years, seven years. I guess you're supposed no, no, no. to keep your your returns. And well, no, I yeah, don't keep but, that but kind of stuff. Okay, if if you're not drawing Social Security, if you if they send the paper out every year, usually in the fall, and it says, okay, now if you were to draw your Social Security now, this is what you draw per month, and then it breaks down. It lists the years mm -hmm. you worked and how many how much money right. you earned each mm -hmm. year. 
So it's like I look mm-hmm. back, you know, when I Yes. You know, when like, 50 oh, cents gosh, an hour was I'm... a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. My oh my gosh. Yes. Well, it's amazing. Well, so we we don't want to be responsible for having incorrect materials passed on to students tomorrow. Are you questioning my given out at the desk? Pardon? Are you questioning my professionalism? No, I'm questioning. I'm looking at the clock and realizing that you have to be at work in a couple of hours. Yes, yes, yes. How many well, students? I, I, how many I students, always, How many students are there at seven in the morning, Dan? Well, you know, we usually have people if the doors are open. We usually have two or three people in the building, at least. Wow. I mean, you know, that's. You know, it, it increases. We can have as many as sometimes 30 on the floor. So we're we're pretty popular at times. Well, get some sleep and don't, don't take any chances driving on the road tomorrow. Yes, that's right. I like, I like when the place is busy. It's, it's encouraging and thinking, yes, these people are in here getting a, good education and when I get old I can just take and remember that maybe I helped someone get some place a good spot in life yes I did did good good. you did did good good. well you all have a great week you too Dan thank you Dan okay talk to you later everybody take care now bye 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 Okay, I've I've got an email from Steve, who is another one who listens and doesn't call in. Hello, Steve. Thank you for the information. He said that within the last 30 days, he saw a 1940s movie that had a live jukebox on it. Wow. There was a phone attached to the jukebox, and the caller put Uh the money in one time, connected to the DJ request line, and that was the song that played. So instead of punching a button, they would make a phone call at table side. Wow. How about that? Well, maybe that's what we want to do, Patricia. We want to run a live no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're back to the we again here. <laughs> oh, I'm still not over Kermit and Big Bird. <laughs> She whiz. She whiz. Were you surprised of our topic this evening, my dear? It's an oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I have been surprised at everything this evening. Gene Autry. Gene <laughs> Autry. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and say, Gene Autry. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. Well, I do have one more piece of Disney World information that I think is adorable. They have changed the names of the parking areas recently, but before then, the parking areas, among other characters, were named after six of the seven dwarfs. Do you know which dwarf got left out and why? Probably Grumpy. Everybody picks Grumpy. Why would you pick Grumpy? Well, I would think cause Disney likes to be an upbeat image, so uh-huh. so that would be the reason why I think they would drop them. 
Yes, but uh, Grumpy was the most popular pick. It was actually Doc because uh, they were afraid people would phonetically get the thing mixed up and that the parking lot dock would be close to a dock on water. Right. So they left dock out of the lineup because of the possible confusion. Wow. No. That's a great one. I don't know. I, I told Donnie Pitchford when we were exchanging notes the last one I sent to him, I don't know how we got on these strange side roads, but I sent him a note that the peanut butter jar <laughs> of the brand I am using right now right. Has, has a peanut warning on it. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I can't be reading this. It's a peanut warning. This product contains peanuts. It's peanut butter. That's pretty good. I like that. I thought so. I like I that. Thought. Mm -hmm. 714-545-2071. And we are going to get to Walden's questions pretty soon. Well, I, I was thinking it's almost 2.30. I thought maybe you want to do that and not take any more calls. By the time we get done, it'll be close to 3. It, it will be 3, That's yeah. what I was thinking. Because so I've got loads of stuff. Yeah. I didn't give you any the poo. See, you got stuff to do. So, family, oh. for Patricia, that will be the last call for Patricia tonight. So, okay, she's got stuff to do. Right, take care have, of me. I have stuff. I did the Burma shave while you were now, and doing phone work. Okay. So I, I, was wondering, I was wondering because of the time element. You want to hang up and I'll just call you right back? Because we're going to be running about five minutes on your clock left to go. So. Oh, that's right. We are down to, we are down to, yeah, four, we got three minutes okay, left. Okay, so why don't, good. why don't we make a clean, a clean restart, because you got <laughs> stuff to do. We're going to make a clean cut uh, of it. Okay. Uh, so hang up, and I'll call you right back. Okay. Okay. Jaws Professional, Patricia from FO tab, Skype trademark tab, online tab, Walden hit tab, search ed, active, favorite, Barbara Smith, unread red alert, he right there, Ron from, Dave Keynes, Dan from Indiana, Fred from Vermont, Mike from Oak, Ron Bond, Martin Graham, Ed Clute, Patricia from FL Home, phone applications, contact, send us, invite a crew, enter, leaving menus, Patricia from unloading jaw, cancel, okay, enter. I'm here. Are we back? We are back, my dear. All right. Yeah, boy, you were really sharp. I have been not paying attention to the minutes just to keep everybody up. Skype, Walden calls me on Skype for the show, right. and Skype limits me to four hours. So when it hits the 240-minute mark, there is no grace period. No. <laughs> I'm gone. So we were down to 237 minutes. So he was sharp and was keeping track of that. So, okay. All right. I got stuff. We got Pooh Bear here. Good. Good. Pooh Bear. Okay. I don't see much sense in that, said Rabbit. No, said Pooh humbly, there isn't. But there was going to be when I began it. It's just <laughs> something that happened to, to it along the way. Good old Pooh. Nice. I really like Pooh Bear. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, we got that, and we got that. Okay, so we've got Stump Walden, a brain teaser, a colonial question, 
Oh, gee, colonial question. That's a goodie. Uh, your presidential question, presidential quote, and first lady quote, and your baseball question. By the way, before we get, when you mentioned my presidential question, mm -hmm. uh, that got me thinking yesterday. You know, they, they remodeled the Richard Nixon Library. Took mm -hmm. over a year, and it had a grand opening yesterday. And Harry Kissinger was the spoke, the, the speaker. Really? Have any idea how old Harry is now? And the, Henry Kissinger, you're talking yep. about? Correct. Um, bum, bum, bum. You know, he always, he always looked worn out, and he hasn't changed. <laughs> he, he still, he still looks worn out. Yeah. Um, gosh. He should be well up into his 80s, maybe 90-ish. 93. Really? And that got me thinking, the time he was Secretary of State for, for next, he was only 46 years old. And he looked tired then. I know. My goodness, so, I did not know that. Just interesting little side antidotes. Uh-huh. So with that, let's do my... Whatever first lady stuff. Your whatever first lady stuff. I've got two to choose from here. Let's see. Mm -mm -mm. Actually, I have three to choose from. All right, we'll pick this one. It's nice and short. I want to live my life, not record it. Hmm. Jacqueline Kennedy. Yes, it is. Very nice. It fits Jacqueline Kennedy. It fits yeah. her personality. Yeah. That's I don't know I how you about. do it. If you ask me these kinds of questions, I'd be sitting here saying, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, duh. Well, okay, what would you like you, next? You, you, you help me with that because you give me enough Jacqueline Kennedy question and, and you sort of describe her demeanor. That got me thinking. When you hmm. when you face something like that, that sounds like a Jacqueline, Jacqueline Kennedy personality trait. I feel better. For something like this, I have not gone terribly far back. No. Um, it's tough. When, when we go that far back, I say that far, you know, with Adams and mm -hmm. Jefferson and that group, there was a manner of speaking at the time, and we just don't know that much about the women, or we weren't no. taught that much about the first ladies in those generations. So it's unfair, I think, for me to go back and grab stuff. I would prefer to stay with, say, from Harding on on. Sure. On on. You're very. <laughs> so what? Did I you hear that? So what? Did you hear that? What Patricia did? Yeah, we just throw what? in a couple of extra words because they're lying around tonight. <laughs> okay, what else would you like? Uh, my presidential quote. Your presidential quote. I have a whole collection of this stuff. All right, your presidential quote. It's a recession when your neighbor loses his job. It's depression when you lose yours. Oh, it's a classic one. Um, yeah. Herbert Hoover. No. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Darn close. It was Harry Truman. Harry Truman. I thought about good old Harry. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and I keep saying, oh, no, it was Harry Truman, or oh, no, it was John Kennedy. These, we, I believe everything that I read. I try to verify it, and when I see it, 
in two or more reputable sites or seemingly reputable sites, I'll take it. I wasn't there when Harry said this, but I believe that it is correct. It fits his, However, it fits his personality. It does fit his personality, but he wasn't in politics or in you know a presidential arena during the Depression. He, he was a U.S. senator, yeah. Right, but... 1940 or so, or maybe... So maybe he said it a million years before he could was be. president. Could be. Hmm. I just hadn't taken that into consideration. Okay, what else? Uh, my presidential quote. I mean, uh, your president, we, that's what we just had. You want your presidential question? Yes. All right, hold on. Let me see what we've got here. Your presidential question. It's really a goofy one. Are you ready for goofy? Oh, absolutely. Goofier the better. <laughs> Why not? We're into Disney tonight. Why not goofy? Sure. Who was the first left-handed president? Teddy Roosevelt. No. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. George Washington. No. Patricia. <laughs> oh, she's not present. I'm not no. left-handed. You're not. I, I, I am not. My father was left-handed. And he learned, he was actually ambidextrous because he grew up in a time when left-handed people, it, it, left-handedness was frowned on. So he learned to do many things, and I think he probably could do it even without pressure from the outside. But he wrote right-handed. He could left-handed, but he pitched left-handed. You know, he, he, My brother's the same way, yeah. Is he? My brother could yeah. throw a baseball the same distance with both hands. Mm-hmm. He'll write with his hand, he'll kick with his left. I mean, everything, you know, yes. different yes, ways. Yes, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, and and my dad could pitch with both hands. He would, if if you gave him a choice, if you gave him a baseball, he would tend to use his left hand. Mm -hmm. But then you have to have two gloves when you're pitching. <laughs> I suppose if you, with softball you could get away with it. But anyway, it was James Garfield who was wow. the first left-handed okay. president. Okay. Tell me how many presidents have been left-handed since then. Uh, since then, three. No. Two. Had a whole bunch. Garfield really? was first. Yeah. Okay. Herbert Hoover. Okay. Harry Truman was ambidextrous. Okay. Gerald Ford. Okay. Ronald Reagan is is listed as being ambidextrous, but we're having trouble finding verification <laughs> of that. George H. W. Bush was left-handed or is left-handed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton. Okay. And Barack Obama. So how we've do got we, Garfield. How, how do we really define left-handedness? I think that's a good question. I mean, I can, I don't, I'm right dominant, but I yeah. can use my left hand for stuff if I wanted to mm -hmm. bother. Sure. But you're right, you're right side dominant. Yes. You're right hand dominant. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these people signed documents with their left hands. Okay. So, and I, I knew about President Clinton. I knew about President Obama. I knew about Bush. And 
and no, I didn't know about George H.W. Bush. Yeah, I, I did know about Gerald Ford. Was, I thought he was a left-handed first baseman at Yale. That's sure that's how Probably. I still remember. Yeah. Yeah, well, anything with baseball, you've got to remember. <laughs> do 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 <laughs> But And I did remember Gerald Ford. Those are the only three. I did not know President Reagan was ambidextrous. I never knew that. I did not know President Truman was. I, I tried desperately when, when, I was, when I broke my arm and my wrist so badly, and it was really out of commission for about six months, and... I had to sign things with my left hand. It was very laborious, but it was so legible. I was so proud of myself. So you could actually read it. I just came up with a new criteria for presidency. <laughs> what? In order Can't to wait. Ru- the order to run, you have to be ambidextrous. Am- what do you think? So far, we, we have a pretty good, pretty good candidate, Reagan and Truman. Yeah. So that's maybe that's what we should get that in the kind. You have it to might be able keep to us out of trouble, huh? Yeah, what do you think? People, people who can, oh, dear me, <laughs> I don't know. You know. We don't have very many requirements no. for, we don't. No, we don't, for presidential we don't. candidates. We don't. How, what do we have? We, we've got, um, you Age. have to be 35 years 35 old. 35 and a U.S. citizen. a natural born citizen. And that's it. And I think, I was just going to say, I think those are the only two. In a couple of years, Patricia, when you reach 35, you'll be able to run for office. Uh, <laughs> I've lost Kermit. I've gotten Gene Autry. <laughs> I'm being pushed into politics. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. I would no, vote no, 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 for no, no, you. I know. That's scary. Somebody would vote for me. <laughs> okay. What else? You'd what else? What else? Good, you'd, be good, you'd be a good president because you'd be honest. Well, I would try to be fair, uh-huh. and and I'm I'm an honorable person That's right. when it comes to, you know, I I am. I think you do very well. Hmm. I have faith in you. Hmm. Can I draft you? <laughs> we already got three weeks to go. Can we can we raise the <laughs> campaign now? We have we have to draft somebody. <laughs> What a crazy year this I has know. been. Just lunatic I years. Know. I know. Oh, my goodness. Are we going to survive? Yes, we are. No yes. politics. We have survived everything. That's true. We have. Yeah. We have survived such difficult, challenging times in this country, and we come out stronger because of it. So I just have to get a handle on myself <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have early voting starting in a week or two. I understand that so. some states have stopped, uh, finished the early voting process is over by now. I know that there has been a lot of early voting already, and that kind of surprised me. Yeah, they because said, for example, Utah finished up the early voting. I, I did not know they were to start and end in some of these points, because we don't have it in California. Ah, Okay. Yes, we do. It um, early voting here begins on the 24th, and it ends on Saturday, the November 5th, the Saturday before the elections. 
<clears throat> excuse me, in the last time I thought, in the last presidential election, I thought I was being so smart. I picked a day and a time that I thought for early voting right. would be relaxed a little bit. <laughs> it was a two-hour wait. I say two-hour right. wait. I mean, nobody, nobody, uh, and I know I've talked about this. I was just so proud of people. They would come in and look at the line. they just park their car on the grass and get in line. Very patriotic. And so uh, it, it was really encouraging. Yeah. But this was on an off day. This was early voting, and we stood outside. So Patricia and I like, anyhow, to, make, Patricia and I like to make one political statement. And that is, we we've just made it, right? We encourage everybody to study the candidate and their initiatives in your hometown and go out and vote. Please vote. Please so, vote. So, you know, study. And and make a de- and make a good decision. Mm-hmm. We don't care, Patricia and I don't care. Just go out and do it. Whatever that's whatever your choice is is yours. It's personal. Yeah. It's private. That's why we have voting booths. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. It it is. I think. I, I uh, think somebody we have so many privileges. I was going to say it's the most important privilege we have, and I think it is. I heard somebody say years ago, and it, it sort of makes sense. If you didn't, if you didn't vote, you don't have the right to complain. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yep. I agree. Yep. Never stopped anybody. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think the principle is correct. So yep. yes, I agree. So a week from Monday, we can start early voting. Oh right. And uh, you know, if it's a two-hour-long line, I'm I'm going to be in trouble. But, huh, we shall see. We shall see. Okay, so what would you like next? Have you ever done absentee? That's what my mom does now. It's only ab- I've never done absentee. I just, there's something to me going to the booth. I, I just like mm-hmm. doing that. And But I know my mom and does absentee. Little, and we get a little sticker uh-huh. to put on our shirt that yep. says, I voted. Correct. I like that. Yeah. I did it for, I think it was only one election. Uh And then, and then, I found out that your your absentee ballots, the mail-in ballots, are not counted unless there's a close call. Can you imagine? That stinks. It does stink. Yeah. Unless the the write-in votes, the not the write-in votes, the absentee ballots are sufficient to tip an election, to actually make an impact on the election, they don't count. And I thought, uh-uh. No. <laughs> I want my. I want to open the newspaper the next morning and see a number there that belongs to me. So because I, I only did it that of, one time. Patricia only puts in a lot of work, you know. Yes, she does. Yeah. She even investigates stuff that isn't hers, yeah. <laughs> as she discovered this last time through. Uh, we had the primaries, and I was so <laughs> I was so ardent about information, and I researched all of the candidates and the um, the amendments or the resolutions or whatever they were being called at the time. I'm not even sure what we voted on, and I did the math on one of them that wanted to increase the rates of a particular service, mm-hmm. and I multiplied it out times the average 
what the average tax is on. I just did all of my homework and then discovered it was not my district that I was doing all of this homework for. So, and I couldn't even sell the information. You know? so, but anyway, I did it, and I was pleased with myself that I at least had right. – I was conscientious enough to want to do it. So, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything. It's just it amuses me and amused me then that I put in so much work into this particular initiative. <laughs> Amendment, I guess. I don't know. What would you call it? It's a local – Local tax assessment. What? I think I think assessments is sometimes an assessment. Yeah. Would is that a would that be a referendum? A referendum would be another way to saying it. Correct. Yep. It it could it could be okay. Mm -hmm. And we've got so many terms. I I need to do homework here. But anyway, <laughs> absolutely not. It's going to cost the average homeowner x and x x x, and and I would have voted a, a, no. A value added it, user tax or whatever, you know, all sorts of different. Oh, all oh, sorts of oh, things. Oh, oh, value you know, yeah, the value. And and, and, and you know what the calling things now out here. Income enhancement programs. Don't you love this? <laughs> the, I mean, we have come up with. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, In income enhancement. Yeah, so there, there was one a whole million years ago, a vertical, something like a vertical de-escalation device. <laughs> it was a parachute. Yes. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what would you like next? My colonial question, my dear. Oh, oh, goody, goody, goody. Oh, goody, 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 goody. All right. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm going to ask you the one, and this will be multiple choice because I think it's only fair. During colonial times, what were the three major export crops of the Carolinas? And I'll, I'll give you multiple choice here. These are three. Well, one of the tobacco will be my first guess. Now let me give you the the choices. Cotton here. would be another. Okay, go ahead. Was it rice, tobacco, and silk? Rice, indigo, and tobacco. Rice, silk, and indigo. Rice, cotton, and tobacco. Well, I would choose the last one. So would I, except we're both wrong. wrong. <laughs> I've never heard we some of these things. Incibel, what, what in the world is Indigo that? is a dye. It is a okay. very rich, thick blue dye. And it was an extraordinarily intensive, labor-intensive process to grow these plants, pick these little teeny-weeny <laughs> buds or whatever they used, and grind them up and process them and boil them. And, it's, and that's why blue and purple became royal colors ah. because they were so expensive. The mm -hmm. uh, purple actually comes from teeny shellfish. They're, they're like tiny snails, right. and they eject this dye-type thing that supposedly protects them. You know, if the predator comes along, they go, they, and they, they get coverage. <laughs> it's like a big cloud that covers them. But there's there's not, hardly a, a single drop in each one of these teeny shells. And that's the coloring that goes toward royal purple. And because it's, it's such an expensive process, 
and so difficult to produce. That's why it became both of them became royal colors. The royalty was the only group of people who could afford it. I never so knew, anyway. I never would hmm? thought rice though. I that that that's a surprise me. That's yeah. I looked at this and and they gave rice as an option in all four answers. So clearly it had to be one of the items. I didn't even know we grew rice. Did you? No. Not in, not in the Carolinas. No. I thought you had not to anywhere. Have, I thought you had a had a lot of water and things like that, yeah. like swampy kind of thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, rice, indigo, and tobacco. I would have picked rice, cotton, and tobacco. And I went back and looked for cotton, and it came in from Mexico and a couple of other places, and it was spotty all over. But it was not a major crop in the Carolinas. And there it was. I said, top three, Carolinas. And I went to history sites, and they all said rice, indigo, and tobacco. Oh, right. That is good, Patricia. It's amazing. That is weird. It's We've had a very weird night. It's amazing what categories you're able to dig up for a show. Oh, it's... Don't worry about me. I'll I be do. fine. I do. Okay. I care. I'll save the... I'll, I'll save the other ones for next week. I care. <laughs> I know you what do you mean? What do you mean? You're going to get a head start on next week's stuff? All right. Oh, I already Next. did. I've got a whole whole bunch of stuff here. Pretty soon you have to get the holiday stuff out. I lost Kermit. I got <laughs> Gino's tree. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Now we've got holidays coming in. Oh, dearie me. Oh, dearie me. Okay, what else would you like? My baseball question, my dear. Your baseball question. Let's make sure I didn't mess that one up. Alden's baseball question. Ah, okay. Okay. The Charlie horse. The the cramping that people right. get in their legs. Oh yeah. And I, they call him they call him a Charlie oh, horse. I had gotten those a few times, yep. Oh yeah. And they're not fun. Nobody knows quite how they start or why they're there. I have my own theories. But anyway, it is said to have the name Charlie Horse is said to have originated with a baseball player. Do you know who he was? Really early, early, early baseball player. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking before the 1930s. Um, I do not, my dear. You got me. His name was Charles, nickname Old Hoss, H-O-S-S, Radburn. And he was known for his leg cramps. What? Apparently, when he was out playing, he would frequently get sure. leg cramps. Sure. And Charlie, of course, was his first name. And Hoss was his nickname, and that's why they became known as Charlie Horses. Very nice. That's a great question. Isn't that an interesting great piece question. of information? Absolutely. I don't know where I found it. <laughs> Gee, I wish we got paid for this. Uh, <laughs> we will. We will. I'm only kidding. We will. <laughs> I look at all of this nutty stuff that we come up with, and I think, oh, nobody could do that. We do so well. Okay, what else would you like? 
What else have we got? We've got we we my got your stump walden and, and my brain teaser. I think those are the last. And two. your brain teaser. I think those are the only two. Yes. Brain, brain teaser, my dear. Oh, we've got choices here. Okay. If it takes six men one hour to dig six holes, how long does it take one man to dig half a hole? Before I come up with an incredible answer, can you read that one question to me one more time? Yeah, it, it really is weird, isn't it? This is weird night. If it takes six men one hour to dig six holes, how long does it take one man to dig half a hole? A half an hour. Really? Mm-hmm. Would you describe a half a hole to me? It's one of those trick questions. There is no see. such thing as half I a hole. What do you mean? You know, if, it had what said, do you mean? if it had said half as deep, it would have it would have made a, a difference. But yeah, half, half a, a hole. hole. Yeah, yeah. That's very okay, good. that's good. Very good. Okay, now the stump Walton question. Right. I love this one. This is so cool. During his first broadcast, Walter Winchell created a name for the Nazis, and he used it at different times during World War II. What was the name he created? Oh, boy. I don't know. Okay. I had never heard this before. Okay. And the pronunciation frequently during World War II was Nazis. Right. And he called them Ratsies. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't either. So anyway, uh, that was Walter Winchell like on that. his radio show. I hmm? like that. Very good. Yeah, on his Very radio good. show. So we've got some really interesting questions that came up tonight. You know, and I've got and, even and homework done. And in hmm? 12 weeks, you're going to have to come up with a new question to add to the list. You know that. What? Well, oh, it'll be a new year. Yeah, every year you seem to add always a new category to my master list. So. <laughs> <laughs> we started out with Stump Walden. We've right. been doing this now. This is our seventh year. Yep. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 16, 17th year. Yeah. Yeah, it's our seventh year, and you've got six questions. So, yeah, so. it took me a while to get rolling. <laughs> 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 oh. Is geography going to be a candidate for next year's category? Yes, and it was supposed to be. I, I announced it. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, we were going to have geography, and the first question I got, I, I, I was going to get the first question from you, where is New York City? <laughs> 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 what state is New York City in? Very good. Oh. I like that. Yeah, that Very was good. good. That was good. Well, oh. um, you know, it'll help us get out there and learn That's something. True. Because you and I do, we, you and I need some help in that area. So maybe that'd be a I good know. way, a good way to us to, to encourage our oh dear, upbringing. oh dear, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Ed, our another listener who doesn't call in, and thank you, Ed, for the for the history lesson tonight. He sent me a, a detailed history of languages and invasions and pillages and my goodness, over in Europe especially, or particularly. And uh, thank you for that. I learned so much from what people send in. And Steve sent in about the jukeboxes. Gosh, 
we have learned a million things tonight. We have. Well, and Patricia's going to be here next week, October 22nd. Yes. And Are you going to be here? I'm planning on it. You know, what, whatever <laughs> See, I you cannot... I yeah. cannot be here unless you're here. Wherever you go, I go, you know? Well, I can't go anywhere without <laughs> you. You've got all the buttons. And by then, we should have the phones. Should ha I bet we'll have the phones figured out with the next step. We'll have more of the answers figured out by next Saturday. So You are so patient. Your dad is so patient, and we thank you so much for doing all of this. Oh, my. So we're going to get this worked out. Yeah. It's, not, it's been fun having people co cooperate on the <laughs> Skype program. So. It's, and thank you for doing that, everybody. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. Oh my goodness. And we do have, we do have a presidential debate on Wednesday yep. at nine o'clock. So. And send Patricia an email and encourage her. Her goal this week is four, four setups. So, drop her an email at forthewriter at hotmail dot com and. Put four in the subject title. Have you done your four? <laughs> that's all you have to do is send the, the number four, four. and I know all. what you're talking that's about. Right. And I don't want to take credit for stuff I'm not doing. I'm not doing setups or sit-ups. I'm doing get-ups. Whatever. It doesn't, we'll call them your floor exercises. My, my floor get-up off the uh -huh. floor. That's I mean, all I have to that's do. That's all you're doing because... I mean, you know, in gymnastics, they, got, they do the four exercises. So, And I'm not expecting you to do getting ready to go for the Olympic. But this is Patricia's version of her get up the floor this routine. As long as, as long as I can stand up, which was really a challenge for yeah. a long time. Could not do it. And I'm just so happy that I can. And that's something that a munchkin like me... You really have to keep doing it, but how, how many times do you get down on the floor and have to get up? It just doesn't happen regularly, so it's not like walking up a flight no. of stairs where you get to do this all the time, so it's really important for me to do that. So I triply appreciate the little nudges. Four. That's, that's her goal this week. Cause she Four. Did six, I'll do five. She did six. Five. She did six last week. She, her goal was five. She did six, so... Her goal I shouldn't. No, you, you, uh, you shouldn't get credit for something like that. Her so I'll have this, to do five. Her, her goal this week is four. Five. I, I'll have to do five. I want. Um. No. I'm. Just, I'm just gonna hold her to four. If mm. she does five, she can have one of the fourteen dollars scoops of ice cream. You know. Ooh, or a fruit cake. Very good. Fred will be sending the fruit cake. Fruit cake. Oh boy! And if anybody else hates fruit cake, we're here. That's right. Oh. oh, good stuff. I mean, that is good stuff. It is. It is. I don't know. been slandered, as far as I can show I, ha I haven't. <laughs> 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 that's, a, that's a big word this yeah. week, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are we going to survive all of this? We will. Yes, we will. We will. Yes, we will. Okay. Well, I'm finished. All I'm, right, my I dear. Well, you, you, all of my goodies. You, you get ready. Go read a book or something to wind down. I found a Travis McGee. And is he a relation to Fibber? No. Oh. No, he isn't. Isn't that fun? Mm. Travis McGee is the character. It's a series of mysteries by John D. McDonald. Okay. And they are so good. 
I think I hit his lemon. Uh. And it's really, I'm having a hard time with it. <laughs> I'm already on page 35 and nothing has happened oh, yet. Dear. Yeah, and for for a mystery or a detective type thing, you need to get into it a little bit more quickly. I know an awful lot about Mexico because that's where it's set. Travis McGee My went mom. from Florida to Mexico. That's where his investigation is going on. So I know a lot about the geography. I know a lot about the language. I know a lot about the culture. He spent 30 pages telling me all of that, and I'm saying, but where are we going with all of this? <laughs> could, could we have a little taste of the mystery? I know what it's supposed to do. We learned that on page two, and that was the end of it. So... My mom is we'll reading. See. My mom's on page seven hundred or something of her current book. Oh dear. Oh dear. I'm going pages. to have to. Yeah. I'm going to have to expand my intellectual <laughs> horizons here <laughs> a little bit. I did read two of the Boston Blackie short stories, however. Good. Interesting. He um, really was a jewel thief. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure my mom's never read a Boston Blackie, so you got to be in that category. I think. Probably 99% of the people listening to us have not read a Boston Blackie. You're, you're, you're very unique. You're very special that way. I I love old stuff. Uh, the older, the better. Mm-hmm. I read stuff from the late 1800s. Okay, so are you, uh, in your lifetime, are you planning to read all William Shakespeare's novels? No. You're not. Whose novels? <laughs> <laughs> Bill. Bill Shakespeare. Oh, me. Bill Shakespeare. You know. Bill? Yeah, Bill. You know. Bill, Bill who? <laughs> you know, the guy who write, you know, ghost stuff. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you may have to put this in writing. I don't have it. I, I'm not. I'm not in tune with what you're asking me here. Julius Caesar, uh, the Ice of March. Oh, William Shakespeare. 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 Yes. Oh no, I would rather read Christopher Marlowe. He was a contemporary of uh, William Shakespeare. Unfortunately for him, I'm sorry. <laughs> Celeste isn't listening. Unfortunately, is not a good word. It was unfortunate for him, for Christopher Marlowe, that he got into a fight at a bar and was stabbed to death probably around age 24. And he was just starting to make a mark in the literary community, and he was no more. But he wrote in a similar style to William Shakespeare, much more understandable. I don't have to work as hard with how Christopher many, Marlowe. How much have... Sir William, books have you read in your lifetime? Oh, dear. Maybe six, seven. That's pretty good, though, Patricia. Half of them I had to. <laughs> but the others, I, it, it was okay. Uh-huh. It was okay. I, I, I did all right with them. Have you read all Dickerson's books? You mean Charles Dickens? Yes, Dickens. No. That on no. your wish list. Sure, he's okay. good. I really enjoy him a lot. There are so many to choose from and so little time. 
I mean, you just read Tom. We just read Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn not so long ago, so we did, and we we read a whole bunch of other stuff by Mark Twain, and I've got quite a few pieces of his work on my nook waiting for attention. So yes, do I get good literary credit for Mark Twain? You're you're spanning your horizons. Sort of, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Have you um, have you ever have you all, have you read all fifty six Sherlock Holmes cans? No. Is that on I'm your sure wish? I haven't. And I do. I have. Mm-hmm. I have a. Well, it's a sizable book. It's an annotated Sherlock Holmes canon, and so I really need to spend some time with that. And see what the what the experts noted in the left hand and right hand columns as we go through the stories. But at least I'm halfway there. I have it. We're very little around here. <laughs> well, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> we're literal. I'm not sure we're literary, yeah, but we're literal. True. That's for sure. That's okay. What what other what other pursuit should I be pursuing? Uh, just be adorable, as ever. That's all. <gasps> See. <sighs> I told my doctor that <laughs> a bunch of months ago. Did I tell you that? No. One of the, the the medication that that is just so difficult to deal with, and right. I've got to stay on it for a while, will frequently make people angry and grouchy and irritable. Right. And that was one of his first questions: Are you angry, grouchy, or irritable? And I said, No, I'm still my same adorable self. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so fortunate because I've got to stay on it for such a long time yeah. that. Uh, it it really is not creating that kind of a problem for me, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's what I told him. No, I'm still my same adorable sweet self. I put the word sweet in there. Adorable and sweet. Very good. Yes, I think so too. Very good. So anyway, I'm finished. All right, my dear. Have some have some have some coffee. I will have some coffee and I'll have a snack. All right. And do a little Travis McGee okay. reading and see if we can at least get into the mystery before we get to page 100. <laughs> at least I, I like his writing. John D. McDonald was really a, a cool guy. Good. Very cool. And he did live in Florida. How about that? He lived, up in, he lived up in Sarasota. He was the one who would never attend a writer's conference mm-hmm. because he said people who, who attend writer's conferences don't want to write. They want to have written. <laughs> Uh, he never, he never attended any of our, Stop. our writers' conferences. Hey, do we record your awful stuff this week? We do on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, I was just, I was just thinking of that. Okay. Mhm. We right. do. We have new awful oh, shows, no. and one of them that did not quite make the cut has Kitty Callan singing in it. Hmm. And that poor woman, I don't know how they roped her into this show, okay. but she was the touch of class for the entire the entire show. Ah. But it, it, it wasn't quite bad enough to be an awful show. Right. But I thought, oh, there it is. And they announced Kitty Callen. And my goodness, did she have a beautiful voice. Yeah. Beautiful voice. So, so you will be happy to know that Kitty Callen's appearance will not be connected <laughs> with an awful show. Some of these are really brutal. 
really brutal. I found a Constance Bennett. Do you know who yep. Constance Bennett was? Yep. Uh, she She's the sister, I think, of Joan Bennett, a bunch of them, two or three of them, from the, the Bennett family. It was an really? Family. Yeah. I thought she was a standalone. How about no, that? I think. I think. Anyway, yeah. yes, uh, she she had a 15-minute show, mm. and I'm going to keep her in the bunch. Fifty percent of the show, or close to it, was. It, it, it's a post-war program. And 50% of this particular episode was devoted to helping Europeans with food and clothing and the people who, who were so, so restricted with rationing. And it was very well done. The script was very good. She has a voice that would make you want to hold your ears. But the, the first half of the show was positively dreadful. So I have to make a decision about whether it's only a 15-minute show. It just sounds like a half an hour. Uh, I have to make a decision as to whether or not the first half of a show, and it is so dreadful first half, will actually qualify an otherwise good public service message. What do you think? I think you're gonna. I I think. You have a tough decision, but I think you're going to probably. I did the Victor Jory. Yeah. I was good. Yeah, I, think, I, 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 I think you're probably leaning in that direction. You I think? think you're, you're very sensitive about that. Yeah, but the first half is so awful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could just run eight half. minutes of it. Yeah, get to run uh, the first half. Uh-huh. Can we do that? We could. It's your show. Isn't that interesting? So, uh, well, th this is good. Okay. Well, I hadn't considered that. Yeah. I think that's a good, a, a good, a good consideration. Okay. I'll think about it. Bits and pieces, like our sweeping pattern. <sighs> My goodness, was that a bits and pieces today? <laughs> For the 88th time, you poor man. <laughs> we're, I love we're finished. So. We're finished. All right, go have, have go go have some coffee, my dear. And your snack. now I'm going to have coffee, a snack, and Travis McGee. All right, talk to you soon. Oh, good night, everybody. Thanks for being with us and staying with us. And boy, it really was a goofy night, but Very fun. So. I had a good time. King good night, Audrey, Walden. Kermit the Frog. Oh, and oh no, and Kermit <laughs> the Frog went and oh and my Ms. goodness, Piggy. yeah, and Miss Piggy and Big Bird. <laughs> For tiny bubbles. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, we'll, we'll be back next week. You That's bet. a threat. We'll see what happens. Good night, Patricia. Walden. Good night, Patricia. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless this wonderful country. Bless the opportunities we have. Look after the needy. 
Soundforge Pro 11.0 Data Window Fit here the JAWS Help Topic for Soundforge Press Insert plus F1 twice quickly For a list of JAWS specific Soundforge keystrokes Press Insert plus H For a list of Windows shortcut keys Press Insert plus W JAWS Professional 4 hours 44 minutes through Alt Tab Soundforge Pro 11.0 Alt Tab JAWS Updates of Windows M Desktop F Folder F Friday Enter Friday night, oh, one man, fan, enter, one man, 1949, enter, 93-27, one man's family, 49- one man's family, 49- unloading, job, can't, okay, enter, 19. Dear John Charles Thomas on the telephone hour at 9. This is one man's family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today transcribed, we present the opening chapter of Book 71, entitled, A Reintroduction to the Barbers. There is probably not a good-sized handful of radio listeners throughout the United States who are not familiar with the name of Barber. The Barbers of Seacliff, San Francisco, that is. Henry Barber, the head of the House of Barber, Fanny, mother and grandmother to all the barbers. Paul, the strong right arm to anyone in trouble. Hazel, the eldest daughter, now married to Daniel Murray, and the mother of Hank and Pink, the twins, and Margaret, the dark-eyed 12-year-old daughter. My goodness. Do you expect anybody to keep track of a list of names like that? Oh, Hazel. Uh, Mrs. Daniel Murray, that is. How about a little help? (laughs) I don't know why. We've been friends and neighbors of the radio audience for almost 18 years now. If they don't know us now, I doubt if they're ever going to. Still a recapitulation. Oh, well, how far have you got? Uh, That you're Hazel, the wife of Daniel Murray, and the mother of twin boys, 16, and a young daughter of 12. Mm -hmm. Well, Hank and Pinky and Margaret are out in the swimming pool at the moment. We're up at the Sky Ranch for the summer, you know. The Sky Ranch? Yes. You know, Nikki and Claudia's summer home, 40 miles down the peninsula from San Francisco. That must be in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Yes. Uh, here, Nikki's out on the front porch in the hammock. Let him tell you about it. Oh, Nikki. Yes? Someone facing me? Come in here, please. Right up. Will you put people excuse me, please? What's on your mind, Hazel? Oh, hello there. Nikki, this is Mr. Frank Barton, and he has some questions. Oh, the inquiring reporter? <laughs> in a manner of speaking, yes. <laughs> you see, after all these years of broadcasting on Sunday afternoons, one man's family has now moved to this beautifully cozy spot on Monday evening. And... Well, it seemed only proper to catch up a few threads for some of your new neighbors. I see. Nicky here, uh, Nicholas Lacey, that is, formerly of London, England, is my favorite brother-in-law. Your only brother-in-law, isn't <laughs> Anyway, he's married to my sister, Claudia. And Nicky and she are the owners of this gorgeous horse-breeding ranch up here in the high places of the Santa Cruz Mountains. The Santa Clara Valley's below us on one side, and the Pacific Ocean's a half mile below on the other. And you're 40 miles from San Francisco. Mm. Almost to the 10th mile. And here we are, and here we shall remain all through July and August and most of September. Just smell that fragrance of sun on the redwood needles. Listen to the buzz of those lazy insects. Feel the warm sun cooled by ocean breezes in the back of your neck. <laughs> oh, goodness, Nicky. What Chamber of Commerce is paying you? <laughs> Yes, I think that tells me all we need to know about the Sky Ranch. Well, now, just where do you fit into the Barber family? Well, an Englishman born. I was lured to America some 15 years ago by the younger daughter, Claudia. I've been a loving, devoted husband, a fond brother-in-law, 
and a worshipful son-in-law ever since. <laughs> and let me add that there are two daughters in the family, Joan, 16, and Penelope, 10. Hello, did somebody mention my name? Oh, Joan, my dear, come here. Okay. What's the big hairy deal this time? <laughs> big hairy deal indeed. Joan, this is Mr. Barton, a chap on the prowl for information concerning the barbers. Mr. Barton, my eldest and well-beloved daughter, Joan. Mm, I see you're going swimming. Yes, you see a great deal these days with these modern bathing suits. Hazel, <laughs> <laughs> that from you? Yes, Hazel, how about that? Well, I just can't seem to get used to these bits of draperies they call bathing suits these days. A bit of the old-fashioned girl coming out on you. Well, excuse me, please. I've got a date in a swimming pool, and then Paul and I are heading back to town. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Uh, uh, what was your name? <laughs> No memory for names, just like a mother. Uh, pardon me, will you, gentlemen? I want you to meet my husband, Daniel. Uh, out on the front porch, I think, Hazel. Thanks. Oh, there's my wife coming downstairs. Apparently going swimming also. Oh, Claudia. Hi, Nikki. Come on swimming. Uh, come here, my dear. Oh, hello. I didn't know we had guests. Claudia, Mr. Barton. My wife, Mrs. Lacey. How nice. Excuse me if you catch me all unaware and ready for the swimming pool. <laughs> I'm really quite happy I did. <laughs> quite. You can see where Joan got her good figure. Oh, goodness, compliments from a husband. Why, I take it Joan's gone out then. Yes, and I must say you've chosen a much more modest garment in which to swim than your daughter. <laughs> this is last year's suit. Wait until next year. Oh, Joan, I don't think the law will allow it. <laughs> well, if you'll excuse me. Oh, Nicky, telephone. Did someone say telephone? It's Jack calling. Oh, Nicky. Coming, old boy. Uh, Claudia, will you look after our guest a little? Excuse me, please. Oh, would you like to come out to the swimming pool? Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't concentrate. Do you mind? Oh, do you have to concentrate? Well, yes. My job is to sort out the barbers. Well, I think you must have my branch pretty well sorted. Nicholas, my husband, my eldest daughter, Joan, 16, my little daughter, Penny, 10, and myself, Claudia, the second daughter of the second generation and Clifford's twin. Well, that's wrapping it up in a small package. Oh, and here's Hazel back. Oh, that's Dan with her. He's Hank and Pinky's stepfather, isn't he? Mm hmm. And Margaret's, too. But you'd never know it. Everybody loves everybody in that family. Come on, Dan. Then you can get back to your discussion with Mother. Mr. Barton, this is my husband, Dan Murray. Hello. Glad to meet you. I understand you're having a good time straightening out which barber is which and who belongs to who. I'm beginning to see light. Well, here you have Hazel and Daniel. Out there in the pool, you see our three young hopefuls Hank, Pink, and Margaret. And that's this branch of the family, the Murray branch. Oh, good. I now have the Murrays and the Lacey's trade. Well, then you'll excuse me. Oh, no, no. Just a minute. I don't quite understand about your daughter, Joan. Did I hear her say she was going back into San Francisco this afternoon with somebody named Paul? <laughs> oh, goodness. Paul will have to explain that himself. Hazel, would you be a good egg and go get Paul? I'm in no condition to go any place but to the swimming pool. <laughs> of course I will. Thanks awfully. The girl can't stand around in the dry bathing suit indefinitely. <laughs> That's our Claudia. Excuse me, I'll see if I can find Paul around someplace. Well, why don't you let me go, Hazel? Oh, you keep Mr. Barton company. I'll be right back. You, uh, you asked about Paul? Uh, yes. Well, he's the eldest son in the family. He's right up next to Mother and Father Barber. Sometimes I get the impression, standing on the sidelines, viewing the family through the eyes of a son-in-law, that once in a while, Paul even supersedes the older generation. In town, he lives at the old family home, you know. Is that so? Yes, his quarters, bedroom, studio, I don't know what all. All up on the third floor, the whole top of the house is his. All alone? Yes, ever since his adopted daughter, Teddy, grew up, became an army nurse, and went off to service in American-occupied Germany. She's still there, still there, and liable to stay. Oh, Yes, one of the little tragedies of the Barber family. You see, Paul adopted Teddy when she was about seven years old. 
She grew up in the family home, and, and her little girl affection bloomed into a desperate, grown-up love. She was always a daughter to Paul. For her, it was everything or nothing. She couldn't have everything, so she chose nothing. Went away to Germany to help others. What an intriguing story. Oh, you haven't heard anything. This family's fairly alive with undercurrents of one sort or another. Wait to hear about Clifford and his lost 11 years. Jack and his trip with Oh, no. <laughs> wait a minute. Let's stick to one thing at a time. Oh, yes, Paul. Ever married? Yes, he married an American Red Cross nurse in the First World War while he was fighting in France. Married two weeks, and Paul was shot down in an air battle. And they pieced him together, and he was able to ask for his bride. And they had to tell him that during his convalescence, an epidemic had broken out in her hospital ward, and she was one of the first victims. He must just barely been of fighting age when all this happened. Well, underage, actually. But he never recovered from that one long-ago love. No other woman has ever taken his heart completely. Oh, here he comes. Handsome, isn't he? That's his kindness showing through. Well, what is this in here? Hazel blasts me out of my garden chair. What is it, Dan? Oh, Mr. Barton. Mr. Barton, Paul Barber. Ah, a visitor. And he's here to segregate the barbers into their various pigeonholes and recapitulate the highlights of their lives for the benefit of new neighbors on the airways. Well, you've taken on a job for yourself. So I'm beginning to find out. Have you met Dad and Mom yet? No. Well, there would have been your natural starting point. From their loins have sprung all this vast, teeming mass of humanity which you see on every side cluttering up the landscape. <laughs> we'll get to them in a moment. Well, why don't you come on outdoors where you can really see what the Sky Ranch is all about. We'll sit under a redwood or a madrone and do this thing right. Now, it's intriguing. Come along. Come on, Dan. Uh, join in a little. You folks go ahead. We'll go out this way where we won't be run down by a motor scooter or hit by flying footballs. Well, I've got the hazel and Claudia branches in the family pretty straight in my mind. I don't quite see where you come into the picture with Claudia's daughter, Joan. Oh, that's it. Well, here, sit down. Put your back up against that tree. Yeah, how's that? Oh, that's good. Why don't you happen to hear about Joan? Oh, I talked to her a minute. She said she wanted one more dip in the swimming pool before she you took her back to the city. I see. Well, every family has at least one problem child in almost every generation. It's almost axiomatic. Jones, a problem child? Well, let's say she has the potentials for it. Some children accept their lot in life without question. Even some horses accept the bit and the word collars if they were born to it. Other children and animals will fight every step of the way. Horses become outlaws, children become delinquents, and then criminals. And Jones? Well, Joan stands very much in the younger generation for what my brother Clifford stood for in our generation. Clifford, uh, that's Claudia's twin brother. Yes. I'm the eldest and Hazel and Claudia and Clifford. But what I was about to say was Clifford and Claudia, to some extent, were the rebels in our generation. Claudia married Nicholas Lacey, and he's changed her. Clifford never did find himself. The older he grew, the more resentful and rebellious he became. He still is? No. No, he recently had an automobile accident, and a strange change for the better has come over him. But that's a whole story in itself. The thing is that Clifford has lived over half his life in a state of frustration and resentment and insecurity. Well, I've seen the same first budding signs in my niece, Joan, and I've set out to nip them before they become a habit pattern in her life. Are you a psychiatrist? Oh, actually, I'm not even a psychologist. No, but I've always been sincerely absorbed in the human side of life especially where it touches on members of my own family. Yes, it shows in you. 
Well, anyway, Claudia and Nicholas agreed to allow Joan to come and live at the family home out in Seacliff, San Francisco, for the summer. You two alone? Yes. You see, I had the whole top of the old family home to myself, including an extra bedroom, which used to belong to my adopted daughter, Teddy. Yes, I know about the top of the house and Teddy. Oh? Somebody else has been talking, I see. Well, I have to keep an eye on my training school down at the airport every day, so I found Joan a job in the traffic office at the airport. She wanted to work when she could spend the summer up here? Well, we'll spend weekends up here. Well, yes, but isn't that odd in a girl of 16 to give up horses and swimming pools and country vacation? <laughs> You're persistent, aren't you? <laughs> well, if I'm going to get at the bottom of the yeah, barber... I see your point. Well, the fact is, actually, Nicholas Lacey is not Joan's real father. Oh, Claudia married a youngster just out of college named Johnny Roberts when she was 19. In fact, ran away to Reno with him. Marriage went smash almost before it got underway. And young Roberts died of pneumonia after an airplane accident in China. Joan was born after her father's death. That's right, yes. And then Nicholas Lacey came into the picture. Although he and Claudia have been married since Joan was two years old, she's never accepted him as a father. Why do you suppose? Well, you want my theory? That's all it is, a theory, but it's yours if you want it. Please. Almost always in every family where there are daughters, there's an instinctive, unconscious vying between the girls and their mother for the love and attention of the man in the family. What's this? Well, most people would be shocked if they knew this, but it's as actual and as true as life itself. Any social worker can tell you more about that than I can. However, in a well-adjusted home, and especially in homes where the husband is also the father of the daughters, those stresses and strains of rivalry between mother and daughter are good and wholesome and tend to tie the family closer together. <laughs> You're getting in too deep for me. I'm sorry, it's the orator coming out of me. Now, what I'm trying to say is that the natural rivalry between mother and daughter has been intensified in the case of Joan and her mother, Claudia, because Nicky is only a stepfather. Joan has an affectionate nature and would like to give her love wholeheartedly to her father, but... She doesn't feel that Nicky is her father, but just a handsome man who's married to her mother. You mean she's jealous of her mother? Partly. She's frustrated because she has no father on whom to bestow her affection. She's afraid to express her need to love and be loved by Nicholas because it shames her to think that maybe it isn't exactly a daughter's love. And on top of all that, Claudia can't help but sense some of this conflict in Joan, feel some of the rivalry. And that doesn't do anything but cause further complications as Claudia instinctively raises defensive barriers. <laughs> so you're taking it on yourself this summer to solve a complicated setup like that? Well, if I'm right and Joan is just suffering from lack of a father's attention, who knows? Perhaps I can satisfy that need and solve Joan's whole emotional problem as easily as that. Will it be a father's affection she gives you or something else? Well, I'll see to that. The way you saw to it that your adopted daughter, Teddy, kept her emotions within control? Oh. <laughs> well, I, I can answer that on several grounds. To begin with, Teddy was 21. Joan is a little girl, 16. Beyond that, I have much greater knowledge on the subject than I had when I adopted Teddy. And finally, Teddy's was an experience spreading over 15 years. Joan's will be a matter of a few weeks. Hmm. Oh, here comes Claudia with Clifford. No, 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 don't get up. No one stands on ceremony around here. Those two are twins? Well, not identical twins. Well, I see you rounded up Cliff, Claudia. Yes, it didn't seem 
seem quite fair for you to mon <clears throat> monopolize the inquiring reporter completely. Mr. Barton, this is my twin, Clifford. No, no, no. Sit still. You look so comfortable. Oh, yes, please. Oh, Paul, while Mr. Barton's talking to Cliff, could you come and give Nikki and me a hand in the library? Well, I'll give you a hand in the library if you give me a hand onto my feet. <laughs> okay. Oh, you A little more respect for your elder brother, young woman. <laughs> Listen to the man. Will you excuse him? Oh, certainly. And uh, thank you, Paul. Not at all. Must keep the family records in order at all costs. Eh? Well, I'll see you again before Joan and I leave the city. I'm always amazed at Paul. He's got more facets to his character than an old-fashioned diamond ring. Oh, I found him very easy to get acquainted with. I think you got acquainted with Paul at one sitting. You just got a glimpse through one door, fella. Well, I've known Paul Barber since he used to give me a nursing bottle. And he's still as far beyond me as that horizon over there. That's an interesting statement. I could make a lot more just as interesting. Well, what about you? Slug said you had a mission and you were visiting us for a purpose. And, uh, and I was to tell you anything you wanted to know. And you're willing? Shoot. Well, Paul just mentioned that uh, you had an automobile accident. Yeah. You mean you want the whole story of my life? Your life story tied up with this accident? Mm, certainly is. Every living, breathing minute of it. Well, let's have it. Well, it seems that when Claude and I were born twins, she was given a lot of fight, and I was given a lot of frustration. You know what I mean? We were children of a kind of mid-Victorian puritanical family, and we were getting our first taste of life right in the middle of a prohibition flap of rebellious younger generation era. Late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Well, strict discipline at home and all kinds of license and freedom just outside the door kind of mixed us up. But we reacted differently. Claudia butted her head right square into it. She was either going to lick it or go down fighting. And ended up eloping to Reno. Oh, you know about that. Yeah, well, uh, little Cliff, on the other hand, got confused and confused her. And ended up by becoming completely hamstrung by frustration. And on top of that, I... Well, this is still kind of sensitive. This is about your wife, Anne. Yeah. Well, anyway, Anne. Anne, wait. She was the daughter of a music professor at the University of California. Didn't have a mother, and Anne was as unfamiliar with the world as a stuffy old music lover of a professor father could make her. She, um... Well, she, uh... Yes? She hated marriage from the very moment she found out what it was all about. Hmm. Only lasted about three months when she left me. Went back to her father's house across the bay in Berkeley. And it was on one of those trips back from trying to see her and failing that I smashed up on the Bay Bridge and woke up with a silver plate in my skull. That was when? February, 1938. And after that? Well, the rest is only hearsay. What? Yeah. Here about four or five months ago, it, it seems I had another automobile accident and lit on my head again. When I woke up this second time, I thought I was waking up from the first accident 11 years ago. You've lost 11 years of your life completely? I'll tell you how completely. I woke up this last time with an 11-year-old son that I didn't even know I had. I didn't know Anne was going to have a baby when I had my first accident. I woke up this last time to find that during these 11 years, Anne had died. And I'd married and lost a second wife, a girl named Irene. Do you have any idea how it feels to have been the husband of a girl who, who isn't even a memory? Can't yourself believe ever existing? Tough. Are you kidding? Well, here I am today getting acquainted with an 11-year-old son whom I seem to have neglected completely during those 11 years I can't remember. Oh, yes, and then there's Roberta Evans. Who's she? 
girl I was supposed to have been in love with before my last accident. I didn't know who she was when I came to, but I've got to know her pretty well again. Going to marry her? Cliff, Barbara, Mary for the third time. I've always been a pretty monogamous boy in my own mind, but um, I don't know. Whatever circumstances demand, I suppose I'll agree to. Hey, aren't you getting a little tired sitting on the ground? Oh, redwood needles are a pretty soft cushion. Come on, let's stretch our legs, huh? You want to meet some of the rest of the family. We're kind of out of the traffic. Here, give me a hand. Uh, thanks. Yep. Well, come on, we'll head around the house. Oh, have you met my sister Hazel? Yes, and Claudia and Paul, and now yourself. Well, that just leaves Jack, our youngest brother. I think he went horseback riding. Well, talk about the devil. Hey, Jack! Jack, where are you going? Hello, Cliff. Just got back from a ride up the wood road. Wanna take a shower and get into my swim trunk. Well, come here for a minute. Sure, okay. He's the attorney of the family, married to Betty. He has six daughters. Six? That's what I said, six. Uh, Jack, I was just telling Mr. Barton here that you're the parent of six daughters. Six beautiful daughters, doggone it. How are you, Mr. Barton? Oh, fine, thank you. But tell me, how could a boy your age be the father of six children? Well, uh, three of them descended on us all at once last New Year's. Oh, triplets. Yeah, Abigail, Deborah, and Constance. Uh, by the way, Jack, uh, Mr. Barton's here to get a full resume of the whole Barber family. You're next in line. So tell him anything he wants to know. Wouldn't you rather wait until I've had a change and don't smell so hoarse? Oh, that's quite all right, Jack, if you don't mind. No, no, I'm comfortable. You want to go up and sit on the steps, or shall we grab these lawn chairs? It's nice out here on the lawn. Okay. Oh, hey, is Dad around? He's got to meet Dad. He's down under the madrones in the hammock. I saw him as I came up from the stables. Oh, Clifford! You being Paige, Cliff? Yeah, Hazel, out here. Could you come around to the kitchen and help us move the ice cream freezer out of the kitchen? Ah, ice cream for dinner. Well, I'll be right there. Thank you. Too heavy for Mrs. McCall to move. Yep, homemade ice cream for dinner. And what do you want to bet? It'll be fresh peas. <laughs> well, I gotta go. Excuse me, Mr. Barton. Well, thanks for the assist, Clifford. Well, who doesn't like to talk about himself? Open up now, Jack. Give him the works. I could tell him things that'd make his ears burn. <laughs> you probably will. Here, sit down. Thanks. Well, what kind of stuff do you want to know? Your private life, of course. Well, friends like uh, Betty and I have been sweethearts since we were in grammar school. Good start. And right from the start, we decided we wanted six children, all of them daughters. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, but we didn't expect to get three of them all in one mess. But now that they're here, what the heck? Anyway, uh, Betty and I were secretly married during my last year in law school, and as a wedding present, Claudia gave us the house right next door to the family home. She owned the house? Yeah. Dad had given it to her as a wedding present when he finally made up with her after her elopement with Johnny Roberts. She and Johnny never lived in the house because they broke up before the house was finished. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, then Cliff married Ann Waite and they moved in. Claude was going to give the house to them, but they only lived together three months. That ended that. The house next door seems to be rather ill-fated. Not for us. No, sir. The house across the hedge has been doggone wonderful. We moved in and have enjoyed every minute of it. We filled it full of children, and we'll probably live there, raise the girls there, and die there. Weren't you in the service during the war? Yeah. Yeah, four years at Fort Sill in Oklahoma and in Korea. We don't talk about that. Well, how's the law business? Did you ever know any rising young attorney who knew where his next fee was coming from? Right now, I'm with Judge Hunter's law firm in the city. Hey, I didn't tell you the names of my other three girls. Elizabeth Sharon Ann is six. Janie, almost five, and 
Mary Lou, too. And the triplets, six months. Yeah. Well, that just about covers the basis for the Jack Barbers. How about walking down to the hammock and meeting the head of the family? Uh, did you meet Mom? Uh, no, the senior Mrs. Barber isn't available for some reason, as I understand it. Oh, well, anyway, come on down and meet Dad. He'll probably want to begin at the beginning and take you over the whole story again. Besides showing you every nook and cranny of the Sky Ranch. Ah, good. He may even want to make a date in town to show you his gardens and the family home where he raised his brood. Is that him, over there in the hammock? Yeah. He comes up here for a vacation and spends nine-tenths of it right there in that one spot. Here we come, Dad. Pull yourself together for visitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come along with you. Sounds like he was expecting us. Well, well, Mr. Farton, it's taken you long enough to get around to the real source of information in this family. <laughs> what did I tell you? Mr. Barton, this is my father, Mr. Henry Barber. Dad, Mr. Barton. Yes, glad I don't know you. Oh, here, please, don't get up. Oh, nonsense. How can I show you the Sky Ranch lying flat on my back? Okay, fella, you're an expert hands now. Where are you going, Jack? To get out of these riding clothes and get rid of some of this horse odor. You'll find me at the swimming pool if you want me later. Be seeing you, Mr. Barton. Yes, sir. You're sure you want to stir around? Certainly, sir. First, let's walk down toward the stable. My son-in-law, Nicholas Lacey, has a model horse breeding ranch there. So I hear. <laughs> can't stand horses, myself. Matter of fact, I can't stand cows either. It's all because they take an instant distaste for me. The minute they see me, sparks of hatred shoot out of their eyes. <laughs> How can a man like an animal in the face of such viciousness? <laughs> Are you saying all cows and horses look at you with hatred? My point exactly. Huh? You hear that? That's Sky Baby. <laughs> Middle-aged horse now, but when he was born, his mother died, and Nicholas very nearly lost the coat because it wouldn't eat. Finally, Claudia personally fed it from a bottle. Been her animal ever since. There he is out in the paddock. Oh, here he comes towards us. Keep back from the fence. Hey, get back. Get back. Go on. Scat. Shoo. That's what I call a horse with spirit. Claudia spoiled him until he isn't fit to live. Oh, he, he scares the daylights out of me. Well, here, have a look at the inside of the stable. Hello, what wonderful box stall. <laughs> Nicholas just had the barn renovated this spring. Hey, aren't those palominos? Uh, I believe so. Nicholas is just beginning to breed them. Well, that should give you an idea of the stable. Oh, have you seen the swimming pool? Oh, no, I haven't. Yes, yes, sir. Go there. You know, when my wife and I got married, we were the last of our families. She was the only child of her generation of Martins, and I was the only child of my generation of Barbers. Is that so? Yes, yes. So, when Fanny Martin and Henry Barber united in 1896, we started from scratch. And I mean that financially as well as family. Something to be proud of. I think so. Fanny and I had five children, Paul, Hazel, Clifford, Claudia, and Jack. We now have 13 grandchildren. Yes, yes, I'm very well satisfied. Uh, you began life as a stockbroker, I believe. I did. First as a bank clerk, then an operator in a brokerage house already established, and finally uh, my own business. Yes, yes, the firm still carries my name down on Montgomery Street, and I retired uh, 10 years ago. With a tidy fortune, I understand. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, not near the fortune my daughter Claudia has, nor my son-in-law Nicholas. Oh? Uh, Nicholas brought his fortune from England years ago. And Claudia's money came to her through her first marriage. Yes, in fact, the bulk of Claudia's money is actually held in trust for her daughter, June. <laughs> 
Oh, that very pretty 16-year-old in the saucy bathing suit I met when I first came? Scandalous, isn't it? Like that? But they allow young girls to wear these days. Hey, Joyce, my mother would have fallen over in a dead faint if one of today's girls should walk before her in such a bathing suit. A dead faint. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> well, here, we'll take these steps. Yes, yes, yes. They're still in. Well, I don't see any of the children. Well, they've probably gone off about their business. Oh, hi, Dad. Get Mr. Barton a swimsuit and let him have a swim. Yeah. Want a swim? Oh, no, thank you. Come on, Barton. Water's fine. Thanks, just the same. Hey, Dad. Watch this for a diving board nifty. I could do better when I was in diapers, Jack. No fair. My foot slipped. Sure, you don't want to come in, Mr. Barton? Oh, yes. You're Joan, aren't you? Yes. See what I mean about bathing suits? Hey, what do you call that piece of string you're wearing, Joan? This is my bikini, Grandfather. Do you like it? Well, I'll bring along my magnifying glass and examine it one of these days. Oh, how about a suit, Mr. Barton? Oh, no. Thanks, just the same. Oh, here you are, Joan. Oh, hi, Paul. You better get into some clothes. We're heading for the city. Oh, sure, okay. Just one more dive into the pool. Here I come. Well, you got all your information on the barber? Yes, I think so. Pretty rounded out picture. Oh, there you are, Mr. Barton. You're going to stay for dinner, of course. Well, let me see. You're Hazel, Mrs. Daniel Murray. That's right. You are going to stay. Well, I thought I'd ride back into town with Paul here if he has room. Oh, of course. Oh, that's too bad. What's the matter? Isn't he going to stay? He says not. I'm Claudia, remember? Mrs. Nicholas Lacey. Oh, yes. I've got you all placed pretty definitely now, I think. Why, you couldn't possibly know all there is to know about the barbers in this short time. Oh, no, but I've got a good solid basis, and I'll pick up the rest of the threads of the story as I join you every Monday night from now on. You'll certainly be welcome. Hey, hey, Dad, watch me this time. Watch this Jack Barber diving board special. I suppose your foot slipped again. It's a gif. Who put Vaseline on the springboard? Oh, that's not Vaseline, Jack. Margaret spilled a jar of cold cream. That diving board slick as glass. Well, that's the barber family for you. Tell you, after you've broken your neck. family comes to you from California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Jaws Professional 1949-1949 Alt F4 Alt Tab Jaws Updates Available Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.1 <laughs>